Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, December 25th, 2017. Logan, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani back inside our New York City studio. And if you are celebrating today, a Merry Christmas to all of you who are enjoying this day off with your family and friends, this very special holiday. In fact, one of my favorite holidays of the year. And you may find that piece of information to be surprising considering the fact that I am a proud Jewish person. But as I've said, I do believe on this show, maybe it was the MMA beat recently. Yes, it was the MMA beat. Christmas, one of my favorite holidays. In fact, even before Thanksgiving, I am playing Christmas music in my house. I'm enjoying all the classics, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby. I mean, every single one of them. I'll dabble a little bit with the new stuff, you know, maybe a little Mariah Carey here or there, but really it's all the classics. I love it. When I was in high school, I bought the Time Life Treasury Christmas. Christmas, the three disc set and I would play it in my car in July in May in March I didn't care when it was I love Christmas music I love Christmas it's a great time of the year um, and let's not forget of course that you know JC was Jewish himself so it's all kind of the same thing I mean we're all very happy we're all excited it's a great time to be with family so this is what you're going to do today of course as I said last week this is a taped show this is not a live show all right. And what we like to do at least one time a year, we like to give you a best of episode. So what better time than now to give you a best of uh, best of episode because everyone's off um, on Christmas. And so what we've done this year is we're giving you the best of 2017 in studio edition of the MMA hour. Now, why is it an in-studio edition of the MMA hour? Because in 2017 alone, we have had more in-studio guests on this show than in all the previous years combined. And I think a major reason why was our new set. The new set just kind of lends itself to, you know, having, it just, it just felt right. The old set, didn't really feel as we had some in studio guests. You'll see them in a second, but it just, it felt different. And then we were on a streak. In fact, when we debuted this new set, there was a, a streak going for like two and a half months where we had an in studio guest every single week. I was very proud of said streak. Some of the biggest names in the sport and in combat sports came by this studio, this set 
over the past year. And so our good friend, our good friend, New York Rick is going to run down that list. We've compiled, and this is, this is a little different this year, my friends, because this year we're not just, you know, giving you the full interview that would take too long because the in-studio interviews usually last an hour. So what we've done this year, um, and, and, and New York Rick was a big part of that. We've given you highlights so that we can fit in every in-studio guest that we've had this year alone. Only 2017. We're going to do every single year because that'd just be too much. So New York Rick, give them the list. Who are they going to hear from on this best of edition of the show? Before I do okay. that, let me ask you a question. Yes, please. You go through the effort of changing the shirt. What? What are you talking about? You go through the effort of changing the shirt. Yeah. You go, this, is, this has to feel right. And then you tell them it's taped right off the well, bat. I'm not going to lie. I already Come told on. them last week. You broke the fourth no. wall. Unbelievable. I mean, I already told them last week. See, now we're getting all confused. I already told them on December 18th that we weren't going to come in because they wouldn't open the doors for me because <laughs> they didn't want anyone working on Christmas. So yeah, look, visually, I don't want to see you or I don't want you to see me wearing the same thing as last episode. However, uh, I, I liked, you know, this is, this is what veteran broadcasters do. They do this all the time in TV. In fact, I would go as far as to say you broke the fourth wall by actually addressing all of this. Uh, no, you already did it. You told them it was taped. It was very sort of under the radar. It was very sort of hush hush. <laughs> you got it. You snuck it yes. in there. Um, uh, an interesting theme on this, uh, year's season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Anyway, what? Uh, outfit outfit monitoring it, oh, it came interesting. up interesting still haven't but, watched it oh yeah okay okay what what they the the fans of this show will watch this year as ariel said huge year for us in terms yes. of in studio guests um n- there's not even a, a close second this year as he said a streak like when we moved into this new studio we had a streak of at least eight nine weeks where way we had more. somebody in studio. way more it was like two and a half weeks two and a half months excuse me that's Wait, this. <laughs> That's like eight, nine weeks. Okay. We're going to start with, this is from the old studio. Uh, episode 367 kicked it off. This was our first in-studio guest. We had Alberto Del Rio. Just run down the damn studio. list. People don't want to hear go. you naming the, 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 the episodes. For God's sakes, who cares? It's 367. I'm not going to name every single one. I'm just uh, going where we started. Okay. We, episode, we started with episode 367, Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. We moved into Chael Sonnen, Scott Coker, yeah. model Mia Ken. Yes. Fedor Emilianenko. Yes, Chris in the new place. Matt Mitrione, yes. same episode, yes. competitors yes. in New York. Yes. Scott Coker again, Michael Chandler, Chris Weidman, Dylan Dennis, Chase Sherman, mm. Pat Militich, Jimmy Rivera, mm. Shane Burgos, mm. Paul Felder, mm. Heather Hardy, mm. Lou DiBella, oh, yeah. Steven Espinoza, a real boxing theme right well, there, you, Al Iaquinta, yeah. Mickey Gall, Rafael Natal, Gegard Mousasi, Darren Till, Alexio Linick, mm. then a triple header. This was all in one episode. Oh, yes. James Vick, Kevin Lee, Randy Brown. Whew. Then our special episode with George St. Pierre, Paulo Costa, both in studio, mm. followed by Jake Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, Gary Tonin, Tiffany Van Soost, Sajara Eubanks, and Chris Wade for our last in-studio guest of the year. I mean, How about that? And you're going to get to hear from every single one of them in this episode. We spared no uh, expense in putting this together. Mm. Every single in-studio guest from this year gets some kind of representation in the show today. Yes. Select highlights from all these guests. You'll be hearing from all of them. That is a who's who. Whoever books this show, by the way, did a phenomenal job in 2017. I mean, for you to get those guests onto this program in studio, no less, 
Absolutely amazing. So I can't wait. Favorite one? Do you have a favorite one off the top of your head? No, no come, come on. on. That's like picking yeah, children. Yeah, yeah. That's like picking children. I'll say this. Yeah. George St. Pierre okay, and Paulo yeah. Costa stand alone. You weren't even there. That was incredible. You weren't even there that day. I was watching as a fan. That's right. why it means more. Um, so this is what you have to do right now. You have to sit back, relax. I hope you're wearing one of those um, pajamas that are one piece, you know? Uh, I, I feel like this is what people do Christmas morning, Christmas day. I hope you've got the fire going, the Yule log, I think it's called. I hope you've got some eggnog. I love eggnog. Uh, my kids call it Christmas drink. It's the most, ama- it's so delicious. Who does not like eggnog? Please. I, I don't. Oh my God. So disappointing. But not really a surprise that you would say that. Anyway, sit back, relax, gather the in laws, gather your family and friends, your grandparents, your aunt, your uncle that you don't really like. Gather all these people and introduce to them the beauty that is the MMA Hour and let them know that in 2017, we had more in-studio guests than all our years combined. All seven years combined, more in-studio guests. It was a pleasure talking to all of them. It was a pleasure doing this show. I hope you enjoyed this best of edition of the MMA Hour. Here we go. And it's one thing to fight, you know, kind of like these guys that they're building up it's another to fight Mirko Krokop it's another to fight in pride yes. main event pride Bushido won October 2003 you're fighting Mirko Krokop did you know who Mirko Krokop was no, you heard course. of him of course no, no, totally totally actually when they offered me the fight uh, um, back then it was my trainer was Marco Huas yes I don't know where Marco is but if you're <laughs> hearing this hi Marco <laughs> you don't have a relationship give, with give him give me a call yes. no, not anymore because okay. I, I, I uh, retired from MMA and right. I, I focused in my in my pro wrestling career but hey Marco if you're there give me a call yes you can. give him a call um, um, Marco was like hey you can do it you're fantastic I had um, um, my last fight my, my the fight before my fight before going into that Mirko fight was against Brad Collar and I, I, I completely destroyed him in, in like in less than two minutes so after that victory Marco was like hey you're, you're, your cardio is amazing you're, you, you're, you're there you're there why not you have nothing to lose if you go there. That's that's when Mirko was the man. Yes. He was killing everybody in Pride in Japan and all over the world. So Marco was like, you have nothing to lose if you go there and shock the, and shock the world. You're all set. Yeah. And if you lose, it's, nothing will right. happen. You will continue with your career. And, and unfortunately, that's exactly how it happened. Um, I wasn't I wasn't ready for Mirko that night. He was too fast for me. I, I never saw. I, I, I people is always asking me about that kick, and I'm like, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. When I saw it, it was up here uh, yeah, I could barely block it and and he ended up knocking me out I, I wasn't ready that night for him the amazing thing is is that you're wearing the Lucha Libre mask right the yeah. Luchador mask um, did that hamper anything for you I mean is it hard to, to see it's not a typical thing for an MMA fighter do you regret wearing that or was that part of the gimmick uh, you it, had to wear it well back in the day like in Mexico the the, the the lucha libre tradition is always to wear a mask. Yes, that's part of our culture and uh, all about identity and uh, the mysticism of who you are and your your right. real identity. I love it. So back then I was like really into that, believing in that, okay. and I wanted to protect that uh, that legacy and that ident- 
Kennedy. And of course, the Japanese, you know how the Japanese fans and the Japanese promoters are. They were loving it. Yeah. So they were like, no, please, wear the mask, wear the mask. Okay. Yes, it was really difficult for me to see everything while I was wearing it, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Okay. Uh, that night with Mirko, I wasn't ready because I wore the mask for f- uh, several other fights and, and I ended up no winning problem. in all of that fights with no problem. So that night, it, what it was is uh, Mirko was too, too fast for me that night. There, there's an amazing, like when you watch the fight, when's the last time you watched it? Uh, I, I think I watched it only uh, right after the fight. Oh, and, I, and that's it? it again. Yeah, yeah. Wow. There, there's nothing to watch. <laughs> but it's amazing because he looks so young and he, he yeah. looks like a killer. You know, yes. he's a very intimidating guy. Oh, that's when he was killing everybody. Yeah. Destroying everybody. And when they go to you, is, is it fair to say that you're a little bit afraid? Like you seemed a little bit tense. I, I was not. I was okay. just like I was trying to stick to the plan. You know what was the plan? Got on my positive side. Try to stay away okay. from his left leg because that's that's what uh, that was his main one. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, he was killing everybody with that left leg, and that was the plan. Just stay away. You're an amazing wrestler. You're ten thousand times better wrestler than him. If you take him down, that was the whole plan. If you if you can take him down, he's done because mm-hmm. you, you're gonna take him down, keep him down, and you're gonna submit. Of course, uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and again, I wasn't ready for that fight. That 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 for the, for that kick, that kick was so so fast. Yeah, yeah. I never saw it coming. I just remember myself, and that, that's all I remember from that fight. Me thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for for the double leg, and then boom, uh, uh, half a second after the the the, the kick was there, was up here, I couldn't stop it. And and no one would blame you if you stopped fighting after that, but you didn't. You no, kept going. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it didn't I, deter I, you. I did one more fight because I, I, to me, I was embarrassed because I lost that fight. So I wanted to prove everybody how good I am. Uh, but unfortunately, I ended up. Tur- uh, um, I turned my LZ in that fight oh, against okay. Nakamura. Yeah. I was out for for like like. I don't know six seven months. It okay. took me a while to come back into any sport, pro wrestling or MMA. Yeah, and uh, and once I was ready to fight again, Pride called me and they were offering me a different contract with l- less m- money than what I had before. And I was like, nah, no, you know no. what? I mean, yes, I like I like uh, fighting, but I'm doing it mostly because of the money. And if you're not gonna pay me that money, I'd rather go back to to pro wrestling, pro wrestling. because the money you're offering me is the money I can do just doing pro wrestling shows right some have said I've always wanted to, to ask you this some have said that that fight was a work Oh no! I, I, have you I, heard this? I have heard that so many times, and, yeah. and if it was like 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 some of those douchebags who want to protect who they are or or pretend to be tough, I will be saying, "Oh yes, it was a work." They told me to lose that fight. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it was a legit fight. I, I, one more time, I just I wasn't ready for him. He he was too fast, and and Marco and I, uh, when we were training, we were like we were a hundred percent sure that I was going to be able to take him down and yeah. submit him on the ground, but I couldn't. And once I once I, I grabbed Mirko, he was super strong. He I was I was bumbling with him, and he did this weird movement, and he was out of wow. out of my reach. And then the kick happened. Wow! It was not a work. It was just again one more time. Any Japanese promoter ever ask you to throw a fight? No, never. No, never, never happened. No, never happened. And you would think and one would ask you just because you were a pro wrestler. They want to you know they want to <laughs> build up their guy. Here they are bringing. In. It never happened. Well, well what, what the reason why they were bringing pro wrestlers in Japan? 
Japan is because they couldn't stand the fact that pro wrestling was getting more followers, more fans, uh, selling more tickets than them. Okay. So in their in their mind was like, how in the hell this sport that is not real because yeah, 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 for yeah. them it's not real. For me, it's real, even though it's scripted and we know who's gonna win and who's gonna lose, we get hurt. Sure. Uh, for them, it was like, how how in the hell this sport that is not real is selling more tickets than us? So what, this is our strategy. We're gonna kill all the stars. Yeah, yeah. And they were offering us so much money that we all were saying yes going there fighting and some of us did pretty well some others did horrible right as you know (laughs) why don't you like him what is it about Vanderlei that you do not like? We just we just could never get it right. And you know, <laughs> I can't really remember where it started. I remember the first time I ever saw Vanderlei Silva. When was that? He walked into Randy Couture's gym. I was in there sparring. Uh, How I long ago? No, no mouthpiece. So I was getting ready to fight Paulo Filo. Oh, wow. WC. Yeah. And I don't remember when that was, but... First or second? 2009. Okay. Uh, first or the second. Just trying to paint a picture here. Yeah, a number of months apart. Right, right, right. Doesn't matter. I think it was 2009. He came in, I was sparring, I had no mouthpiece. And when you're at a, when anytime you're sparring, you don't have a mouthpiece, not a good idea. Right. When you're at a new gym where you don't know the guys and you have no mouthpiece, it's, you just shouldn't spar. But I was there, I had traveled, I had no, I had to do the workout. And uh, I told Vandalay, he came in, and that was Vandalay Silva, you know, there's, an aura about him, if you will. And uh, I didn't know how his English was or mine. So I just smiled real big and, and pointed to my mouth and he said, okay. And so we sparred the round. Huh. He never threw a punch at me. He took care of me the entire time. Let me throw my combinations on him. And then he, he even coached me a little bit. He said yeah, that I should be after I, I, I punched to finish combinations with kicks. He was just a great guy. And you know, he spars really hard. He's, he's the last guy you want to go with without a mouthpiece. And I thought, well, what a great guy. I had a good experience with him. A little bit later, he opened his gym. I happened to be in town, so I went down for the grand opening. Everything was fine. I had my Anderson fight, and I was doing some kind of a press tour with Vandalay. And we ended up in a van together. And we spent the whole day together, and he had his own uh, videographer with him. And at some point, he cues the guy up, and he he cuts like a promo on me, you know, tell me to watch my mouth, and you do these things in Brazil, and you lose your teeth. And he, he was doing this whole thing, and I just thought, Vanley, this is really weird, because first off, you're telling me off, which is a little bit, that's rude. <laughs> Second, we spent the whole day together, like, we're in a van, man. What are, are you trying to start a fight with me in a van after we spent the day? And third, you brought the cameraman. Like, this is just, it's just weird. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I got my ego, too, you know, and I kind of admired the guy. But I got my ego too, so I had to push back, and then, you know, he he went crazy or whatever happened, and and uh, it's like, hey, well then, game on, man. You know, I appreciate you looking after me that one day, but if this is the way you want to go, I'm a fighter too. And so it all started there in that van. I think that was in Austin, Texas. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. was in Austin, Jen Texas. Jen Wink was in the car. Jen Wink was in the yeah. car. And I just thought it was it was really inappropriate. It's like Vandalay. I get if you're trying to make a name. Yeah. You know, and I was on top, but. Hey, you, you've been on top too. You don't need to get a name off of me. Man, you're still Vandalay Silva. You headline some big cards and you're going to keep headlining some cards. And uh, I just thought it was a really weird thing to do, particularly that he brought the video guy. Yeah. And then things just went bad to worse. Um, you know, you're going back a number of years, but I remember we were on the set of The Ultimate Fighter yeah. in Brazil. Yeah. And I was persona non grata in Brazil at that time. It, you're wiping your nose. Is that me? No, no, no. That's just me. Oh, your nose itches. I, okay. I have a big nose. It gets all right. So that's your comment. Not mine. <laughs> so anyway, we ended up out there and he starts a street fight with me. And it's like, Vandalay, 
I'm by myself. I have there's I have nobody and, and I'm the bad guy here. So if you come out and you pick on me, you're going to humanize me uh, and you're going to humble me to the audience, which is going to make them like me, which is not what I'm here for. The script is written, man. I'm the bad guy. You be the white knight. You come save your country and we'll go fight this out on pay-per-view. This is really obvious. But if you bully me while I'm alone, it's going to have the reverse effect. So first, now you just lost my respect because now you're a dummy. Yeah. You don't get it, which makes, if you, don't, if you don't understand the business, I can't respect you in this business. And then secondly, my wife was there. You start a fist fight with me, which I end up getting jumped. One of, one of his, his cronies jumps me. In front of my wife, it's like, Van, I don't like you at all, but if you show up somewhere with your wife, we're doing it your way. You tell Chael to go stand in the corner with his pants down, and your wife's, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make you look good in front of your wife. I'm not going to start a fight. This is like bro code 101, and we don't have a bunch of honor, man. It's two thieves in this thing together, but my wife's there, and you're going to start a fight with me? Man, that was hard. Wow. I could see, like, you actually, that really pissed you off. It disappointed me more than anything because it goes back to what I told you at the beginning. Uh, when I very first saw the guy, yeah. he had like an aura around yeah. him, man. It was like the first time I saw Hoist Gracie in person. It was a big deal. I remember that moment. I'm a fan first. You know, now I'm a fighter and a commentator. I've got my place in this sport, but I started as a fan and that's how my career will end. I'm a fan. I admire these guys. So you got a guy like Vandalay that's done everything that I'm trying to do. I'm try- At this point in my career, when I meet him, I'm trying to get to where he is. And he's going to go and pull something like that. It's like, man, like, come on, man. I've been around him where his kids are there. It's the gig is up, man. Your kids are there. You win. When's the last time you spoke to him? Was it at that press conference uh, when you guys did the face to face? Yeah, with Dana? 2014. You won't believe this. He's on the phone. He called in. The second? Right now. Oh, what do we, I, I wouldn't believe, believe that this. Ariel set that up. This. No, I you wouldn't think, believe it. You think it. I have a way of calling Vanderlei Silva in the middle? Listening to the show, I do. heard the stories. You think I have that power? I think you do. I don't. I see a glimmer in your eye. I'll stick to kayfabe. Vandalay, are you there? Vandalay Silva, are you on the phone? Yeah, my friend. I hear, I hear everything. And I know. That's him. You talk you like, man. You, you need to talk to Chell. He's talking like a loser, man. Man, I'm not, I'm not your friend, man. You know that. You know we have some problems. And you come to see a lot of this terrible history. Fuck yourself, man. Let's do that. Man, well, why do you talk about that history? No, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Fuck yourself, man. I want to well, beat you very bad, man. And 24 June, you're going to have that time. Bye. Vanderlei, are you still there? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. This story that Chell just, just told about the, the, the brawl on The Ultimate Fighter, did you know that his wife was there? And, and, and if so, do you regret going through that with him? Oh, no, 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 to, 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 to tell this sad history. Oh, this, that, no, no, ever, man. I am a man. He is a man. I have two balls. He have two balls. Let's do that. No, 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 no. I have a reason to, to, to tell all this sad history. Right. Man, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Make, make the job. Make the good fight. Make, make you one of the biggest fights of the history. And I want to beat you so bad. Anything you want to say to Vanderlei Trail? No, no. Uh, can I ask you the same question, Vanderlei, before you go? And I appreciate you calling in. Uh, I asked Chael, why do you dislike Vanderlei? He told me, why do you dislike Chael? Man, he, he, we, we, we. Oh, we lost him. We are the top fighters in the world. 
we're going to make one of the biggest fights of the history. You know, one of the bigger, one of the most famous arenas in the world. In that day, Bellator is going to be biggest than UFC. We're going to make UFC, we're going to make Bellator biggest than UFC in that day. For the first in a lot of times, but that day, we're going to make one of the biggest events in the world. And I wanted to tell just one thing for you, Ciao. Let's go stop to talking. Let's go training because, man, you're going to be in trouble with me in June. Bye. Thank you, Vanderlei. Bye. Did you get that? I got that. You the know, it message took me, at the end? It took me a second there. Wow. How about that? I thought that because I thought it was a voice. So I was waiting for him to pop up. I thought, okay, what's here pulling? That was Vanderlei. That was. Oh, you thought that whole thing was a rib? No, well, I, I actually thought it was. I thought this guy's really good. It's, yes, I thought I it was a rib, but I was waiting for his face to pop up. And when it didn't, I was like, "Oh, Van, Ariel's pulling one." Vandalay's only been on the show once. I'm not a texting buddy with him. So how do you know it was him? Same way I do. It sounded just like him. No, in my ear, they told me, "Hey, okay, Vandalay just called in." All right, how about that? Pretty cool. That's something. That's uh, I'm that very happy for you. But you didn't want to talk to him. You know, I don't know what to say. I, I didn't know what to say that whole time. I, 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 are we doing a back and forth? Like, we have a press conference tomorrow, by example, sure, sure, out, sure. out here in New York. But he's not coming. He's not coming? He's not coming to the press conference. Why? And, and we, that's, this is another reason I thought that, that was a rib. <laughs> uh, he's on the list. He's not coming to the press conference. So then I go from here to Chicago, yeah. Mo versus Rampage, live free and only on Spike TV. That's true, I heard. Uh, so I'm going out to Chicago for that, and we're going to do a face-off. Everybody that's on the pay-per-view, everybody that will be at the press conference, will be. Vandalay's not coming. It's like Van. Wh- what do you mean you're not coming? Who who misses a press conference in New York City? Who doesn't go live on Spike TV for for some kind of a a promo? But he's not coming. But here he is on the MMA. You pulled off what MSG. Finally. And frankly, what Spike, even even Friday with Mo and Rampage. And by the way, I didn't pull off anything. 9 p.m., 6 in the West. He listens to the show, clearly tunes in. He's on the show. You pulled it up. How you did I time Vandalay. it? How did I time it that we were just talking about him and then there he is calling into the show? But you're a genius. Here's the thing. Here's the, I'm, not, I'm not taking any credit. Here's the thing. Did I you feel just, like you're taking the credit. No, no. Eh. I mean, look, the show is the show. Eh. It's a good platform. All right. I mean, could Joel pull something like this no. up? Let's not get into that. Let's not get into Joel. I mean, you talk about a scrub of all scrubs. I mean, the job squad. Tell that guy to get my name out of his mouth. Do you ever look back at some of those fights, those strike force fights? And now, I mean, I said this to our guy, New York Rick, uh, before the show. It feels like finally Bellator is in that sort of strike force headspace again with the kinds of cards, the kinds of people you have on the roster. It took, I mean, you were hired by Bellator Viacom almost three years ago now, 2014. Mm-hmm. You ever look back and be like, man, if I could just get like a, maybe a Rockhold here, a Cormier there, a Jacare there, like if I just had a little bit of those guys, I'd be so much further along. Like, is it almost sometimes at the beginning like a bit like deflating like oh I gotta it's like you build this championship team and then you have to build up an expansion team well you know what um, when I came into the company it was June of 14 and then if you recall we had to go on the road right away and do yeah. these 10 week shows in a row so really I, I think the first kind of like stamp I had of the show was like November of 14 mm-hmm. and so from that point forward I would say that's kind of like the era that, that I took over because uh, I once I told him I said look you have a good roster it's not a great roster but you have a, a good roster and uh, we have to build 
the new guys. Like we we went and signed Aaron Pico. We went yep. got a couple of the guys. Now we you know the the train is gone, man. We are sending guys like crazy. You know yeah. all the new prospects, uh, the Tower of Fortunes, the Ed Roos, you know the Dylans of the world. Uh, and then, uh, but at that time, you know it was really about gra- grabbing a couple guys and let's build these guys. Let's let's go back to the basics: star identification, star building, and let's create some stars. And then in the meantime. Just like Strike Force, let's go buy some free agents. You mm-hmm. know, let's go buy the guys that have the recognizable names. And uh, Phil Davis was the first one that came over, and then Benson Henderson, uh, and then the floodgates open. Yep. You know, and now, you know, we have a very, very good roster, and uh, I'm really proud of what we've done because really, I told you know Spike TV, I said, look, this is going to be, you know, four to five year process to get to this point because. It's not like it was back then where pride was, you know, gone and then these guys were just floating around yeah. for me to start, you know, picking them up. So uh, we're going to have to build some, we're going to buy some. And that's really been the philosophy of Strike Force, and it's the philosophy I brought here. And it's, worth bo- it's worked both times. So I'm pretty proud of that. Is it happening quicker than you expected? I told Spike TV, I said, look, you, for us, you know, two and a half years into the process, it's it's about we're about two years ahead of where I thought we would be. Wow! When I first you know came up, really, mm-hmm. and why do you think that is? Boy, I tell you, it's uh, a lot. Of th- a lot of things happen. The Reebok deal happens, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, fighters are like, "Hey, I want, I want out of here," and then the company gets sold. Then fighters are like, "I want to get out of here." Yeah, you know, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I don't even know like you saw the thing like exactly you know how much that that has affected you know the the overall fighter like the fighter wants to get paid he wants to be treated fairly yeah. treated with respect and he wants to get uh, uh, you know get paid to provide for his family and, uh, and and make a living that's really what it comes down to in a weird way do you think that they have almost expedited this like who could have saw this coming right because you just mentioned three things or at least two things that were UFC things not Bellator things. Yeah, you mean as far as the... There is uh, a theory, mm-hmm. and I subscribe to it, that they expedited this turnaround for you guys right. in the sense that a lot of guys are like, hey, I want to get sponsors again. Maybe I don't want to check in with USADA 24-7, 365. Right. Maybe right. I feel like I'm not getting paid what I was worth when I see that the owner walked away with $4 billion. Right. They expedited this. Yeah, I mean, you could say that. And, uh, you know, it's been good for us. You know, business has been very good and very happy because you get guys like Bader, you get guys like Glenn Larkin, you know, you get guys, you know, the the, uh, the legend fighters like Chael and, and Vandalay. I mean, that's something that, you know, uh, when you look at like the fight card in New York, we got two killer fights, and then we think the other fights will be killer. But we got two legend fights that everybody's going to want to see. Yeah, and so you know, you 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 need to have that you know roster to be able to do fights like that. Do you feel a lot of pressure though? Because we talk about the word free agency. Mm-hmm. There's not real free agency in MMA because there's only really two places to go. Yeah, you mean you can have the odd guy go to one. Mm-hmm. You could have the odd guy go to Ryzen. You could have the odd guy maybe go to the World Series of Fighting, though they haven't really signed anyone of note. There's really only a second place. Now, this is better than no places. Right. I mean, think about that. But it feels like every free agent is hoping that you'd give them a deal. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, there's, you know, there's a couple of leagues out there that could pick them up if they wanted to. Yeah. Some of the leagues but are they can't hang with money. you in the UFC. Well, I think that, um, you know, that, you know, I, I'm not, I, I can't evaluate their business for <laughs> right. how they run, right? So I can only do what we can do. Sure. You know, and, uh, you know, the. Do you feel pressure to pick up everyone? No. 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 
you well, are strategic. There has been other fighters that have been offered that yeah. we said, no, we're not interested, you know, or we thought that uh, the pricing was too aggressive or uh-huh. we just felt like, you know, uh, it's value, you know, for what you're getting, you know, is, is the fighter worth this much money or is the fighter worth these terms? I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a business decision. And, and I don't want to say names because some of these guys are friends of mine, but sure, sure. there's been some, you know, big free agents, not, uh, not free agents, but fighters that were on their way to become free agents that, you know, we just, we decided, you know, we're not going to do it. I wasn't in a very good place at one point. I've been through a lot with my modeling career. I've been a model for 15 years. Um, and I actually went to Thailand yep. as like an escape. I was like, I need some time out. Went to Thailand for an escape. And I actually ended up a 10 day vacation ended up with me moving into a Thai training camp and staying there for nine months. <laughs> wow. So, um, in a way, Muay Thai really helped me sort my life out, get over a whole bunch of issues that I was going through at the time. It brought me sanity and peace of mind. And weirdly enough, it's like a great balance with what I do. Like what I do is I live in an extremely egotistical, narcissistic world where mm-hmm. I spend so much of my time thinking about how I look and getting criticized about how I look and, and judged. And Muay Thai, I found, was the complete opposite of that. And that goes with all combat sports, I think. I think when you step into a ring, you have to entirely leave your ego aside. You know, you can get your ass thrown around and get your ass handed to you all, and, and you stand up and you shake your opponent's hand and you say, you know, thank you. You're, mm-hmm. you're better than me. Thank you. I learned a lot. And that was the perfect balance for me, you know, to, to not have any ego at all. So I think my agency definitely saw that and, and clients definitely saw that. And I'm so lucky that everybody supported what I do. Why were you in a bad place? What was going on? Um, I mean, I've, uh, listen, I've been judged on my appearance day in and day out since the age of 13. I've been through every eating disorder, body dysmorphic disorder on the planet that you could ever imagine. I mean, anorexia, bulimia, addiction to diuretics, laxatives, uh, anything, you name it, full, fully body dysmorphic. I would look in, in the mirror and see a fat person. I, I grew up obese um, and overweight and bullied. I halved my weight. So I've, I've lived on both extremes. I've wow. been a size 14. I've been a size zero. Um, and just day in and day out and feeling guilty every time you eat something and being criticized on every tiny part of your body. And I, I just had enough and I moved to New York and, um, you know, I, I thought I was doing well and, and I have amazing clients like sports illustrated and, and I was, I just kept, it was just too much. I just, I had too much and, uh, I was being asked ridiculous things, uh, you know, to go on like 10 day liquid only diets before shoots Mm. and things like that, that I was just so unhealthy and I just wanted to go to Thailand and be in the sun and, you know, and yeah, Muay Thai and living in a, in a training camp and going through all that. I mean, it taught me to respect my body. It taught, it brought me out of everything that I was going through, even basic things like eating three meals a day, you know, that, that I learned how to do that. And Um, you know, I found strength in my body that I never knew I had. I saw things in my body that, you know, like I I had a six pack at one point. Never in my life did I ever think that I was going to have a six pack. Like it really gave me my self-confidence and really like 
helped me rid of a lot of insecurities that were weighing me down my whole life. Wow. Yeah. Do you almost wish you found this earlier? Like things would have been easier? A hundred percent. Like as a teenager? A hundred percent. Really? Yeah. When, 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 when you were considering coming back, a lot of people said there's not really much for him to do that's new in the sport, except, of course, fight in the UFC. You're the greatest fighter to never fight in the UFC. Is there any part of you that says, eh, you know, that would have been nice. Maybe that ship has sailed. Do you ever think about that one time? Seeing what it was like fighting for the UFC, do you ever think of it? Ну вот, когда вы объявили о своем решении вернуться, многие люди говорили, ну, в принципе, наверное, ничего такого нового, что мы можем увидеть, но вот если Федор будет в UFC, вот это будет действительно интересно. А вот вы сами, вы как-то думали об этом, рассматривали вы такую возможность биться в UFC? Да, рассматривали. Если бы UFC хотела, наверное, то я бы мог бы выступать. We did review the opportunity to, uh, to fight in UFC. If UFC wanted me to get in, we could have performed there. I think they wanted you. Um, uh, we didn't come to the agreement. Right. When were you closest? Uh, When, when was he closest with the UFC? Because we know about this meeting that I think когда was in был, 2010. Момент, вот вот mm, know. Мы никогда не могли договориться окончательно. Если мы со Скоттом встретились, проговорили, позже он прислал контракт, соответствующий нашим переговорам, и мы подписали, и все. То здесь все как-то так... It was always something which wouldn't work out, mm. you know, just going back and forth. If, for example, speaking about Scott Cocker, you know, we met together, you know, we discussed a lot of issues, you know, we negotiated, we agreed, then he sent me the contract, everything was this, you know, just exactly. And, you know, the contract was signed. As for UFC, always something would be... <laughs> would pop up. Yeah. Right. Um, is it fair to say that that dream is, is, is dead, that, that, that at this point you will never fight for them because you're happy with Scott and you know, you're, you're at this kind of stage of your career where it doesn't seem likely that you would ever go there at this point? Можно ли сейчас сказать, что, наверное, проект с UFC уже больше, наверное, никогда не состоится, потому что сейчас, в принципе, вы на контракте со Скоттом, вы, вы довольны и счастливы э, своим положением. То есть можно ли сказать, что вот, наверное, уже с UFC ничего не состоится? Я никогда не относился к тем бойцам, которые при, при аббревиатуре UFC начинают выпадать в осадок. Well, I cannot refer myself to the fighters uh, who have a very exaggerated and excited reaction hearing the words of the UFC. Мне нет разницы, где выступать, в UFC или в Прайде, или в Strikeforce. Сейчас в Беллаторе, мне кажется, важно с кем выступать, с кем биться. 
For me, there was always no difference where to perform, in which organization. Would it be the UFC or the Pride or the Strike Force or Bellator? The main thing is who is your opponent? Ну и, конечно, сохранить те отношения, которые имеются с этой организацией или, там, не знаю, с людьми этой организации. And also, you have to have good relationship and preserve that good relationship with people who work in the organization. Боец это боец, он проходит очень многие испытания, очень многие огромные нагрузки. Это не туалетная бумага, которая So the fighter is the fighter, and he deals with a lot of things. He goes through a lot of tests. You know, his load is a huge one. It's not the toilet paper which you can use just for one certain purpose. Hmm. So, well, I performed, uh, you know, against different opponents who were, you know, best fighters in the UFC. You may have heard that Tim Haig, the former UFC fighter, passed away, right? I'm really, I'm really upset by that, man. I actually tried to, uh, yeah. Um, Boxing match. Yeah. Um, complications, injuries, brain. And yesterday it was, it was reported. We have the information on our site if you want to read about it. How do you react to that? I mean, this is a guy, you, you never fought Tim Haig. But you were I did of, fight Tim Haig. You did fight He was Tim my fourth Hague. fight. Of course, of course, of course. I had to fight for the troops. Yes, The picture course. they put up of him flexing is at That's the fight That's right, for the yes. How do, you, how do you react to this? <clears throat> um, I have a lot on my mind about that. Um, I texted uh, <laughs> his number oh. um, afterwards and... Uh, And I, I, I don't, I'll tell you what I, what I said, just because it, it really threw me off. Um, and the person who has his number now responded. When's the last time you spoke to him? Um, maybe a year ago. Oh, so you kept in touch? Yeah, for sure. Tim and I were cool. Okay. Yeah. What did you text him? I wrote, hey, it, it's Matt Mitrione. Uh, I know writing Tim now is in bad taste. And I don't really know what to say, do, or who to contact. Uh, I'm, and if this can get out to his people, I'd really appreciate it. Um, uh, I'm so sorry about how things turned out. Please let me know what I can do. I fight this weekend. It really has me thrown off. Uh, what about Tim's son? I don't know if Canada has universal life insurance as well. Uh, please, if anything, anybody reads this, please let me know how I can help. Um, and the person wrote, was like, Hey, it's not Tim's number, man, but I hope you find it. And I was like, all right, well, and they said, Hey, how's Tim doing? And I said, well, he died. Uh. Um, you know, like, it, uh, it, it sucks, man. It, it's, you know, and I heard about a post he made on Facebook about like, uh, he just wants to get some money so we can have a great father's day with this kid, you know, uh. like dude, it, it, it sucks, man. It, it's, there's no easy way to, uh, to sugarcoat it. It's a horrible situation. I know how, how proud he was of his son. Um, I know uh, how proud he was to be a father. Um, he was a really good dude. And um, I mean, it just sucks, dude. Like, I, 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 f I freely make the comment that we deserve to get paid as well as we did com command or should be paid because we take the chance of never leaving that cage the same ever again every time we walk in it. Uh, and this is exactly the scenario I'm talking about. Whether you, um, God forbid, you die from a situation like this or you lose use of something because of a, an impact or an injury or whatever the situation is, um, 
we deserve to have financial security for something like that. We deserve that if you ever fought in the UFC and something like this happens, that there needs to be some kind of life insurance that's uh, put into it. Like there, this should be a, a massive call for unionization. Like, hey, look, what the hell's going to happen with Tim? What's going to happen with this 10-year-old son? Or I have no idea how old he is. I think he's around 10, 11, mm. something like that. Like, what's going to happen with him? Is he nowadays stuck like Chuck? Oh, Tim had, uh, had, had a mortgage in this. Oh, by the way, you guys owe this much money or we're going to take this away. Is that what's going to happen now? Like, what do you do? Um, just sucks, man. It's horrible. Unequivocally, this is the biggest fight of your life coming up. And now, you, you know, you, you, you hear this news and it's a friend and I know it's not MMA, it was a boxing match, but you know, in this case, it's all the same. How do you react to that? Like, you know, cause I'll, I'll do, I didn't know Tim personally. I've met him and interviewed him, but not like you, mm-hmm. to me, you, you, when you hear this, you're like, what are we doing? You know, there's a part of you that says that, right? Like, this is kind of crazy. How do you react to it? Um, you know, man, uh, it's hard. It's a very, uh, very difficult thing. Like maybe if I didn't fight him, I'd be like, damn, that sucks, man. But like now that I fought him, I knew him. Yeah. Um, you know, on Father's Day, yeah. like there's a, uh, there's a lot that sucks about it. Um, but how, how do you fight, man? I mean, it's my job. Yeah. That's what I do, man. Like I could be, I could clean windows on a building. You know I mean? I could, God knows. So you didn't have a moment where you were like, God willing. Yes. God's mm-hmm. will. God's you didn't will. have a moment where you were like, screw this. No, no. No, this is my paycheck. This is what I do. I have a commitment. Fedor has has uh, worked his butt off uh, several times now to yeah. fight me. Um, I've worked my butt off several times to fight him now. Longtime viewers of this show will know uh, about my friend Adam Geller, mm. uh, who passed away, and you invited his his wife to the event, and I saw her not only at the Wayans but the event as well. So it says a lot about you that you would reach out to her and give her great seats. Kudos to you. That yeah. really that was really. I never met her in person, yeah. and I felt oh, like I knew I her because he talked so much about her. So yeah. it really uh, it, it was. And really that's something. exactly what it was. You know what Adam was like. You know he was one of our teammates at Showtime, and he and I became friendly and good and. Uh, when he showed me his wedding video. Yes, on his YouTube. And uh, it was um, um, the girl from Pride. Um, Lenny Hart. Lenny Hart. Yeah. And she's doing the intros, like yeah. fighter intros. And here comes the groomsmen and the bridesmaids. I said, this girl is special. You know, think about that. How yeah. many... Was, how many people, how many girls would, or family okay would that. allow yeah. it? So she allowed it. And so I never got to meet her either. This is the first time I met her. So when, you know, Adam passed, as you know, and uh, I saw him probably... Seven months before he came with the Morgan son, came to fight. We were talking, and he just seemed in great spirits, always happy, and had a baby. And and then you know he passed really fast, and you know it was it was really shocking and devastating. And and I said to myself, you know what, I'm gonna reach out to Deborah, and we're we're gonna continue this link. You know, this yeah, link well is done. not gonna die. And um, you know, I look forward to inviting her to more fights, and spending time, and just getting to know her like like I knew Adam. How do you put into words how you're feeling right now? I don't know. It's it's weird because you you think about you think about your own emotions or you think about your own interpretation of the situation, but there's doctors involved, there's referees involved, there's there's the big stage, there's the the fans on Twitter, there's the media, there's everybody's different perspective. So you, you don't really know exactly how to take it because every now and then you'll hop on Twitter and be like, oh, I never thought about that perspective. Or you hop on, you know, or you listen to something that you say, like, I didn't think about that perspective as either, you know? So it's, uh, it's interesting, man. It's, it's just one of those things. It was a freak, 
freak deal. I mean, a freak accident type of, I mean, I was out there and I was like a lame duck, if you will, you know, and Brent Primus still couldn't really finish me. Honestly, he didn't even lay, lay leather on me. Okay. The, so the ref stopped the fight, you know, because of the, in, the, the severity of how bad the injury looked. When does it start? He, he kicks you? No, when I'd stepped back and rolled my ankle. Okay. And it rolled underneath me and bent seven ways to Sunday. Wow. Um, I think I did, I stretched it and stretched it so bad that it, it jacked up the nerve and I have zero nerve function and I had zero nerve function in my left leg. Okay. From so the knee down basically. Did you so, feel it right away? I felt it as I got up and started hopping around and, and you see me hop and hop and hop, but it was more on my heels than on my toes because I literally, my brain was telling me to take a step, but my foot, my foot can't do this. If that makes sense right now, dorsiflexion. No, okay. I, my foot cannot go like this so I can walk. Um, I have, you know, a sprained ankle obviously by everybody who saw the, yeah, but the you didn't replays. break anything. No broken, wow. no broken bones. Thank you God. Think? I mean, Oh, you heard me. I said, I looked, the, I, I looked at three doctors in the eye and said, this thing better be broken. If you were going to stop this fight in front of all these people, with all the hard work that I've put in, with all that's on the line, that belt on the line, this thing better be broken. Now I sit here after a, a 24 hours to kind of cool off, 48 hours to cool off. I'm very happy that I'm able to walk in here on my own two legs and right. you know have a jacked up leg. But um, nothing's broken, man. I went, went straight to the ER. The people at um, Doctors at Bellevue ER, man, I, I got in, they, they x-rayed it. Nothing broken. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I, you know, I could be insert just getting out of surgery right now with a rod in my leg and luckily it's not i mean it, it looks extremely it looks extremely gruesome you know I, and i've had tons of support i mean so many text messages so many people on twitter and instagram facebook like reach out and there's there's so many people that have been behind me and supportive and worried about my broken ankle and thank god it's not broken you know so for everybody it's not broken everything is good i will be back in the bellator cage and i will have the belt wrapped around my waist before i even um, lose the tan lines that were, that were, that were left there from the, the time I had it two, two days ago. So, so do you think the doctors made the wrong call? Man, what do you do? You know, I mean, if, if you lined up a hundred people right now and said, Hey, watch this clip. Yeah. Is that man right there fit to fight? Right. 90, 90% of them would say no. You know, I mean, he was, was stumbling all over the place. Now, now you look at it from the, competitor standpoint or you look at it from your shoes where you've seen a million fights or it maybe if it was big john mccarthy in there or maybe if it was dan Murgliata or a different ref maybe they would have saw and interpreted it different i mean literally on the unfortunate part of the situation was that ref called for the doctors to come into the cage 15 seconds after i just dropped him yes on one leg yes so that's that's where that's where the hard part comes in because I was standing there. I said, come on, take it, break it. I looked I him right in the eyes that. and I said, take it, break it, you know, kick it. Let's do it. If you're going to do it, do it. You know, five seconds later, he was on his butt on the canvas. He, I was the only man to land a punch in that fight and it put him on his butt. So 15 seconds later, the fight is stopped. So um, that's the unfortunate part. I think, honestly, I had a beat on him. I got my distance. I realized I was, I realized the left leg was not working, but the right hand was cocked and it was ready to go. And I, I would have finished him. If this was the 18th century and you know, I was in the middle of a field and it was me and Brent Primus and I had one leg to stand on 
and we're fighting to the death, I win that fight 100 times out of 100. The fascinating thing that's here the, is... That's the funny thing. I, I feel like the intensity right now coming off of you. Like, I feel like you're still fired up. I'm still the champion. Let's be honest. An injury took me out of that fight. Brent Primus can wear his Hugh Hefner jacket <laughs> and throw that fake belt around his shoulder. I, already, I told Scott Curry, I talked to him on the way here. I said, book, book the fight. Let's do it later this summer or later this uh, fall. It's a, uh, it's a foregone conclusion. My leg is, my leg is, un- I don't want to say unfortunately, fortunately my, my leg is fine, but it's, it's just crazy to be standing in here. It's crazy to have been able to go shopping with my wife today, hobbling around a little bit, but walking around New York city. But 48 hours ago, my leg wouldn't function. Right. You know, so no, no crutches needed or are you just that damn tough? I mean, it's a little bit of both. Maybe, you know, they, they said I needed crutches, but I, I also had my, um, my doctor there. Um, he's an orthopedic surgeon, okay. Sanford medical in Sioux Falls. So I'm, um, he was there. You brought your own doctor. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. He, he wrote, he, he rode in the ambulance with me. Wow. So he, and that's the crazy thing. 10 minutes after the fight ended, we went back there and he said, Michael, I don't want to tell you this, but I don't think. I want to tell you this, but I don't want to tell you this. You don't have a broken leg. Mm. Your leg is not broken. Your ankle is not broken. This test, this test, and this test, test are all negative. I think what you have is nerve damage. And it's that, that per- perineal nerve that runs up, your, up the side of your leg that is in charge of your brain firing the neurons straight down to your leg to say, lift your foot. It's just not working. And um, that's a hard pill to swallow. I was back there. And my, it was me and my wife back there. And I had some choice words for the doctors because I was like, do you realize what you just did? Like the New York doctors. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I love New York is a cool city, but I, I don't want to fight here Why? ever again. I just, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit amateur hour, man. Like it's, it's different M- MMA. They, they don't know what they're doing when it comes to MMA as much as they should, mm. you know, what do you mean? Just everything, you know, it's, I mean, how many fights have we had in New York now? Five? Yeah, something like that. Five. 205 World Series, we've, something like that. We've had what? Five, five cards and every single one of them have some pretty something. crazy controversy on them or something weird going on. Now, granted, like I said, if you lined up 10 people, nine of them would say he wasn't fit to fight. Somebody get him out of there. So you can't, but it's just, they're over cautious because of stuff that's going on, I yep. guess, and they will always cover in their butts. But man, it's when there's money on the line, when there's people's livelihood, when there's legacy on the line, when there's records on the line, when there's contracts on the line, when there's all this stuff on the line, I know that I know that the doctors and the ref and everybody involved did the best that they could with the information they were given. So I'm not mad. I'm not upset. It's just one of the things and man, I'm, I'm still the champion. I'm brushed my teeth this morning and looked in the mirror and said, Michael Chandler, you're still the best in the dang world. And that's the truth. And that's, that's what it is. And that's how it's going to be. And that's how it's going to continue forward. I'm going to get the leg looked at with, by a, a nerve specialist this week and get an MRI and make sure the ankle ligaments and all that kind of stuff are good. But chances are, it's all going to say it's checked out. And in two weeks, I'm going to be ready to go. So like, are you in pain right now? Uh, Pain's a relative term. Okay. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, a little bit, but I mean, it's, it's more uncomfortable. It's, it's more literally just looking down at your leg. You know, I've been like, I've been so blessed, man. Like my body, my body is so durable. My bones don't break. And that's, that was the problem. Like if, if, if the doctors and the refs knew my history and the things that I've put my body through, I would, I could tell them with full certainty, guys, my leg is not broken. Let me mm-hmm. keep fighting. My leg is not broken. You know, my bones don't break. I just had a DEXA scan. If you don't know what that is, it's a $25,000 machine where you lay down completely still and they, it zzzz over top of you and you get your body fat, your bone density, all, all your water, all that kind of stuff. I have, I'm in like the 99.8% percent 
projectile on bone density. Wow. You know, so I knew the bones weren't, weren't broken, but back to what I was saying, like I've been just so extremely blessed with such a well-enabled body to be able to, yes, it's a lot of hard work and I put a lot of hard work in and I take care of my body and I live a disciplined life. So my body, I expect my body to perform accordingly. Um, so to have this, this body that's been firing on all cylinders for the last 31 years to look down on my leg and, and look at it and my brain is telling my foot to go up and it won't, it's a scary, it's a scary thing. But I got some of the brightest minds in medicine in my corner and we already talked about it and they said two weeks from now, after a little bit of rehab, your foot's, your leg's going to be 100%, 100% ready to go. You could fight in a month. So what I saw was you're obviously hurt. You're, I mean, unbelievably tough, like unfathomably tough. You continue to go, you drop him. You're telling, I saw, I even asked Brent this question at the press conference. Like I saw you say to him, hit me, take it off, break it off. And that was just absurd to watch. I have so much more respect for you. And, and that wasn't even possible. But I mean, it's just your heart was unbelievable, the, the, what, you, you, what you showed. And then I see you go, they, they call time. You go into the corner, they're talking to you. You get up, you go back to sit down and someone moves the stool and then they call it off. And I thought that, they thought you couldn't stand. I hope that's not what it was, because that would be the, one of the weirdest, most unfortunate things. Who moved that stool? That was a commission guy, right? Yeah, I know his name, but I'm not going to say it. How'd you he's find a, out? He's an awesome guy. I love the guy. Like, he doesn't he, work in your corner. No, no, he's absolutely. a New York guy. Yeah, he's, he was he was my guy. Like so. So is the, he a Bellator guy? No, he's he was a New York once again. Okay, New York yeah. Athletic Commission. He was the guy. He was he walks in. Hi, I'm so and so. I will be your commission. You have you have a commissioner with you. Um, the whole way through. You can't take a pee. You can't walk to the bathroom. You can't walk out. You can't eat anything. You can't drink anything. You can't do anything without them watching. They watch you get your hands wrapped. They watch you put on your gloves. They watch you tape up your gloves. They watch you put on your out. That's common in arm. every state though, right? Common yeah, in every yeah, state. So, so that's procedure. your guy. Yeah. That's, that's your guy. So he, he walks out with you. Okay. Makes, he, he's basically in charge of making sure I don't get myself in trouble. He's in charge of the drug test. He's in charge of all that. Um, he, he is basically in my pocket for the whole way to make sure I don't do anything. So whenever, whenever the fight got stopped, timeout, postponed, which I was going to ask you, I don't even know if that's even legal, how, if that's even supposed to, how that's supposed to happen. But we're sitting there. He had to come into the cage because he's my guy. He's in charge of everything, Michael Chandler, that whole, that whole event. So he put this, I guess he brought the stool up because my cornermen can't, aren't allowed to come in. Yeah. He put the stool down. I stand up. I guess for some reason he thought we were going to continue. He pulls the stool out and it's gone viral. It's made yeah. chive. It's made, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's got millions and millions and millions of views at my expense. Yeah. You know, I does mean, it drive you nuts? No, I mean, I was laughing at him. You're man. laughing. Like, literally the, the night of the fight, I'm sitting there. I mean, people are ruthless. You guys are freaking ruthless. Yeah. The human race is ruthless. Okay. You just had a man go out there and yes. millions and millions of people walking around like a baby deer that just got birthed into a, a field and walking around on, on the skanky leg stanky leg or whatever you want to call it. And there's people posting these videos of that runway model with her ankles and Horrible. like posting the video of, of me getting, you know, dropped on my butt on the, on the stool. It's just it's like, not funny. People, 
It's not, but what are you going to do? I mean, people hate, people love to make fun of people. I saw people. some media guys tweet. I'm like, this is not funny. Yeah, it's, it, this is not. It looks bad on the sport, honestly. Yeah. I could care less. You could laugh at me all you want. Yeah. I, I love myself, and 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 I have enough, you know, a, a, enough self esteem to, to say, hey, stuff happens. That's pretty darn funny, actually. But but it's bad for the sport. It looks really bad. I mean, it, it made ESPN or something. I think on ESPN.com. Like, but here's the question: Did they stop the fight because you fell on your butt? Because that's I what I not. gathered when I saw that. It happened at the it happened at the exact same time. So, when they called it off, right? Yeah. So I think I fell, looked up, like, "Hey, dude, what did what did you just do in front of all these people? Like, you know, <laughs> right now? Did someone help you up? No, I got right back. Oh, I mean, gosh. I did I did a one legged squat yeah, basically yeah. or pistol squat. You know, um, what were they saying to you in the corner? Like, how did they determine that you could not fight anymore? They were, you know, they're doctors, and there was two or three of them there, and he was. So I basically have I basically have this. I have this thing right here. See this little yeah. Oh. So there's a there's a hole in my leg right here that I always? always had. Oh okay. And it's like it's a hole in my sheath. You know, as you can see, I have like a couple yeah. of them. But it's just what happens when you have like when people with leaner legs they pop out. Whatever. Oh, sorry. I don't know if that's no problem. That was sanitary, cool. But, yeah, that's fine. But like, so I felt him sticking his finger in that hole, and, he, and he's like, he looks up at the doctor, and he's like, I think he has a a tibia fracture. And I'm like, I was like, sir, that's not a tibia fracture. It's fine. My leg is just cramping. It's fine. You know, I like made something up, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I got kicked in it or it's just sore, you know, whatever. I was just like, just don't stop the fight. I'm fine. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Hop on out. You know, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Let me do my job. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were just, they were doing it and they were, they were testing it. You know, obviously I didn't have a ton of strength yeah, yeah. in it, you know, and, and here I am, dude, Six, 16. And now I got another loss on my record and, and um, I'm not the champion anymore, allegedly. But I still got the belt at home. You were jumping up and down. I was. That was crazy. I couldn't believe it. That's, I, yeah. You were I, like, let's go. You wanted to go right then and there. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is, you know, Brent Primus acting, you know, screaming and, and acting like he just did something and saying, like, hey, buddy, you didn't do anything. You know, one punch got landed in that fight. You had, you had a man. We're, what, Com- we're seeing some highlights right here. Yeah. I don't know. You had a man completely debilitated, and all you could do was try to play kick the leg. There and was. there you go, get sit, sit, sat to your what, butt. What is going on when you, when, in your mind when you do that, when you drop him on one foot? Well, unfortunately, I wish I, wish I would have just said, okay, just stand, just stand here and let him keep coming back to you because I had the beat on him. Like uh-huh. when, I, when I get your range and I get your timing and I get your movement and I see your tendencies and your habits – there and it and it all unfolds in, in front of my eyes. I've I've been in the sport long enough to know right where I'm right know right where I'm going to punch and when I'm going to punch, and I had it. it. It was there, and that's that's the unfortunate part too. Is I promise you, I was about to have one of the greatest comebacks in oh, MMA history, and I would have knocked Brent Primus out on one leg. I should have went Karate Kid, yeah. honestly, because <laughs> that would have made like you would have gone down in in MMA lore. I mean, like, I would have retired right there. No, I don't know about no. that. <laughs> we wouldn't have let you retire, but like Isaiah Thomas in the 1988 NBA Finals played the fourth quarter on one leg like this mm-hmm. was even more impressive what you did you were you were landing punches you were dropping a guy and it was clear you were a wounded animal yeah um and i just couldn't believe it when you dropped him it, it was it was a sight to to see and then i i remember because i was sitting cage side usually i'm not sitting cage side and, and just seeing the look of disgust and disappointment on your face you yelled something out what did he say to you and what did you say back to him we just saw a moment where you guys sort of embraced after he got the belt do you remember I mean, I think he was probably respectful, like, you know, thank you for the opportunity or something like that, which that's fine, you know? And, and I just, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You can, you can, I have a lot, I have respect for anybody who steps in this cage and does what we do, man. I mean, we're, we're only 0.00001% of the human race does what we do. And it's, and it's one of the most gruesome, toughest, 
emotional roller coaster rides of all time. So I have a ton of respect for every single person that steps in that cage. So no matter what, it wasn't Brent Primus's fault that I rolled my ankle, lost complete function of the lower half of my left leg. And, you know, so, so I said, you know, congratulations, but let's be honest, man, like, you know, hold on to the belt for, and enjoy it. Take your, take a ton of pictures, take as many pictures as you can. So you can talk about that, that, you know, 90 days that you were Bellator champion. Um, afterwards, he's saying like, don't, Essentially, he's saying, don't talk to me about flukes and things like that. I did this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's the point of the game. I caused damage. I won as a result of the damage I inflicted. To that, you say hogwash? I mean, you did it to yourself is what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, he, he basically did no damage. I, I It wasn't a kick because he said he practiced that to go attack your leg. This is what they set out to do. He, he practiced the leg kicks. That's what he said. Congratulations, you're a mixed martial artist. I've had my leg, my left leg kicked 78 million times in the last eight years, you know, and nothing like this has ever happened, you know. So it was, it's, it's crazy, man. It's it's a crazy sport, and and it's you're tied onto a tornado inside of a cage, and that's really what happened. And you know, I mean, let him let him say what he wants. Let him think what he, let him think what he wants. I mean, this is this is the fight game. This these kinds of things happen, and I don't want I don't want sympathy. I don't want you know. I like I, I appreciate I appreciate all the kind words, but I signed up for this. You know, I I I wake up every single morning excited about the opportunity to be able to brave the unknown and the virtual certainty of of being let down at some point and mm. having, having things like this happen. Good. Things like this are going to happen and I'm going to come back and it's going to be part of the story, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to be part of the journey. It's going to be part of the legacy, you know, and you look at my record and you think about the losses that I have that arguably should have been wins in a lot of people's eyes. And, you know, you look at the injury and it's just like, it's a crazy, crazy sport. And at the end of the day, you just do what you can with, with what you've been given. And, and people can see how I can conduct myself after the fight and people can see how, how I can conduct myself. It's another opportunity to conduct myself, how I, how I want to conduct myself and how I, I believe that I should conduct myself in this situation and dust myself off. And, and, and months from now, I'm going to have the belt wrapped back around my waist. And, you know, hopefully this doesn't tarnish my, you know, my standing in the, in the world rankings. I don't see how it could. I mean, you know, you are going to drop me out of the top 10 cause I rolled my ankle and couldn't fight. Do you get the sense though, that your stock has gone up? Like you have more fans now. I've gotten some phone calls from some very important people wow. saying, you know, saying, tell us any names. I mean, just, I mean, Spike has reached out, like, wow. the, like not just they love you. the high, the highest of the highs at really? Spike had called me and said, I mean, I was in the cage for two minutes and 22 seconds at Madison Square Garden, two minutes and 10 seconds of that 200, two minutes and 22, I was wobbling around on one leg and I still got the greatest cheers. Mm. Vanderlei Silva, Chael Sonnen, Matt Mitrione, Fedor Lemelianenko, Michael Chandler stole the, stole the show and lost the fight. Mm showed showed people what a true fighter is and what what determination looks like and what biting down in your mouthpiece and going out in your shield looks like i stole the show at madison square garden and that's that's awesome to hear from people and that's awesome it's it is it is a stock thing because at the end of the day i'm not in this sport for the glitz and the glam and the money and the lights and this i'm in this sport to be a shining light and to be, be put on a platform for people to say man if michael chandler can hobble around hmm. for two minutes and say come on kick it break it <laughs> Maybe they could wake up the next day and say, well, you know what, life, you just dealt me this card. Go ahead, do it. This is right. fine. I'm going to come back from this. I'm going to overcome this. You know, like it's a metaphor for life. That fight was a metaphor for life and I get to live it 
and I, and I get the opportunity, I get the opportunity to live it day in and day out. And these things are going to keep happening. That's why I say I don't want, I don't want the sympathy and I don't want the, you know, it, it's awesome to, to feel the love and it's awesome to get the phone calls and it's awesome to see my Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff grow and all the awesome comments from so many beautiful people. But it's, it's what I signed up for. I am a vessel that was put on this earth to be a shining light for, for, for times like this, you know? And it's just, it's part of it. And at the end of the day, if they give me the instant rematch, which I hope they do, I'm going to be championing it. If they don't, I'm going to go through the next five guys to, to get back to it. And I'm going to continue my, continue knocking, knocking them down as they, as they put them in front of me. And that's what I'm going to do. That's, I'm a fighter. It was the only sport that we watched as a family. I never was into football. Uh, uh, baseball, really. Uh, like we didn't watch anything other than hockey because my dad was the hockey coach, and me and my brother were on the team, and we had we won the championship like every single year. Wow, really good. Wow. And so uh, after I so I had stopped playing hockey in like sixth sixth grade, but I had broken records, and uh, I was really really good. I was a center <laughs> hockey player. You had that speed. I played. I was I was always the fastest. I had a good slap shot. My my wrist shot was accurate. And uh, that was I was gonna be on I was gonna be on the Islanders. That was the goal. Like I actually remember in like sixth grade, we had to write to ourselves, and you get it in twelfth grade oh, what wow. you want to do when you get older. And I was I, I had wrote uh, be an NHL hockey player and play for the New York Islanders. Wow. And so uh, life goes on. I become a wrestler. I go to Nascimento College, which happens to be right next to Nascimento College, and then I mean Nascimento Coliseum. And then I went to Hofstra University, wrestled, became a grad assistant there. Uh, continued to wrestle for the Olympic uh, for the Olympic trials, got injured, and then I was kind of at a crossroads. Do I start dabbling with the MMA, getting into that, which I kind of felt might have been a good place for me. I, I felt like I was kind of meant for it, and then or hockey was something where uh, you know it was something I kind of always regretted that I had to stop. And I had learned so much from wrestling as far as like the mental attitude you need, need to be successful, uh, the work ethic you need. And athletically, I felt like I was pretty damn athletic and I could pick up something and, and do it. And I was already so good at, at hockey when I was younger that I, feel like, I felt like I could do it. So I was living in my parents' basement at the time and we had my, my daughter, we were dead broke. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a stupid move, but I went to the bank and I took out a credit card for like a thousand dollar limit. Somehow they let me do it. And uh, I had gone down to the hockey store, and if you watch Mighty Ducks, I felt like I was in Mighty Ducks. I think Gordon Bombay let the whole team get the yeah, pick yeah. out, like the cool equipment. And in my eyes, I was trying out for the Islanders, and I really believed I was going to be able to do it. So I got like how to get nice stuff. So I spent about a thousand dollars on this hockey equipment. What? And I was yeah, and I was I'm like here we go. And so I went down to the hockey rink, and uh, they had a bunch of high school kids playing. So I kind of like jumped in, and I and I'm on my skates, and I'm like. And I, when I tell you, I was like really good. That's the only reason. I'm not like crazy. I really okay. was that good when yeah. I was young. Uh, and so I figured I'd be able to pick it up just to kind of like riding a bike. <laughs> so I get on the skates and I'm like, I'm skating and I'm just like, whatever. So we get into the, we get into the hockey game with these high school kids. Sure. I'm in there with them. And they just, they're running circles around me. I'm now oh. the slowest on the ice. My accuracy sucks. I'm like having trouble really even... Everything, my slap shot, everything was off. My slap shot sucked. 
I was no longer the person that I thought I was <laughs> in hockey. So my dream for the New York Islanders was over. It was kind How of, long did it take for you to realize this? Like, was it like five minutes in? I, I, I was definitely prepared mentally that I wasn't going to be as good as I was, of course, when I was, as, as, as I remember being yeah. when I was young. And, but I was going to keep working on it, and I was going to figure out a way to, to, to make the Islanders and be in the NHL. And, and, you know, at the time, I had met some Islanders and stuff like that, and I'm okay. around them, and I'm like, these guys, what makes them better than me? Yeah, you know, I could, I could scrubs. Yeah, they're, like, smaller than me, you know? So I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. But um, I realized that right away, first first go, I had to, I was like, I'm, I can't do this. I, and then you quit? I quit. Wow. I quit. And What'd you do I, with the equipment? I actually tried to return it. They wouldn't let me return it. So it's still floating around wow. in my garage. My wife was not happy. But How did you explain I, I to your wife, I'm, you guys are broke, and that you went to... To buy she wasn't happy, man. She wasn't happy. I was, it was in a weird spot. You know, my wife at that time was uh, getting her CPA license. She had, she was you know, number one, number one in her class. She's very disciplined and dedicated to uh, being successful. And me, I was like the kid who's looking for these different dreams. You know, I was, um, she was pushing me to get my master's degree. I was never that, that kid who was like studious and focused on school, but I had a wife that really pushed me to uh, to have that as, as a backup plan. So she was pushing, pushing me to do all that stuff, but I was, I was kind of scatterbrained and trying to do these, these other things. And, um, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was tough because she was making all the money at the time. You know, I was kind of just the guy sucking off the teeth. Wow. And, uh, that was a tough times. I remember going to her, her like accounting parties and I had started fighting at this part uh, at this point and all these all these wives that were there with their husbands and the other the husbands with their wives who are stay-at-home moms they you know they have good jobs my wife was working at the Price Waterhouse Cooper which is known, known as one of like the number one accounting firms in the world and um, i remember being there and these these accountants coming up to my wife and me and like asking me oh what do you do for a living and i'm like i'm a i'm a fighter they're like oh yeah like that's cool and then that's it you're a fighter well I'm getting my masters in uh, physical education oh good for you man good for you and I'm like embarrassed like <laughs> these guys are making over six figures and I was like two and oh I had a broken hand at that point and they would ask me how many fights you got I'm like I'm, I have two fights and it was just like they're looking at her like what are you doing with this guy yeah like, yeah, yeah. You're I'm the- home to daddy I'm we could we could take care of you a little Hawaiian you're, you're mama the, you're the dead weight I was the dead weight for a while so that was all all this type of stuff is motivating and and I think it's all good for other people to hear because screw everybody. Don't don't let anybody hold you down. Do you ever think about what happens if you don't catch on, if you get some kind of injury and you don't become a fighter? What would you have done? Well, I had the phys ed thing. You know, I had a gym teacher. I guess I would have a physical educator. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, w- I could have done that. Um, Tucked in shirt. I was reluctant muscle. to do that. I, I had my, I got my master's in it. But I didn't love the process when I became a because you have to do a stu- you have to do student teaching so you actually have to you know yeah, do yeah. the job and like go to high school and elementary schools and, and do that and I went through that process and it was it was real tough for me I hated doing the lesson plans and all that stuff and having a boss and having these kids talk to you in certain ways where you just have to deal with it and uh, you know even as a coach you could kind of like talk to a kid a certain way where you were going to get respect from them but when you're a teacher these kids kind of like. F you. Yeah. And I had to deal with some of that stuff. And I came from like a tough town and I always like, I, if I'm going to respect you, you respect me. And that's just the way it was. And I was working like in a rich kid town and these kids would just disrespect me. It was very, it was a tough, pill, <laughs> it was a tough pill to swallow. I actually had like a little, we had like a little, uh, I had a little issue with one of these kids. Well, what happened? Smacked um, him? No, I didn't smack him. But so my, the guy who I was working with as a phys ed teacher, he knew 
I was like a good wrestler in, in college and stuff like that, and I just had started doing MMA. And uh, there's this one, there was this one kid in, in in high school who was like Mr. Like Bully, Mr. Like he thought he was such a thug, and it killed me because he was just like goes to this rich kid school and he thinks he's such a thug, and I just couldn't stand them. And uh, one time uh, we're on the bat, we're on the gym, and not not a lot of teachers were there. I was kind of on my own, and there was like 50 or maybe 60 kids in the gym which is a lot for one teacher, especially a guy like me who they're not gonna respect because I'm not a real teacher. So I'm in there and the kids, uh, it was time to quiet them down and get them all lined up. And one of the kids, that thug kid, he had a basketball and he's dribbling it. I'm like, all right, ball's in, come on, give me the ball. He's like, nah, I'm good. And he kept dribbling it. And I'm like, hey, I said, come on, ball in. Let's go, give me the ball. He's like, nah, I'm good, buddy. And he just kept dribbling it. And the kids are like, ooh, and I'm like. So I walk over over to him, I'm like, hey, give me the ball. He goes, no, I'm good. Dribbling it. Oh, man. I'm like, bro, give me the ball. So now he picks it up. He's holding her in front of me. So I go to like grab it out nicely. So I'm just going to take it from him. I'm hoping that he's just going to let me take it from him. He rips it out of my hand. So, But it kind of looked like I struggled a little yeah, bit yeah. to pull. <laughs> so he rips it out. So now this guy thinks he like kind of, you know, uh, like he's tougher than me. You know, yeah, now yeah. he stole the ball from me. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? So now like the other gym teacher comes in and like, yeah, what's going on here? And right away he gives the other gym teacher the ball. Uh. And I'm like, and all the kids are laughing at me like as this kid punked me. And I'm like, you motherfucker. I'm like, you mother-. I don't know if we're allowed to curse. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I don't like to curse that much anyway, but sometimes it just But happens. this kid brings it out in you. He brings it in, he, bring, he brought it out of me. And then so <laughs> he starts talking, he starts, he gets in my face. He's like, bro, you can't do shit. I'm like, he was like, I'll what? fuck your ass up. I'm like, bro, who do you think you are? No, you won't. He was like, I'll fuck your ass up right now. I ain't scared. We'll do this anywhere, outside. He was like, no, but has to know. I'm like, I bet we go to the, the, the gym office right now. Let's see what you got. So I walk my gym, the, the guy who was like the actual teacher in the school lets this happen because he knows this kid's such a punk. So we go into the, we go into like the PE office and right away this kid's in my face. He pushes me and what? I'm like, boom, I'm, and I don't move. I just take it, I'm not, I'm not gonna punch him. So I just, he's, he was actually a little taller than me. I take his head, I call time, right to a choke and I just start squeezing him. What? Now, as, as, I'm, <laughs> as I'm squeezing, I'm making fun of him. I'm like, how's, how's that feel, buddy? And he's trying to talk and every time he tries to talk, I'll just like squeeze a little bit more so he sounds stupid when he's trying to talk. <laughs> so there was a black couch right behind me. He starts driving into me. So now I'm gonna fall, fall down and I can't let him do that to me. He had one friend in there and we had a couple other phys ed teachers. So as I'm falling, I like pick his head up and I, and I grab like a, on the hook on the other side and I lateral drop him. He like flies into the wall, goes down. Now I grab his head. I'm just pushing his head into the couch. I was like, are you done yet? Are you done yet? And finally he's like, no, you got, you got me, man. You got me, man. You got me, man. And he kind of like gave up and he was like, no, I got respect for you now. I got respect for you. I'm like, bro, shut up. I got, like, who the hell do you think you How are? How old is he? He was like a senior in high school, but he probably got left back a couple of times. He was. And you, how old were you? I was like 21, 22. I love this school. You get to beat up the kids. It was great. You know, it's kind of. Did you get in trouble? I didn't get in trouble. Wow. I didn't get in trouble because, and then it's funny because the next day I see him and I'm like, I was worried the whole night. I'm like, am I going to get in trouble because of this? I was like, but you know, at the time I was like, I just can't deal with this type of crap. And so he come, he, he's walking in with like a girlfriend in school and I'm kind of by myself. I'm like, here, he's going he's gonna to challenge me to a fight or something in the middle of school. He comes walking by me. He's like, yo, much respect, my man. Much respect. And oh, I'm like, man. bro, beat it, man. <laughs> beat it. <laughs> do you want people to understand you more? Do you want people to like you more? You really don't give a shit. Because at the end of the day, I know who I am. And I know who the people that I love know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that's how it is, you know? 
So, I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to pay to watch me lose or win. You know, it's the same thing. You know, Connor always tells me, is like, let them hate and watch the money pile up. <laughs> so that's what he always tells me, and that's how I feel. So fucking fuck them all. Like, they're all, they're all going to hate either way. Even if I beat Jake in 10 seconds, they're all going to talk shit. So, what about this Neiman Gracie? Yeah. You going to fight him? Do you know who he is now? Well, yeah, he actually came and talked to me. He said, like, he did? Yeah, he came and talked Where? to me. Where? MSG? Yeah. Okay. He was like, no hard feelings. He said, the media kind of starts this stuff. And, well, you know, I mean, that's that's one thing that, I don't ha- I don't I don't put nothing on nobody, you know. So if he came and talked to me, I'm not fighting him. You know, I don't have a problem with him. If he was fighting me, it'd be a different story. And that's one thing I I talk about and uh, always been about is like faking shit is, is it's not cool, you know. Sure. And, and Connor believes in that too. I, I think faking shit if it's real, it's real. If I hate you, I'm gonna fuck. I'm, it's it. But if we if I respect you, I'm gonna shake your hand and go on, you know. And that's it. And I didn't even know the guy. And then he came and said that to me, and I was like. Okay, I don't really have a problem with you. Like, you know, there was nothing for me. Maybe you had a problem with me, which most of, that's most of the people in this game is that they have a problem with me, and I don't know who they are. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, like he's a good kid. I guess he came. He was very respectful, and, and that's all good. Yeah, I mean, we might scrap it later on, but when do you think you will debut? Do you think in 2017? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm. I thought the comment off about it a lot, and whenever they say I'm ready, you know, like will, I feel like I'm ready to kill. Will everybody. that be your team? I mean, I think so. You'll go train there. You never know. I haven't, I haven't committed a hundred percent, but I talk to those guys like on a daily basis. Sure, sure. I love everybody over there, and I think, yeah, I think, I think it might. I think, I think so. I think, I think I'm ready right now. I really uh-huh. look at Damian Maya, what he's doing. Those guys, he's not been throwing punches. It's amazing, right? Yeah, and I feel like he do exactly the same thing or even better. So I'm gonna tap it all every single one of these guys. They don't know. <laughs> Your jujitsu dream match? Is there one? One guy today? That's a that. I I fought the guy before, but I would like to fight a lot of these guys. I would like to fight in like in no time. Like I'm very big on watching old videos, and I love those crazy in action yeah, videos yeah, where yeah. you just go YouTube and then that's it until someone dies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would love to do that with a lot of these guys in Jiu-Jitsu because like a lot of these guys just try to hold me out. They stall me out because I'm dangerous, you know. And they they just try to hold me and they try to stall. But in the fight to the death, you can't do that. And there's a lot of guys that act like they're so tough, and it's like, okay, dude, you just held me for ten minutes. Like if I can just go with no time with you, I'll fucking have. Yeah, yeah. But uh. A dream matchup. Oh, that's that's pretty tough. That, I fought the guy twice, but I would probably fight Leandro Logan. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a one of the best pound for pound. So even ever. like even you could pick Hoist Gracie. You could pick you could pick MMA. Or are we talking jujitsu? No jujitsu. Like the, today, yesterday, you know, probably Bushesha or something yeah. like that. Adolfo. There's there's so many names. You know, who do you think's the greatest of all time? Marcelo. Yeah. All time. Yeah. Or right now. All time. All time. Marcelo. A hundred percent. Who's right now? Angelo, okay, Angelo, and Marcel was the best because he fought absolute. He didn't give a shit, you know. He, yeah, he yeah, did yeah. it, and he did it his own way. There's a lot of guys now, like Hoffa Mendes, everybody talks about, yeah. but he never, he never took a risk. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you got to, you got to risk. Like he, he's amazing. He's one of the best. I train with him. He's fucking amazing. But to to be the best, you have to go out of your comfort zone. You know, and that's the same thing Connor did. He went up and fought a belt where he yeah. could have just stayed and been the best at his way. And I feel like people appreciate that, you know. So. If if he went up and he fought absolute one time, or he went up another weight class, I feel like that would MMA dream fight. Is there a guy ever? Ever? I uh, no, not 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 for MMA. Present, present. Huh. Well, now I'm signed the belter, so I have to be careful. Well, yeah, you know, you don't have to. People Probably. change. Like you hear about Gegard Musasi, just yeah. happened. Um, I feel like Douglas Lima would be an easy fight for me. Really. But <laughs> just leave that to Askren did to him. Yeah, I, I did. mean, like, it was a different level. Wow. But that's not a dream fight. That's serious. Yeah, yeah that's going to happen. Dream fight, 
all time, I would, I would, I'm gonna, can I go with like pride and shit? Cause I'm oh, gonna, yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna be cool to fight someone like Mark Coleman in his prime just wow. because, like, to see what it would be like to fight someone that, like that, you know? Um, what about who's available now? Who's available now? Who? Rory Mack? Uh, that's like serious. That's that's yeah. not a dream. Like I don't really give a shit you about. Him. Give- <laughs> it's not really like a dream matchup. He's not that like special. Uh, really? Yeah. No. Um, dream matchup. I don't know. There's so many guys. I don't know. <laughs> It'd be hard. It'd be hard. Uh, so so you really think cool. you really think you you're you're in there with Douglas Lima? It's an easy fight. It's a one sided fight. Yeah, like that. You look at it. He doesn't have any grappling. He doesn't have you know. If I get him down, he's fucked. Yeah. And that's a whole. I feel like if I get him down, he's 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 done. You know, and I and I seen it. In what if you can't get him down? I'm gonna get him down. Okay. I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get hold him down. Damn. So you're 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 you don't want the slow track. I mean, we'll get in there. Fuck it. I'll take any. I'll, we sure. can build me up, or you can't. Sure, I'm only sure. 23, so why not build me up? Sure. But that's how I feel about those matchups. I really and like when I call these people out, like John Jones, I would kill John Jones in a jiu-jitsu match. Sure. That's 100. percent Anybody you ask, it's an easy fight. I don't know why these people are going crazy about like. If I fought John Jones in jiu-jitsu, it would be easy. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, he doesn't know what he's doing, but it's sure. a different level. He's I, a white I fight belt, though, I, I fight about, yeah, but no geek, man. Yeah, yeah, all right. I fight against the best guys in the world in jiu-jitsu. That's an easy match for me. I don't know. And I and I called out the best. I called out Amir Khan. I called out John Jones. They both said no. So yeah, yeah. you guys will be like, I, okay. You wanted to fight that. Amir Khan. You said on but the He said undercard. no, though, so. Did he actually say no? He posted that thing, like, you know, talking to someone. He said no in, like, code. Okay, but like all these guys say no to me, so like, what do we want? I'm gonna start. I'm gonna call out the bums. Like, I'm trying sure. to go for the best, and now sure. they're like saying no. I respect that. So I had John Jones and him say no to me, so you know, I think the real fight for Amir Khan would be a fight Artem on the undercard. Imagine that. Wow, that would be cool. Huh? That was amazing. He said no to me, so I think he's gonna fight Artem. Artem would knock him out. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I don't know who to call it anymore. Everybody can say no, so I'm just gonna kind of like say no that. for a little bit. I joke about the tweets, obviously, and and if I'm being honest, I still don't believe that you're 100% behind it. But I will say this. There is clearly a method to the madness because, let's be honest, no tweets, no back and forth. You're probably not sitting here on the show, right? People aren't emotionally invested. Like I feel like now you have this legion of fans who are pulling for you. So whoever was behind it, if it was you, (laughs) kudos. Because people care about you now. You got to do, and and I think you put it perfectly. In this day and age with the Reebok deal, with everyone kind of looking the same, and there's there's so many events. It's hard to break out and to promote, you know, the eighth fight on the card, right? That's yeah. where I think you are right now. Yeah. You got to do it yourself. You can't yeah. wait for the UFC to do it for you, mm-hmm. right? You got to do it yourself. And you've done a phenomenal job. Every time there's some kind of like newsworthy tweet, <laughs> UFC, there you are right there with like the popcorn <laughs> gift or something. I don't know how you do it, but you're like, boom. I don't know if you get like notifications on your phone, but you are like, you are, yeah. you are prolific. Man, omnipresent. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. It's amazing. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I enjoy it. <laughs> you must be spending a lot of time on your phone, I, dude. I, it's really hard for me not to be on it right now. Yeah, I know. You know, you know we, how we can do a live tweet. What do you mean a live tweet? We oh, can take a picture. Yes, let's do it. I want to well, see you do a leave. gif right now. Do a gif right now. Yeah, do something. Okay, let me see. All right, here we go. Here it is. This is what everyone was asking me. All right. Okay, so you tweet the last your last tweet. I wanted to know if anyone was tweeting while you were on. Uh, your last tweet was before. Okay, two fifty one Eastern. All right, so this is it. This is the moment of truth. Chase Sherman, the Vanilla Gorilla. You told me already that was a friend of yours that just kind of came up with that name, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a great nickname. It is, man. I miss that guy. I haven't seen him in a while. He like moved off into the country. He's farming somewhere. I don't know what he's doing. You don't even have one of those batteries, like the extra battery pack on your phone. 
You tweet so much. Your phone oh. must die. How do you get that? What do you mean? <laughs> you want to get I thought I was fancy. Dude, I just got an iPhone nice 7. Oh, wow. I just got one. I was so like, yeah. Nice because a lot of, of times it was just my other phone was freezing up. And I said, I can't be tweet worthy. Without That's right. Well, phone. you need to get one of those battery packs on your phone. My friend just texted me and said, you look fat. Oh, wow. What a nice friend. Is this the guy cornering you? Yeah, it is. He's just a a piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so here we go. We're going to tweet something. What are we tweeting? I want to see the way the mind works. Okay, okay. This is like watching Picasso in action. This is Beethoven in front of us. Mozart. (laughs) The the, the king of gifts. The gift king himself. Tweeting. By the way, for the record, I've yet to see the actual Twitter on his phone. He's he's being a little. Okay. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh wow. Okay. Here we go. You said something. Can you can you say it uh, out loud? What are you tweeting? What are you saying? I'm just saying here, live tweeting at the uh, MMA okay. hour. Yeah. yeah. There we go. And can we get a gift there? Yeah, man. Damn, <laughs> making me nervous. <laughs> nervous. Thousand. Can you people. just give me a second? All right, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus, it's a lot of pressure. You're like my girl. You just making just all of. Oh, like, what are you doing over there? What's your phone? <laughs> <laughs> Which girl are we talking about here? Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> right. um, I'm sure you get a lot of phone calls these days, right? Everyone wants to be friends with you now that you won in the UFC fight of the night. Oh man, it's yeah, it's Life a little different, you know. Yeah, it is a lot of Johnny come latelys. Yeah, definitely. Jenny come latelys. Yeah, they all want a piece, like me, <laughs> having you on the show. Can't wait to see this tweet. Am I going to see it in real time? Yeah, for sure. Okay, Chase Sherman UFC. He tweeted earlier: new shirt, eighty-five dollars. New door to studio, two fifty. <laughs> having the vanilla gorilla on the MMA are priceless. You're so witty with the tweets. It's too bad that you're not fighting in that uh, era a couple of years ago when the UFC was actually giving people bonuses for tweets. Do you remember that? They were? You know about that? Yes. I actually made a joke about that. Um, it was like three, four years ago, the UFC was actually every quarter determining who had the most entertaining tweets. The whole concept went off the rails when people were just trying to one-up each other. Uh-huh. But they were actually giving bonuses based on tweets. You'd be killing it. Man, you'd be racking the dough. Did you tweet? Yeah, it's well, it's sending, man. I got this little. Uh, what do you got? What is an excuse C-spire. with you? What's that? Seaspire, exactly. It's like a little regional cell phone. Company. You're kidding me. <laughs> hey man, it's like eighty five bucks. Seaspire. It's, like, it's like seventy bucks. Oh, here we go. Like seventy bucks for unlimited wow. everything. <laughs> okay, you, you screwed up the hashtag, but we won't hold you to it. Oh, there it is. Made me nervous, man. Z. There it is. There's a V MMA hour. I see oh, MMA hour. Oh, see right damn. there. Look, look, v. See that? What do you think of my new studio, by the way? Dude, this is nice. This is really nice. I like it. This is. I mean, that's a very homey. Oh. I'm gonna end up breaking this down. Yeah, thing. don't worry. <laughs> it's a very homey feeling. Right. Know? It's kind of like my basement slash. The Tonight Show of MMA, that's the kind of look I was going for. I like it. Maybe one day we'll have you up there. Maybe. You and Rashad. Poor Rashad got fired from his job, you know, has two kids, single father, and you you took you yeah, took that man. win bonus away know, from him. Man. He's a nice guy. But he is I a really mean, nice guy. I'd better him than me. I'm, you know. he, got, he got the bonus, too. He got the bonus. I he said that. the win bonus. I know, but I said that in the interview. I said, I hope he gets the bonus. <laughs> because did. we were looking at either finish of the night or fight of the night. You must have been sweating. You must have been sweating, right? Oh, well, do we have the tweet? Where's the tweet? I think we will put it up there. There it is for those who missed it. There it is. Live tweeting. Here live tweeting now at Ari Helwani MMA Hour. And you went with uh, Prince Harry. 
You know, that's Prince. <laughs> well, there's Rashad Coulter knocked out. Um, what did you type in to find that particular GIF? How does the mind work? Did you just try, type so in boom? boom? Okay. As in like, told you so. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel like people don't give Connor his due. Like there are still some people who say, oh, he never fought this guy, he never fought that guy. He's getting more, but some are still reluctant to give him his props. Where do you fall on the Connor debate? Like, are you a fan of his? Do you appreciate what he's done? Or do you still, do you feel like the jury's still out on him? The USC has put him in some, you know, good positions to make history and things like that. Look, no matter what anybody says, the stars have aligned, right? Yeah. For him. And I, I think that anybody who's gone down the path of, of being a professional fighter and, and, and a, I'm including myself in it. You have to fool yourself that you can be great, right? To win a world title to begin with and to hold on to a title, you have to convince yourself that you can do it. You have to dream it, visualize it nonstop, and see it happening before it can ever happen. So he's already convinced himself of that level, and he's also convinced himself that he can climb in a boxing ring with Floyd Mayweather. Mm -hmm. Um, A guy with that much mind power, and I was just saying it uh, earlier today, you know, to give you an example of a guy with great mind power, my running coach, David Clark, who is, um, started out a 320-pound guy who now runs ultramarathons like they're nothing. He ran the Badwater in Death Valley, which is 128 degrees, 135 miles, who hallucinated for eight hours of that race, arguing with the white line on the highway uh, because it was telling him he wasn't a world-class runner and he couldn't finish. Um, you know, it grew a mouth and was talking to him. Wow. It had a name. And you have to run on the white line in Death Valley in that race so that your shoes don't delaminate and come apart. Wow. So for eight hours of that race, which I think it's a, I forget the cutoff on that race, but 135 miles through Death Valley and then 10,000 feet up into the mountains, people don't even remotely understand how, how monumental it is to even get into that race, let alone finish it. Um, you know, that's mind power. And that's the kind of mind power I see with a guy like Conor McGregor, who's just 100% convinced himself that he belongs there and he can do it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have become a champ. He wouldn't. And sure, uh, maybe did he dodge some bullets, but hey, he had two wars with Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is an incredible fighter, no matter what anybody thinks. Um, so look, I think it's. The fact he pulled it off is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's monumental. <laughs> that he, that it's he a victory it. in its own right. Because I was in. Negotiation sat in a negotiation room in Hollywood, California with Winky Wright in his camp. And we were trying to get a fight put together between he and I. Um, it didn't work out. Uh, this was after the UFC, right? Mm-hmm. And why didn't it work out? Uh, somebody in, uh, from his side of the camp that kind of brought everything together um, decided that he deserved more of a cut of, of the whole thing and negotiations fell apart. The uh, breakdown? What was the breakdown? Well, the, the money part's not important. It's oh. just this guy suddenly decided to be greedy and he was, said he was going to file lawsuits. And all really? And How close happened. were you? What's that? How close were you? Well, we were going to do it. Really? I mean, they were going to turn it into a reality show. They were going to do it. Wow. This is, you know, years ago, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, Roy Jones and I had talked a little bit about doing the same thing, but it was going to be an MMA fight. And Roy said, as long as you agree to stand up with me for the first five minutes, then you can do anything you want after that. What? And he was, and Roy was obviously Roy. Yeah. So he was gambling that he was going to knock me out in the first five minutes, which, dude, do I want to get hit by Roy Jones? No, I don't. But um, then he took the fight in Australia. He said, I got to go do this fight in Australia first. Yeah. He got knocked out and yeah. derailed all that. So the oh, stars did not man. align. The stars did not align. And But these guys are much bigger names. I mean, not than, than Roy Jones or anything, but McGregor, obviously, a bigger name than I ever was. Um, I was never close to that. So uh, it's it's awesome. The fact he, because I've been down that road, I know how massive uh, of an undertaking it was to try and get it done, and he's done it. 
How much would you have made the most amount of money of your career if you got one of those two boxing well, matches? By, yeah, well, yeah, by far. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't even because you would have been your, you didn't have any promotional ties to anyone else or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Damn. But it is what it is, right? That's you think about you. Th- you don't think about it. You don't lament it. The only time I've thought about it is this. When people are asking, asking, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That that was probably like a decade ago now, right? Mm -hmm. When there were rumors of that. Um, Why were you so interested in doing this? Why did you want to test yourself against two of the best? I mean, look, no matter what, whether I were to win or to lose, okay, I I I fought Roy Jones. Yeah, right. It's it's an incredible experience in life, right? Right. I mean, it's. I look back and go, I totally forgot that I fought Dan Severn to a draw, Hmm. and. Um, you know, you'll think back and go, I fought Dan Severn. Like, that's, it's not easy. Yeah. You know what I mean, it was a big dude. Sure, sure. You know, when he was young. So, um, yeah, it was just, it's an accomplishment, right? It's just something, challenge yourself, do whatever you got to do. And- you met Al Pacino. Al Pacino was awesome. I'm glad you brought it up. Yes, it's incredible. I saw the photos. It, How did this happen? Um, my so I'm with Biology Group now. Yeah, uh, my great my group. Lloyd, Lloyd and, the man, Lloyd yeah, Pearson, Lloyd Pearson, and uh, uh, his marketing uh, head right there, David. His mother-in-law actually works with Al Pacino and Scarface. So uh, somehow coincidence, they're f- filming right now. Um, Joe Paterno, yeah, the head coach from Penn State. Yes, he's paying Joe Paterno. So he's like, hey, they're right around. They're like literally five minutes away. I'm like. He's like, I know you're trying to get your mind off the weight cut and all that. I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm down. Wow. We literally walked there. We waited like 15, 20 minutes. Well, actually, when I met him and we took the pictures, people were like, is that Albert? It doesn't look like him. He was still in makeup. He's, he was going to shoot and he had, he had uh, makeup and all this stuff. It didn't look like him initially, but then you could tell it's him. All right. Yeah. He almost he basically almost looks like him with the nose. And they obviously they did his nose and yes, his yes, ears. Yes, 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 yes. So we start talking. I swear to God, if he didn't have to go film more, we started talking about boxing, about everything. It could have led on for like an hour or two conversation. He was cool. The fact that his age and he's still acting and he's in this hot weather. It was a bad, yeah, bad yeah, yeah. heat wave last week. It's just unbelievable. The guy is really, really talented. Unbelievable guy. Nicest guy. It was so funny. I actually just got a, a text from Lloyd before I came on the show. It was like, yeah, Al called. My mother-in-law asked me what channel it was. Watched the fight. Said, unbelievable fight. What? Very smart fighter. Definitely going to be a champion one year. And I was just like... If that doesn't get you, I don't know what. Yeah. I was almost about to cry. I was like, this is awesome. I mean, it's not every day you get to meet someone like that and be like, oh my God, like, you know, I watch your movies, you're talented, I'm a fan. Yeah. I mean, I even at, even when we go to fights, I see fighters, I'm like, hey, I'm a fan. Can I get a picture? <laughs> <laughs> you're still a fan. Still a fan. You got to love it. You can't be above it. And then, you know, people start looking at me, you're like, well, you're Jimmy Rivera. Can I get pictures? I'm, I'm nothing special. I'm just a guy that fights. I, I bleed the same color as you. I'm, I'm, I'm an ordinary guy. He's like, no, but this and that. And I, I try to tell him, I'm nothing special, man. I'm just a regular guy. Just I love what I do, teaching. I love what I do, fighting. And I do it for because I love it. Meeting a living, living legend like Pacino just two days before your fight. I, I tweeted the pictures. You did as well. Um, so people can see it. It's it's online. Go on your Instagram. I think you posted it as well. Yeah. That must have been. I mean, that's kind of inspirational to meet a guy like that as you're preparing. And I know he's a big boxing fan, right? Dude. He knows his boxing he like does. that. We yeah. were talking. I was like, wow. I'm like. Does he know his MMA? Not 
as much. Okay. Not as much. We talked. He's an old school it. guy. Yeah, he, we talked a little about the McGregor Mayweather. Yeah. But he wasn't at, in tune as in like you know talking about Triple G and the Canelo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And About the other you know the other boxing matches going on. Um, but he he knows his stuff. And when he you know when he met me and we started talking, we just hit it off like that. And I, I was it was awesome that fact that he actually yeah. you know, called Davis mother in law. Hey, when it was the fight and what time? Where is it? And there's like five minutes before the fight. He's like, it's on, not on Fox. Go ahead, tune in real quick. You watch amazing. it. And and then what he said afterwards, he always just like, this is this is you know, when do you get this, you never get this. Sure. I mean, once in a lifetime kind of thing. So it was it was awesome. It caught my attention when we spoke on Long Island because you were like, ah, oh, when I was in school. You were saying that you could tell, like, you know, someone said to you, UFC 74. Yeah, and exactly. You, know, right? you just mentioned that one on the way here. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was the versus Randy Couture. Yeah. Yeah, we were just on the, on the, on the way here. Uh, my friends in the back, they were like, he's going to test you, man. You got to name some, name some UFC right. events. What's your, what's your time frame? Like, when? It was like UFC 66, all the way up to like, I think it was 120 something when Akiyama fought at Bisping. Yeah, yeah, but 120. Now, yeah, that's what I thought it was. Exactly. But then I, I lost it. I'm not as good as you. What were. happened? I think I sparred too much, man, honestly. For real? <laughs> no, 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 I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just went. I was, cause I was, I was bad in high school. So I was sure. bored. I would just write down main events every, like every month, just to see if I still had it. Like UFC 66 all the way up to 120. You know what's so weird about that? For me, it was UFC 66 too. Yeah, that was, that was the first one I ever ordered. So for real? Yeah, my really? parents let me order. I was 15 years old, I think. Yeah, four, maybe 14 years old. Okay. Yeah, it was the first one I ever ordered. That was uh, Chocolate Ale versus um, Tito Ortiz 2. Yeah, December. Tiago Alves is on the card against Tony D'Souza, Keith Jardine, and, and Forrest Griffin. Forrest got emotional and yeah, left after that losing. That was crazy. That, that, everybody I picked in that card, I was, I was a noob, really. I was like, okay. a new fan, but everybody I wanted to win on that card won. After that, I was like, Dad, we have to order every single pay-per-view we want. Really? It was awesome, yep. So you were, um, from what I understand, you really caught on to MMA because of Tough 2. Well, the, I watched the UFC Unleashed. It just happened to be on TV. For, okay, on the Spike channels. or something? Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. right after that, it said uh, it was a commercial for uh, Tough 2. And I was like, I'm going to watch this. This is pretty cool. I was a big fan of The Contender. Okay, the, contender, the, boxing the boxing show. show. Yeah, yeah. So me and my parents used to watch that. Then this came out. I was like, this is pretty much the same thing. So, that's, and, but I like it better because they showed the whole fight. The contender only showed like highlights of the fight. That's right. That's it right. Showed the whole entire thing. So, so you had yeah. no knowledge of mixed martial arts. You were not a fan. No interest in it prior to that. I didn't know about it. I knew about it, but I didn't really know. Like I, I, I had the old old uh, P, uh, PS1 game. Yeah. I played it, but right. I didn't know what the hell. It was. I thought it was WWE. I didn't really know what it was until right. I really saw it and sat down and watched it. And, instantly hooked and, and and what about training like did you grow up with martial arts not at all no. nothing not at all what did you do I, I, my, as a my, kid my, my nothing my dad <laughs> well, i grew up in the bronx so yeah. there's not really that much sports to do in the bronx okay i moved up here when i was in sixth grade but i did a karate class when i was younger like all my cousins did karate and i hated it i was like i'm never going back never do, never doing it again moved up here and in um eighth grade that's when i started watching ultimate fighter and all that then the next year ninth grade i got my friends onto it and they're like i found a gym uh, it's like 10 minutes away they do kickboxing and jiu-jitsu i was like oh let's, let's go I was like, let's, let's try it out so me and my two friends we went and we did uh, the one month trial mm-hmm. went every six days a week every single day for that one month trial wow i've been the same gym ever since tiger shulman's tiger shulman's yep. it was next to your house it was 15 minutes away wow yep. any of those friends stick with it are they fighters no, as well no, no. so they just fell off yeah, exactly, as time yeah, went on yeah, and exactly. you stuck with it yeah I started as a student yeah and I became the head instructor of that school wow yeah so it's pretty uh, cool how soon into that experience did you start to think like this is something that I might want to do with my life from the first class the first especially jiu-jitsu which is weird everybody thinks I'm a striker but yeah. I, I, lo- I fell in love with grappling from the first second I did, I did the class so wow. as soon as I did that I was like 
mom, I love this. I, I, I need to do this. It was, it was expensive for us at the time too, but um, they found a way for it to work. They paid for me and then I started helping out teaching and um, cleaning the mats and cleaning the bathroom and stuff like that. So I got a little bit of a discount and the rest was Were you good right away? I wasn't natural at grappling, not, okay. not striking at all. I used, Interesting. Yeah, I got my ass worked. <laughs> yeah, because in your last fight, I mean, your striking was phenomenal. Yeah. I feel like everyone, as you said, everyone kind of thinks that you're naturally a striker. A striker. Yeah, but if you watch my, if you look at my amateur career right. and all my amateur fights, I was, I'm a, I was a grappler, like a strictly a grappler. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. And so, so you say that you start to, like, you became like an encyclopedia of MMA knowledge and would write this down. So you would just order everything and would retain it and to yeah. keep yourself busy in class <laughs> in math class yeah that's that crazy terrible at it, yeah that's crazy so if i threw out things would you remember or you've forgotten so we we worked on a little bit just to see if, I, if my memory you'll see 88 88 uh, give me give me the main give me the main event i can tell you how it ended what round it ended but that's easy no all right that's easier but like i said man i've been, I've been sparring too much <laughs> 81 i know 73 was ufc stacked yeah 74 was gabriel gonzaga randy Couture. 75 was 75. Rampage Hendo. Rampage Hendo. That was a good one. That yeah. Was England, I don't know. Yeah, it was on Spike. It was for free. Yeah. Tape delay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 81 Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar versus Mir. Frank Mir. When yeah. Frank Mir bumped the knee bar. That was a good one, too. That Was that the main event? That was, it was. That was the main event? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you would know better than I yeah. <laughs> Um No. Tim Sylvia versus okay, Big Okay, yes. Hog. There it's we go. From, it's yeah. from. Yeah. It's from Heavyweight. They caught him with the guillotine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Favorite fight as a fan. Favorite fight. Favorite fight yeah. of all time? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> that you watched when you were a fan. Yeah. Shogun versus Hendo that, that pops up right away. 139? Yep. San Jose? Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> my, my, my teammate, Nick Pace, fought on that card too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Oh, uh, man. That's a great one. Honestly, one of my other, uh, I'm not even saying this being biased, but Louis Gaudino, you remember him? Yeah, of course. He, when he fought John Lineker? Yeah, yeah, great That fight. fight gets no love, but that was, yeah. I, as a fan, I, I was amazed. I was, this fight was insane. They were just throwing bombs the whole time, and Louis eventually caught him that guillotine, put him to sleep. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was up there too, but uh, Diaz versus Connor. One, 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 and then two. Two, Those yeah. Great two. Oh man, I I can't even think I could pick one. You know what was a great one that nobody yeah. nobody talks about a lot too? Uh, John Copenhaver War Machine yeah, yeah. versus Jared Rollins. Of course, yeah, that yeah, was tough. insane. Clay yeah. Guida versus um Roger Huerta, the same Huerta, card. Also tough. Yeah. Oh man, I can keep going, man. Did you go to any cards as a kid? I went to Keith Jardine versus Rampage. Was that seventy? Keith Jardine versus, versus Rampage. Rampage. That was the main event was, in Ohio. Um, it was sixty. No, seventies. No, no, no. It was. I was an, I was a senior, so it had to be had to be later. Was it? Yeah. Seventy. Okay, so seventy eight was validation. No, you know what it was. It was in the eighties. Okay, that's why okay. I'm off here. Okay, I can see that. And so eighty one, eighty three was in Montreal. Was it eighty six? <laughs> I used no. to be like this now. Ninety six. Yes, it was ninety six. Right? Yes, yes, you right. threw me yeah, off. Sorry, yes, sorry, he threw sorry, me yeah. off. It yep. was right before so, UFC ninety seven, which was uh, Chuck Liddell and Shogun yep. Anderson. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first one I went to, and man, the fucking the energy there was insane. I never been to a live event before. Yeah, not even like a. Why'd you go to one in Ohio? Uh, the Naga tournament, a grappling tournament was okay. going to be there, so we were going to go do that anyway. And then my, my parents got it for me as a, as a gift just to go to the uh, wow. to the fights with my my cousin. We had perfect seats. Nate Diaz for oh, Nate Diaz was in the crowd that time too. It was. It was it was Did you get a picture of them? No, I didn't get a picture. I, I like, <laughs> I, when you go to like the retreat and stuff for Ed fights, you you get pictures with the fighters, right? Like I, now that I've been, now that I've been in the uh, UFC, okay. I haven't tried to. The only person I've got a picture with is Joanna. Okay. I'm like, when am I going to see her again? I just That's got right. a picture with my last fight, but I don't want to be like a fanboy and get pictures with everybody. You know what I mean? But you kind of want but, to. You oh, 100. percent I want to. <laughs> and when, I went to the I went to the fan expo, the first one, oh, and right. the second one, and then the third one. All three of those I went to Vegas, Vegas, Boston, wow. and I got pictures with. I met 
almost every fighter you can see. So you were of. like waiting in line with all yeah. the schlubs. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Yeah, that was a diehard man. And and who like who were some of the ones that you met? John Jones, uh, Thiago Alves. You can name them and I guarantee you I I met almost everybody except for That's hilarious. Krokop. That's like the one that's on top of my list. Krokop. Yeah, he's a tough met. one. He doesn't you know the funny thing when he fought uh when he fought Brendan Schaub in yeah. Jersey. Yeah, yeah. That was my birthday. My okay. two favorite fighters at the time were Shogun. And Krokop. Wow. They both lost yeah. on my birthday. Both got knocked out. Shogun in the main event. Yep. I thought you were going to say your two favorite fighters, Krokop and, uh, and Brendan Schaub. And I was nah. like, oh, you're the one whose favorite fighter is Brendan Schaub? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, Brendan. Jeez. Um, and so that. at that point, like when you're going to these fights, do you already know that you're going to go to the UFC? Like, do you already say? That was always saying? the dream. Okay. As soon as I saw it, I was like, I want to do that. Wow. I want to I do that. I, I never had a, a passion for something. Like I used to be on the diving team. I did that in high school. Okay. And um, that's when I started training. My parents were like, you got to stick with diving because you're good at it. You, you can get a scholarship to college. And I was just like, I just don't like it. Like I, lo- I love this. I kind of like diving. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm good at it, but I don't really care about it. But I love this. I never felt any kind of passion like that for, for an activity that actually was like, I need to go to training. I need to go to training. I need to go to training. I, I love this. Did you go to college? Uh, I went there for a semester, and a, half, a year and a half. And what happened? I just stopped going. <laughs> weren't interested. Not at all, man. And is that when you were focusing on? I was fighting at that time when I was you in were. college. I had my first amateur fight when I was eighteen. Okay. So I was in high school actually with my first amateur fight. So how would Paul Felder describe 2017? Because I feel like you've had some massive highs with the job now. Yeah. The win in Scotland. You're on a roll. Change camps. But you also suffered, you know, a great personal loss. I mean, right. there's been, it's a roller coaster, right? It's, it's been a, it's been a crazy year because I mean everything with my dad. But at the same time, I had just had one of my biggest wins in Canada when I uh, had that up elbow knockout. But then he's sick, and not soon after that, he passed away. So it was, it, it was crazy. And I it, right when he passed away, I had just signed the contract to fight Stevie. So it was like, for a little bit there, I almost wanted to be like maybe. Glasgow's not going to happen. Maybe we should, and it just uh, it pushed through it. And uh, you know, we're just we're just trying to do it for him now. At this point, I just try to. It's. I, I know I said this, before, you know, right after the fight, that it still doesn't even feel real, and yeah. it still doesn't because I'm doing so much with the contender series and flying all over the place that it's, it's. Some things will trigger it every now and then. I'll hear a song or something, and I'm like, oh man, you know, it's. I go to visit my mom, and it's like you, you forget that he's even. You know, it's almost like he's just not there for a while, and then it slowly starts to to sink in. Then were you guys like, close? You know, yeah, very close. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm close with with my mom and my dad. Yeah, I was, um, you know, go home and visit at least once or twice a week, bring the baby out there. So she, you know, my mom only lives like 20 minutes from where I live now. Okay. So it's not like it's yeah an adventure to go and visit my parents. So I would see him all the time. We would have uh, we would have macaroni and cheese after every every fight so when i got back from the airport i'd go out to to my mom and dad's and they would cook like homemade baked macaroni and cheese oh, nice. so this was the first fight where my mom had to try to make the macaroni and cheese that go? she did a good job she did a good job she did a good usually job. your dad was the one making yeah he's he was the, the cook he was the cook he's the one that got me in the food network which is why i torture myself and watch cooking shows non-stop when i'm cutting weight and yeah. all that stuff bobby never Flay. understood that we, and so many guys do it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Dustin all, Poirier famously did in that documentary about yep. it. He's sitting there watching. I do the same exact thing. Really? Yeah. Why? I, I I don't know what it is. It's just like you can't have it. So I just, I, I kind of almost get by by seeing people cook it. or I, But I'm not one of those people that likes it too much when somebody in front of me eats it. Okay. Because if it's there where I can almost get it, then it. it's like, all right, maybe. It's a little too close. Then, it, yeah, then, it, then there's some uh, restraint that has to come in. So when you're play. cutting weight, all you're watching 
It's it's it, the guys in the gym joke by because if this is the gym at Rufus Sport, my room kind of opens up into this little back office that got turned into my little apartment, and you can see my TV on the wall. And the guys joke around all the time because I'll leave it on sometimes with the door open, and there, there's the Food Network, wow. Cupcake Wars, or <laughs> you know Donut Throwdown, or whatever. What did you watch there. in Scotland? Were there were there cooking shows? There was. Okay. We we were watching the Food Network, and theirs was different. I remember there were shows that we don't have over here in the, in the states, and uh, they weren't as good. Okay, I wasn't impressed with the the shows over the variety. Oh yeah, TV over there sucked. I couldn't find anything to watch. Um, Going back to your dad for a second, how long did he have pancreatic he got, cancer? He got diagnosed right before I fought Darren Crookshank. Okay. When I f- first found out. Uh-huh. I remember we did uh, an interview about it then. And uh, so uh, a year and a half, I think pretty much. Is, so that was January, the, that fight January. was January of yeah. 2016. Yeah, so January to January was a year. Okay. And then he, and then he the passed change. away in May. Okay. And was there a point where you thought that he'd be able to... There was like maybe a month where they, they said the tumor shrunk and his, his cancer levels were lower. And then I'd say, I had to ask my mom, maybe a few weeks later, he got a really bad stomach infection in like the lining of his stomach. Okay. And from then on, it was just, that was it. It okay. was just one thing after the other. And then he couldn't do chemo because he was in the hospital for this, this, or this. And he was having all these surgeries to fix his stomach. Then he started getting like fluid in his, his stomach, fluid in his lungs, fluid in his, around his heart. And he just had all these tubes. Anybody's had somebody that's had at least pancreatic cancer. It's just, it's never the pancreatic cancer that kills you. It's everything else that kind of okay. just swarms you. Um, I think cancer in general is like that a lot. It's just your immune system and the chemo doesn't really help any of that. A part of me almost wishes he would have uh, never done any of it. And really? said, all right, let's have as much fun and see the family for what three to six months, and then because huh. the way he went out, it was just oh man, I don't I don't wish that on anybody. Really? Seeing somebody go through that and terrible. And he he passed the week before you went to Milwaukee, right? Well, I, I had to go to Vegas, so he passed away. Oh, for the retreat? Went to the retreat. Oh, wow. came the back. She was retreat. after. Yeah. Okay. Spent and that actually. Because we had had his services and everything, so it wasn't like right after he okay. passed away. So I had a week with the family preparing for the his. It uh, wasn't a full funeral. He he was cremated, so we had um, like a nice big viewing at a funeral home and everything like that. And then I went to Vegas, and then I came back, spent like five days with the family, and then camp. Did you consider canceling the fight? Yeah, I, I, for for a little bit, I just thought maybe postpone it a little longer. Yeah. So maybe not Glasgow, maybe a month later. And yeah. I, I just knew I wouldn't get that fight with Stevie Ray. I knew it was going to be a big fight. So I was like, man, if I do this, even though I had the circumstances to do it, I didn't want anybody thinking anything of me. So I was like, you know what? It, it'll help me keep my mind on something else other than uh, than, than him passing away. So. What was it like doing that camp? So, you know, so soon after it, I, I think it was, it was good for me because I got to kind of just, if you, have you ever been to Rufus Sport? Have you ever been in their gym? Uh, have I? It's like down in the basement. Yeah. yeah I, walking I, I, I feel like I've seen it so many times, yeah, right? you know, with like the punk series yeah, and all you, that. So, so you've like, seen the yellow and black yes, and course, all that. Of course. Uh, but when everybody's gone, that whole place was mine I and mean, I, I lived down there. So I would have a lot of days where I would, you know, especially Saturdays and Sundays after classes where I could just sit on the mats listen to music and, and think about everything and kind of process it all on my own as opposed to if I was home, uh-huh. I would have not loved my family, yeah. love all my aunts, uncles, and everybody, but they would have been around to the point where I was like, okay, I don't, you know what I mean? Sure. I, I don't need that to, 
to to deal with my dad's death. You know what I mean? I think being on my own and training my ass off and Duke, you know, his mom during camp, his mom passed away of cancer. So me and him kind of wow. really, I think, bonded on uh, an even stronger level for that. And he would just be able to say the right thing to me during pads or sparring. That would get me like, you know, wow. really, really pumped up, especially right before the fight, you know, whispering in my ear, you know, this is for your father. Go out wow. there. He's with you. And, Oof, that yeah. Goosebumps. Gives chills, right? Yeah. yeah. You walked out with his ashes, right? Yeah. He's, I got him on here, too. Oh, uh, wow. They're in this little thing here. And this is even his... Uh, he, he had this like before me and my brothers were even born. This, what is that? It's like a Jesus head. Oh, wow. And uh, not really religious, but, you know, he had that from when he was probably in his 20s. To wow. Honest, really. yeah. So walking out with him around your neck, what was it that really, like? It really helped. And I got to take it off and hand it to my brother. brother who was, was in there, my corner. Yeah. And he doesn't, he's not a fighter. He's uh, just been a big fan and supporter of mine since I started. Helped me out when I was uh, up and coming, when I was making, you know, no money, bouncing on the weekends. I lived with him for like three three years, maybe a little longer. And uh, so that that was just like a reminder that, you know, and he was so, he was so nervous, man. Uh-huh. He, he tried to keep it together backstage, but I'd look over at him and I'm the one fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, you good? Yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> What's he doing? He's just sitting there. And he's just, <laughs> I can see him get a little red and like he's trying to, to he doesn't know what to do with himself yeah. and he's never been in a locker room before. So he's never fight. cornered you before? No. Wow, so why'd you bring him for this fight? Just be, just to for be this moment. for family. Yeah. Wow. And, and it was in Scotland, and he was going to be there anyway because he was going to go. Okay. So it was like, well, I've got Duke, and I had my um, teammate and, and training partner who was a southpaw just like Stevie, uh, Craig Eckelberg, who's a fighter. So it was like, well, I have everything I need advice and coaching-wise. I don't really need it. You don't always need a third or fourth guy. That's usually just, if you can get it, okay. But I wasn't flying anybody extra just to have somebody extra there. Do you know what I mean? I already paid for the people I needed to be there and my brother was going to be there anyway. So I was like, you want the job? And uh, it worked out. What was his reaction when you offered it to him to be in your corner? He was, he was, he immediately said, yeah, that would be, but he was also like, do what you have to do. So he was definitely not like, yeah, yeah, let me do it. You know what I mean? He, he wanted to make sure we were going to have everybody we need first and foremost. And we did. I mean, I had my sparring partner who'd been my guy the whole eight weeks and I had Duke. I mean, really, I could do it all with just Duke there, to be honest sure, with you. But it helped to have a grappler, too, with me, because we knew Stevie was going to try to shoot. So so he loved it, man. Did he, in in the locker room or whatever, did he say anything you know, to you? Like, was he trying to be a coach, or was he just no. kind of staying back? and I okay. told him, I said, don't feel like you need to do anything. As a matter of fact, I was like, don't. Don't, yeah, don't do right. anything. You know what I mean? If Duke says, hey, Tommy, say something or yell this to get him motivated, then I was like, then you do whatever, you do whatever Duke says, is pretty much what I told him. And... uh he didn't need to really be there that long in right. the end and for the fight. But backstage, you know, I just, um, I kept checking in on him and he kept uh, just, he kept out of the way and, and watched. And I think it was a really uh, cool experience because he's seen me fight every single fight. And then to finally see what goes on, what what goes into the warm-ups and, and uh, just the nerves and, and guys going out and coming back, beat up and, and guys coming back off a win, like when... Uh, some of the guys came back losing. You could tell it starts to freak him out. Like, yeah. oh, maybe this whole locker room's going to lose tonight. And it's just, you know, you learn that that stuff's got to just let everything kind of right. ride off you a little bit. So now that you did so well with him in your corner, is he going to be a, a fixture? That's what we were talking yeah. about. He's like, oh, I'd love to do another one. I'm like, well, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see. You know, what I mean? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe you're a good luck charm. 
of course, anytime someone reads about your story now, they read about what happened to you when you were 12. Mm-hmm. You were raped. Yeah. Um, you're okay with that. You're okay because I read something very interesting that you said that like people feel uncomfortable talking to me about it, but I actually enjoy having my voice heard and yeah. telling people so that people don't blame themselves. Victims can learn from this and don't blame themselves because that's something that you feel, right? You you blame yourself? Um, well, I did for a long time and I think that's, that's part of the problem with anything that, from rape to domestic violence to, you know, even... Even like person, mental disorders, yeah. people like with, with depression and anxiety, like people are so afraid to talk about it because you feel so isolated. You feel like this only happened to me because I'm bad. It's not something that happens to everyone, but this is me because I'm bad. And, you know, the, any chance I can get to tell people like it happened to me and you think I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think I'm successful. You think I have my shit together, but I really don't. And I never, I might never fully have my shit together, but every day I'm working towards it and you can do the same thing. Could you tell us what happened? Do you mind? No, um, I was raped when I was, uh, I said 12. Unfortunately, like when you, when you kind of bury memories, you bury them. So I might've been 13 actually, Um, but it was someone in my neighborhood and I, I thought I didn't want to tell anyone because I had, was smoking pot. And I was really high and I believe he laced my, my drugs. And I was like almost, um, like I, I was, I couldn't move. And I was like screaming and shouting, but I couldn't move my body. So all this happened. And, um, you know, when the drugs were off, I could run home and everything. But it's like a life sentence when you're raped, because any time after it happens, you feel like that same fear and panic and anxiety and shame. Like if I didn't buy drugs from this guy or go into his house and sit in the living room and agree to smoke with him, then this never would have happened. So... For so long, I carried that every single day, like like it had a handle on it, wow. and I brought it with me. How did you get over that? I never got over it. Okay. I still didn't get over it, but I did accept that it wasn't my fault, um, and it's not my burden to carry. It's his instead, and I just figure out how to live my life around that happening, how to accept that you know everything that happens isn't my fault. Some did things t- are beyond your control. Did you tell your parents or friends or anyone that's close to you after it happened? Uh, my ex-husband was actually the first person I ever told. Wow. And How many years later? Well, I, he was my first boyfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> my second boyfriend. So I was with Mike from when I was 14 until I was 30. Okay. So probably a big part of the reason because... I, you know, I told him that and he helped me carry that. But he was also a kid. I was 14. He was, you know, 18. So he kind of just like said, here, let me just take that problem and put it on the shelf and make you feel better. Okay. So, um, Did you tell your parents at some point? Years later. And how did they react? Uh, it was hard because my neighborhood is more like a community. Yeah. So the person who, who raped me still like riding around on this bike and out of jail for years like my mom knows his mom and oh. it kind of gets buried you know yeah. and uh, that was a big part of the reason why I wanted to move my daughter out of there because sexual assault is so prevalent in neighborhoods like that where people are afraid and ashamed to tell on someone that is so close with people you know yeah have, you, like, have you ever seen him since I have you have I have have you talked to him no w- w- like how close is he when you see him like riding his bike maybe if i'm okay. driving and i'll see him ride his bike what is that like um it's terrifying but not physically terrifying because i could kick his ass you could but, um it's like the fear comes back all in waves okay. like as if it just happened 
how how hard was it to get to the point to where you speak about it now and are okay to speak about it and, and almost you know giving people hope that they can speak about it and encourage I mean that's not an easy thing it's not but it's something like that came with time like I realized not everyone has a microphone a microphone and a platform to speak yeah. and I think it's an athlete's duty to reach out to all the people who think that you inspire them or who say because of you I went to the gym today because of you I felt like I could box I want to reach out to people on a different level so that because of me they felt like they could put a piece of their life behind them like like you know what bad things have happened to me in my life yeah but i'm still able to do well and do able to do good your, your story has been covered everywhere espn vice I, i've read tons of articles we had a great article on you right before um your debut in mma uh mark Ramundi wrote it and and I, I I'm wondering like what, what, the more it gets out there, you must get letters from people, right? From 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 women who mm-hmm. have probably experienced and who say thank you. What is that like to read that? That um, you're kind of like a voice for them. Sometimes it makes me cry, yeah, you know, but imagine. it makes me know it's worth it, and it gives me, it inspires me to keep talking and keep saying it and keep assuring people and women and even men, like like you know these things happen to men all the time as well. Like it's not your fault. It's and you don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed. You're not by yourself. When I remember, I remember when. I first talked about it I was surprised at all the people around me who reached out and said like it happened to me too and I would look at these people and think like but you have a good job and a family and, uh-huh. and every time I see you you're happy and that made me realize that I could be happy too uh-huh. you know? um, how long after did you speak about it publicly for the first time um, gosh it had to be close to 20 years wow and why did you decide to speak about it? Like, what changed to make you finally come out and talk? Because I was finally starting to get over it myself. Okay. Not get over it, yeah, but learning how to put it behind me. Or learning how to say, this This doesn't define me who I am. This isn't me. You know, like, it's just a growing up and learning yourself. And learning, like, all the things that are wrong with me and why they're wrong with me. And I just felt like... For all the people who are looking up to me and following me and writing to me, I owe it to them. Mm. You don't think, though, that this incident led you to become a fighter? I don't think so. I think that um, this incident makes me fight how I fight, you know, like because I fought for my life before. And that makes me feel like when I go in the the ring or even the cage now, like no girl at 125 pounds is going to make me fight for my life. No girl at 125 pounds is going to intimidate me in ways that I haven't already lived through and came out the other side. So you never see me give up because I don't know how to. What is it like now? Because you say 12, 13, your daughter is 12, 13. Do you think about like overprotecting her and, and do you get worried when she goes, now she's becoming more independent, right? Do you start to put yourself in her shoes? At I do. Her age? And, and how, how are you coping with that? Um, I, I really try to make my daughter know that, um, that she has a voice and okay. she can speak out and there are things that like she can talk to me about and not feel embarrassed or ashamed or like that mommy won't believe her, you know, and uh, her father is very active in who she's with and where she goes and what she does okay. uh, because he still lives in that neighborhood. Oh, I wow. took her out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we ran, I ran away with her. <laughs> so wow. she spends most of her time with me okay. where the environment isn't, she goes out and then comes home for dinner. Right. It's like you have after school activities. Mommy picks you up. Mommy brings you home. If your girlfriends want to come over, they can come over to our apartment. Okay. Not so much. She's just roaming the streets, hanging out. Okay. Um, do you ever, like, is there a point where you just don't want to talk? Are you tired of talking about it? Having 
to relive it and no no you think that there's a purpose i mean i do you have this like and, and and i remember when somebody made like a, a comment on twitter or facebook that stuck with me and they were like oh you know heather hardy's always telling her a sad story and i was like wow you know like Maybe some other people are tired of hearing it, yeah. but those are the people who don't have to listen to it. Right. It's like the people who really need to hear it will hear it. Do you, do you, are you a part of any groups? Do you talk to any? I don't. My advisor, Dan Hill, has uh, had me do a few like speeches and yeah, interviews yeah. and programs and stuff, but nothing like exclusively. You're so eloquent. You're, you know, you speak about it uh, and, and just your whole story is just oh, so thanks. inspiring. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of people can learn a lot and and be inspired by you so yeah i do some public speaking like when when i'm asked but unfortunately i'm always You're in busy, the gym yes. training or you know being a mom is it's hard to commit so much to that so whenever i have the chance to talk about it boxing's been its own worst enemy i'm not i don't subscribe to mma did boxing in or MMA heard boxing bullshit. I right. mean, it's, they're two very different, you know, sports and disciplines. And maybe 10 years ago, like I didn't get MMA to the extent I get it now. I, 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 I'm not a big fan, I, I have to admit, but like I, I don't hate on it. You watch it? Sometimes. Really? Yeah, like I, I never did before. I got, you know, it, it was weird. I, I was like, uh, I, I was watching Dillashaw fought, fought somebody mm-hmm. and it was an unbelievable fight. I, I think the other guy hadn't fought in a while. Dominic Cruz. Yeah, it was, that fight was great. Years, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know much about MMA, but I knew that that was good. Okay. Like, and I was watching that. You appreciated it. I really did. Like, wow. I got it. I got like, and I saw like a lot of stuff in, in in that particular fight that I said, "Wow!" Like, I you know, there is more. You know, like I I, I was missing. You know, I think I missed the boat a little bit a long time ago and not understanding um, the skill that goes into to this. Like, there, there and and that that fight really I found very compelling and. You know, I, still, I I don't watch reg- regularly, but yeah, I watch. And you know, now um, I have Heather Hardy who's competing in in Bellator, and yeah. I have other women who fight for me that are about to get into oh. MMA. Um, Who's that? Amanda Serrano wants to test it out, so I think she's probably going to. Okay, and she's got you know she's won like five world championships in five different weight classes in, in boxing. She's widely considered. She's actually going to try to you know. Ty Delahoy and Pacquiao and make history and and um, and win a title in her sixth weight class, I think before the year ends. Okay. Um, Which promotion is she talking to? Um, at, at the moment, I mean, she's sort of like, you know, talking to a lot of people. Okay. You have to. She's give friendly her the okay. with Misha Tate. She's friendly with. I think she's talked to Misha Tate about maybe managing her. Well, um, why don't you manage her in in, in MMA? I could. You know, I I think that that why give her to someone? I think that there are a lot of I I have a promotional contract with her. Okay, but but I and and it goes on and it took a number of years and you know, you know, I think that there are (laughs) illusions that people have right now. I think people are watching this MMA athletes as well as boxers. They're watching this event and everyone's believing that the grass is greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. Like everyone thinks there's like, you know, some giant windfalls out there to be had. Um, maybe to some extent because of the success of, of, uh, of Ronda Rousey and, and Holly Holm, Misha Tate and, and you know, Chris Cyborg, others, that MMA has been kinder to women that get to the ultimate level um, than women's boxing has been to women um, who, who win championships and still can't pay the bills. Right. So I, I understand more the, 
you know, why women are, are, are taking a good look at MMA right now, because they see potentially greater opportunities. But I think when they go out there and they fish around and they really look at, at what's out there, they'll see that it's, you know, n- n- neither path is necessarily right. uh, paved in gold. Is there a moment that sticks out, part of this experience for you? Favorite moment? I ask you about just, you know, Mayweather-McGregor in 10 years. Is, mm-hmm. is there one that you think will pop up first? You know, uh, to some extent, I, I heard his answer, and I think the, the press tour was definitely memorable. Yeah. Um, for me, why I love combat sports, you know, the, the moment. And it's the moment, if you ask me that question virtually every event, I'd give you the same answer, and certainly on this event. Um, it is... You know, the moment of time between the anthems and the first bell. And that's when, as someone involved in the business aspect, that's when everything has come together. And what you've been doing for the last 10 weeks, you know, is you see the embodiment of that. You, You can literally look around the arena, you feel the energy, you, you know, it's about to happen. And you feel like, okay, this is what we've been working. 10 weeks for, and, you know, because at a certain point, a lot of it feels intangible and far off. So you do marketing, you know, you, you come up with marketing plans, you do all these things, but that's when it hits home that it's actually happening. You can see the embodiment of all your team's hard work, you know, in the excitement that people have in the, the arena, in the telecast, you know, that's, you, you, you asked them about sort of, when do you sort of you smell the flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's one moment for me. It's that time, that's the moment I smell the flowers, you know, because to me, there's no moment like that in any other sport. Mm. You know, it's not, whether it's before kickoff or in the NBA overtime, there's, for me, there's nothing that matches that energy, that intensity, that anticipation, you know, right out of walkouts and before the final bell. That's why I love combat sports. I must say, no one will really care about this. One of my favorite parts of covering this event was just sort of, you know, covering Elite XC and covering Strike Force was a lot of fun because it's different. You know, mm-hmm. the UFC, I'm fine with them, but it's, you know, same people all the time. Mm-hmm. Getting to reconnect with people like Chris de Blasio, PR, mm-hmm. and, and, and some of your production staff and uh, Matt Donovan, people like that. You know, these aren't household names to the average mm-hmm. viewer, but it was fun to sort of get back into the, the showtime and, and do interviews okay. with you and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I know that the team, and I, and I wanted to end on this note, I know that the team had a, a heavy heart because you lost a member of the team, mm-hmm. a valued member, maybe 30 years, Earl Fash. Uh, Earl, Earl Fash had been with us 35 years. He, 35 he, years. Uh, he started in the mailroom straight out of college. Um, in 1982, which is four years before Showtime Sports even started. So uh, he was creative director, which involved him in everything from features to promos to, um, uh, you know, to interstitials, um, virtually everything. He probably produced maybe 10,000 pieces of content. You know, it's no exaggeration to show, to say that he was a piece of, uh, he was part of every single Wow. Showtime sports event that we'd ever done. Events, shows, he was there from the beginning until just a few weeks before the Mayweather-McGregor fight. So I'm very sorry for his passing. I had a chance to see him at a few strike force events. I mean, I, a hard guy to miss. Right. Very tall individual, and I know he was such a big part of the team. Um, and so I, I know that the, the whole you know the whole group was sort of feeling his loss very much. Yeah, uh, definitely. I appreciate you you recognizing that, and, and I'm sure a lot of you know a lot of people worked with him for 20 plus years within the company.
you got more of a reaction for you being in studio than anyone on this show today. Oh, that's cool. It's crazy. Yeah. People love you. It's but I nuts. feel like they almost remember, want to see you rage out. Yeah, You why? feel like there's an expectation? Yeah, I don't like it anymore. Yeah. So we're going the opposite way. <laughs> Mellow. I we're going out. I'm just, You feel I like there's know. pressure that people think that you're some kind of like Yeah, act? like I go out at night and people are like, oh, let's do shots. Let's go crazy. Volante's the worst. Oh, really? Yeah, he really is. I really what do you don't, mean? I don't like him. He tries to perpetuate this? Yeah, he's the worst. So you try to stay away from him? It's hard. He's just a big kid, right? He really is a big kid. Yeah. But it's fun. <laughs> he lives. He lives in like the be- Long Beach, Long Island is like the best place in the world. All my friends moved down there, so okay. it's like if I want to go hang out with anybody, it's Long Beach, and it's just, just big party, big trouble, right? Yeah. But it's fun. So he gets you to do that a lot. He wants you to drink. He wants you to rage. Take off your shirt. Go nuts. Yeah, he's the worst. And you try to stay away from that. Yeah, I try. But you feel like online the fans are trying to like always bait you into going on no I think they just want me to uh, kind of just get back in there and fight okay I feel like there's a lot of people just wanting to see me fight which is cool yeah it's really cool so where are we at I am we're back we're back to like two years ago where I had a knee injury and they didn't know whether I was going to fight again and we're always going we're going to come back and we're going to fight again I, I messed up my knee again a little bit training so Sorry uh, to hear that. yeah, so I was, you know, I surgery, not surgery. I think we're gonna try to go the non-surgery route this time and heal it up and uh, hopefully fight in the next couple months. Is this the same knee? It's the other knee now. Oh wow! Yeah, so I messed up this one pretty bad. I'm compensating for it, putting a lot of weight on the other knee. Now the other knee is kind of feeling the effects of the right knee. That happens, like, right? Yeah, I guess so. I feel it. I, I've been yeah, like pain in my back, even just from like, really? I guess I'm walking weird or something. But uh, I've been doing physical therapy. I have, I've been going to the, I don't know if you saw all the sports science lab stuff in Staten Island that I've been going yep, to. Yep, these yep. guys are, these guys are the best. I walk in there and they treat me like a king. They, you know, they, they, uh, from the time I get there till the time I leave is like three hours and I'm going from boom, 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 you know, one thing to the next, they're on top of me. And, uh, it takes me an hour and a half to drive there, an hour and a half to drive back. It's like a full day wow. process, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's worth it for me to go there and, uh, see those guys, Dr. Piazza at sports science lab. He's been so, uh, so giving to me and his whole staff. I can, uh, I really can't thank those guys enough because they, they they got me to the last fight healthy and uh, and then once this happened it wasn't even it was just you know whatever don't worry about it whatever the injury is we're gonna get you back in there and I believe him hundred percent. When did this happen? This was the day after the Fourth of July. Oh wow! Okay, so it was like two months ago. And what happened? I was just I was really just wrestling around, just rolling and. Uh, my knee got twisted out a little bit. Uh, I didn't even hear a pop. It was just kind of like I felt, I knew right away that, I f- that something wasn't, I was like, whoa, that's not, that's not going to be good. And then I tried putting weight on it and it was bad. I tore my PCL and uh, I sprained my MCL, but it's not, the PCL you really don't need. PCL, I guess you can, athletes have competed at a high level without that. They just want to see how my MCL is healing and it's healing pretty good. So I think we're in good shape. Okay. So you yeah. don't think you'll need surgery? No, I don't think wow. so. Wow. Yeah. So it's not as serious as the first one. Because the first uh, one you probably needed surgery, yeah, right? Well, 
it just two totally different injuries. Okay. Yeah, okay. the first one, it was the kind of thing where I had this sur- I had the surgery, and they were like, "You might not, you might not be able to fight again. You were going to be able to live." You know, I couldn't. I was at the my wits end. I was at the you know, it was like a last ditch effort anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I got the surgery. I, you know, I had some pretty good results and good enough to where I got back in the back in there and fought again. So. Good. You you've hinted at this, but the word is you didn't do a lot of training going into the Diego fight. Can you tell us now? Can it you was, tell us about it? Hey, you got it. I mean, I could tell you, but you got to ask Ray. Tell it us. Was, tell us. You're here. It's 400. Tell us. How crazy was this? It was. It was crazy. I could tell Ray didn't. Ray, Ray really didn't believe. Um, I think he kind of thought I was just going in there for a payday or something. How many hours you know? did you spend at the gym? Uh, I spent a lot of time at the gym, but I was doing more like physical therapy rehab. I was doing, I was doing circuits and stuff. I hit pads. So the, they can they said they wanted to film me one day and I was like, Oh man, I don't know what they're going to film. I can't, I've, I've been swimming. I swam every day. That's yeah, what I, did. Yeah. I got, I got, I was in probably one of the, some of the best shape I've been in, but just not in like fighting shape. You know, right. I didn't, I was, I was going in there a little unsure, not of just, I hadn't been usually before I fight, I have you know, I don't know, 10 to 20 hard sparring sessions where the end of the five, you know, I'm going three, five minute rounds, sometimes four or five minute rounds. And at the end I'm exhausted, but I know I'm, I'm like ready. You know, I never really had that for this fight. So I was kind of a little unsure. And, uh, I just remember getting into the locker room and warming up and I was like, Oh man, my knee's not feeling good. I said to Aljo, I was like, you should I ice my knee right now? Like, what should I do? And he was like, let's just warm up and, you know, go in there and, and fight and I warmed up and thank God it started feeling better but it was like there was no I hit pads maybe a couple times That's I, I sparred lightly one time one or two times and uh and Ray so I I think Ray was kind of a little he was like I don't know if I want to I, I think him and Matt were kind of like what's going what do you, I don't even we haven't seen you you haven't been you know and I came into the gym maybe like three or four weeks before the fight and I was in sick shape I, they could see you know I've been putting the work in and they you know they uh they were like all right well, well this is the craziest thing we've ever seen but we got your back and and uh and I went in there and I had been going to the sports science lab in Staten Island and because I hadn't been doing all the um Excuse me, who's calling me right They're now? calling Get you in the middle of, of the show. Who could this be? I don't know. It's probably Aljo. He's jealous that you're on the show. Um, it's Aljo's shirt. Island Boy. That's his new name? It's his new, uh, his new company. Oh, really? Boy. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I cool, saw you right? rocking the uh, the gold chain. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that a real one or is he still on the fake one? No, nah, he's. I hope he doesn't buy a real one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be just silly. Um, okay, now back to the story. Yeah, so you said you were going to sports science, and, and uh, they do vision training, whereas like your eyes, you're training your eyes. Um, it's something that I don't think anyone's really doing. You know, they have machines that are they have really expensive equipment. That's just dedicated towards training your eyes. Your eyes are muscle. Like anything else, you can work on your peripheral vision, your hand-eye coordination, depth perception, all these things. Um, and because I wasn't wrestling too much and I wasn't doing so much jujitsu, I really just focused on that. And uh, I really just, I saw, I kind of just saw that fight happening the way it was, just a straight right hand at the end. It, it gave me a lot of confidence. And uh, my father actually just... We, we, the reason we ended up there was um, I've been doing this, this, these kind of training, these, these kind of exercises for a while. 
And because I saw so much success, my father was like, dude, we should open up a place where people just train their vision. Was, back in the day, it was you know, strength and conditioning. I don't think anyone really did strength and conditioning. You know, Then one guy did strength and conditioning, guys saw the results, everyone's doing strength right. and conditioning. Nutrition. Beirut's eating hot dogs and baseballs. Yeah, yeah. Now everyone's got a new diet to nutrition plan. I think this sports vision thing is kind of the next, this might be the next, uh, the next thing where, you know, you're training your eyes. It's the most important thing in, in baseball and in lacrosse and hockey, anything, picking up, you know, something coming at you and reacting to it. Um, so I had been doing a ton of that. And I really could see, I, I watched the fight afterwards. Just, I was visualizing the whole fight, how it was going to happen. I would drive to Staten Island. It would take an hour and a half every day. And I was just, I saw the fight happen a million times in my head. And I saw it happen the worst way. I saw it happen the best way. And the way the fight happened, it was really like the best, you know, I got hit once. It was like the best case scenario. I just saw the right hand. I hit it. Um, perfect. I had my eyes open. I was just, I was seeing everything. I felt like everything was happening, even being off for two and a half years or whatever it was, two years. Yeah. Being, being laid out, guys talking about ring rust. I just, I saw everything. I, I felt focused. Um, I felt like my brain was just working in, in a different way. So I think this, this sports vision training is kind of a, a new thing that people are going to be doing. And I think it's going to help out a lot for sure. So, if you would have been in a fight where it went like three rounds and it was a war up and down, do you think you would have lasted or because? Yeah. I mean, I feel like. Would the knee have held up? Yeah. The knee would have held up. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, no, I wasn't feeling anything in there. I don't, I would have felt it maybe afterwards, but no, my knee, it, it was, it's just, it's, uh, if I work out, if I, w- back then when I was, wor- if I was working out, like five times hard in a week, you know, I start really feeling it, you know, so I had to kind of be really, uh, be really careful of what I did, right. you know, the swimming was great, nothing on, you know, nothing on yeah. my knees, great cardio, full body workout, um, the circuits I was doing, I was working around the knee, but now I'm, I'm, uh, now this knee's good. Yeah. Now I got to worry about this one. Once I get this one good, I, you know. So you will fight again. Back. You believe that? Yeah, yeah I, I believe it. Do you want to fight again? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, it's like that's. I've been. Uh, it's like something's been. Whenever I'm not fighting, you know, I feel like. Excuse me. I feel like I'm the best. My life is like the most structured and organized. I made more money selling real estate when I had a fight coming up. Yeah. I had. I. My, I you know, everything, my diet, everything's good. When I have a fight coming up, there's nothing, I'm like on point, you know what I mean? So I, I get a good schedule, regimen, and, and it's like nothing matters except for that day, you know, that when I'm about to fight. So I just, everything kind of works out. Where do know? things stand between you and the UFC? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Did you get a new deal? Did I get a new deal? No. No. Because you fought in April on the I old I think day. we were like kind of working towards one and then I got hurt. So it was kind of like, nah, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. If I remember correctly, you, you had the, the meeting in Dallas, right? Uh, yeah. Your dad was there. Uh-huh. It was moving in the right direction. You had the yeah. retreat. That didn't really go as planned, right? Yeah, I kind of fell off the hand. I kind of went, went a little crazy. You regret that? Uh, I regret a lot of things about that, yeah. Really? Like what? Could you just, share? Just crazy. I don't know. Just getting crazy. I just not a good look. A lot of the things. Um, but 
I feel like we're seeing a different ally Quinta here, like a like an evolved ally Quinta, maybe a, a more mature one from the last couple months. I don't know. I think I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was one of the more yeah, that know, was out of control. You regret that? You regret like that those seventy two hours or whatever? Yeah, the the water gun and all that stuff. Yeah, that was a little out of control. And the show. Uh yeah, yeah. But um, I forget what I was going to say. We were talking about something else. Oh, I forget. Go ahead. What was I? What was I going to say? Well, I, I said that you, you. Oh, just just not fight. I feel like fighting a lot when I'm when I. I don't know. I feel like my whole life stops when I fight. You know, in a good like, way. Uh, in in I feel like my whole life. Like my whole life is just dedicated to fighting. Okay, you know, like I'm not like evolving. But now, since I haven't been fighting, I'm kind of you know oh, doing other okay. things. I'm kind of enjoying. Maybe enjoying things more. I'm so happy to see you. Yeah. For many reasons. Why? Let's first get the elephant out of the room. Elephant? I thought that you were pissed at me for a long oh, time. Oh, that's funny because I was going to bring that up first too. Okay, you are pissed or were pissed um, at me. Let me explain. Okay, yeah, we please. should cl- let's clear the air yes. before we get into it. I can't this. wait. Okay. All right. So my friend Ariel, you. Yes. Day, day after my fight, day yes. after my big fight. I get, you know, which finally a uh, sage fight, sage, okay. sage fight. Yeah. So I get, you know, I get my stitches cut open. I get, I'm out drinking that night partying. You ask me like, Hey, I'd, I'd like you to get on the show two times in a row. I know it's weird, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, my friend Ariel. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it. Of Respect. course. Thank of course. You. Right. Thank you. So then unbeknownst to me, yeah. you bring Dan Hardy on without telling me. Yeah. 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 The fuck. Yeah. You were pissed. What the fuck, dude? Why don't you tell me the kid who's who's been talking shit, the slick, I, 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 you know, the smart kid who has a mouth. Yeah. You don't tell me I could have lit his ass up. You, but instead, I'm, I'm half hungover. I set my alarm. I was up all night. I got the continental breakfast in the, the free continental breakfast in the morning because I was up all night. Yeah. But I'm like, all right, I'll get up for Ariel's show. I appreciate it. And then, so that's, yeah, that's why I didn't text you back all summer. So you were pissed. You did piss me off because I wanted, okay. I, you know, I wanted that fight. Oh, Ariel's friends with Dan Hardy. Then, you know, if you're my friend, I'll break my back hill for you. But sure. you're not my friend, so fuck you. So we're not so friends we, anymore? Um, we have some you've been downgraded to, to like, that, like, like MMA media oh, guy. Man. Damn. And you know, I, here's the thing. Okay. Like, I get it. You're great. Like, if as an MMA fan, you're the best. Okay. But you, like, you, you went, like, you, I, you're, rest, you're, you're a wrestling fan. I think you are kind of a, a character in this whole MMA game. Really? Yeah, I think you take on, you're like that kind of, you, sometimes you like to be sh- like a schmucky reporter. You like to antagonize. You like to, you know, you know. I think I do. just, I'm just me. Sometimes I'm a schmuck. Oh, you, you're you, just you think- that? Well, no. Like, what do you mean? You think I'm playing like, I think, a, a I think, role? I think, yeah, yeah. I, and like, for fans, it's great, but you're gonna piss off fighters along the way a lot, and you have been doing that. And as a and journalist, I, you're always gonna piss off people, right? I guess so. I mean, I guess so. It's actually not our job to be. Why would Why you, Yeah, no, I know. But you know, you I, when I was out in Montreal, you're like, hey, check out this place. But I'm sure, like, oh, sure. I thought we were friends. He yeah. put me on the show. Put me on again. I, you know, give me exposure. See, I thought it was. You know, I'm, I'm I thought I was doing here. you a favor. Can I, I tell you why? Why don't you fucking tell me first? Because you were on the air. And so I asked you, remember I asked you, I said in the interview, we have Dan Hardy. Do you want to talk to him? And you said, yes. Hey, cause what am I going to say? Oh, uh, no. Well, you, you should have told me before. Come on. You were trying to like, you were trying to like pull one on me, right? Absolutely not. God is my witness. I was not. But why but didn't I was, you just tell me before I even start the call? Just so I could like, it, I, it was my brain. And I, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so here's the thing. He was on after you. So I had to ask you on the air. There's no way for me to communicate with you. You didn't beforehand. know he was going to be on the night before? I didn't know, I didn't know that. I didn't know I that. Didn't know. But I, di- I didn't know that we were going to put you on together. And I thought Mickey Gall is exceptionally smart. 
He's quick on his feet. Hung over. I, I, see, I, I didn't know that. Cuddle. I didn't know I, that. I sent an alarm for you. How am I, I supposed like, to know that? I sent an alarm for you. I, I barely sleep. I'm partying. I just won. I just won a big fight. You're 100 percent right. But how like am I supposed to know that? On my parade. No, no, no. Like. What I was trying to do was to expedite your parade. Uh, I was yeah, trying to get you. If you told me, if you told me, we would have. I would have blown that shit up. I know. I know. I would have called him a pussy and scared when he when he said he didn't want to fight. I was like, uh, you know what I mean? You called him out, so I'm like, here he is. Here yeah, he is. Yeah, I know, but you you call you know me I mean? sleeping, I, literally. But I didn't know that. How much? Just say a word. Just say. Just say. Just give me one. Give me for. Like, ugh, you, for, you for wanted like a text beforehand. Anything. You like, wanted a heads up. We got on the call. Hey, uh, just anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. 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 A, a heads up would have been cool, and I, I could have. You know, I just. Would you have said yes? Given your state, given the fact that you said you were tired. Yeah, and I would. I would have had. I would have had. You'd have had stuff. Yeah, but but that shows how much respect I have for you. You're so quick on your feet. Thanks. No, I was. No yeah, one, I was. Not, I was. I was still probably. Uh, I'd been drinking the night before. I, I don't. I don't drink much. Sure. You know sure. What sure. I mean? I, uh, yeah. So, but no one has done what you've done. I mean, you came in the way you've come in. That's part of your story, right? Yeah. You called out punk, and then you had the next one ready, yeah. and then you had the next one ready, and then you had the Dan Hardy one ready. And let's be honest, that one didn't like hit the home run that maybe you thought I didn't it would. Think I was getting the Dan Hardy fight. So what was? I knew. I, I thought I get the first two. I, I I was I was tossing up a real hail mary. Yeah. But why? Why'd you go that far? Well, especially now. Listen, you want to see quick on my feet? Sure. I cut. I knew I cut myself open. Yeah. And I, I did. I, you know, I had a couple people on my plate that depend on, and I, I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna have to be out six months now." Um, I, okay. the cut originally I got before CM Punk. Doctor yeah. was like, "Yo, he's like, you can't fight for six months if if you." And I fought in three weeks against CM Punk, and then I fought uh, like three months later against Sage, all within that six months where I should've been resting. So then I cut it, and I figured Dan Hardy, I'd at least get a little by myself a little time. The way that fight would be ready, maybe it'd be a couple, it'd be a few months. But if I call like. Certain guys out, then I'm right back in there. Okay. So I need, I want a little time, and I've ended up having a lot of time. And I've done a lot of good shit with my time. Okay, I, I'm really proud of what I did. I put in a lot of work. Okay, and I'm gonna fuck up Randy Brown. Yeah, well, this is what this is why I wanted to have you on. So I see, I have a good sense when it comes to these things. I yeah. sense that you were pissed because I reached out to you a couple times. Yeah, I didn't text you back. Well, yeah, why? Why don't you just say? All right, uh, because you're, you're, you're you an a-hole. Because I still was, I still was holding that hope that I get that Dan Hardy fight, and you were on Dan's. You were, I was like, oh, this was is Dan's not, friend. This is no, Dan's no, friend. So I'm not. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, God is my witness. I was trying to get you the fight. I was trying to expedite things. Listen. Brother, you should have said one. You should, all you need I to should do have, is say one all right, word. All right. All you need to do is say one word before. The way I was thinking was, here you are on national television asking for Dan Hardy. Why don't I get you Dan Hardy? Get you Dan Hardy on the phone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, like, I don't need, I, I kind of. Like, I, I was also like, I was just like, I was kind of like, I was kind of like happy at the moment. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, and I, was I rained on like, the parade? No, like, no, kill? listen. I'm saying I was like, like on the phone, I was almost like a little content for a moment. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like I just got a fight. I'm, ch- I'm, I'm chilling. I was sure. chilling with my friends. And then, yeah, it was just sudden. I just wasn't ready. I was like, uh, all right, man. <laughs> so like, that, I, was like, I wasn't, I just, like, I just wasn't prepared. I, right. I was not prepared. I, I thought I was just calling in to just be like, hey, talk about the fight, just whatever, yeah. light shit. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. So that misstep? downgrades me like all the work you've been on the show before multiple times in yeah. studio brought you down it, because all, yeah well now, well now that i'm not fighting your buddy dan dan hardy <laughs> okay fair yeah enough. we could be friends again maybe okay. i mean you gotta so put you yourself yes. back in the circle i actually told i i, I god's my witness i told new york rick before the show started rick? the producer in the back the guy with the bad hair i said i was shocked when you wrote back to me i didn't think you would write back to me because i sensed that you were mad at me why i want say- to i, I, I want to squash it too you did okay I, yeah i mean I, I wanted to say it but i'm not gonna i, I didn't feel like calling you so i didn't see you this is right. the first time i saw you so sure sure that's what we're talking about now wow and, and and not only that not only was i downgraded 
I'm also a schmucky reporter who plays a role. I know what you do. Yeah, you like to put, you like to you like to get a rise out of people. You like to antagonize. What does that mean, fun. though? Or it's, am I just doing my job? A, it, you are doing your job. Yeah, but you're am doing I just your asking questions the job that the are fans, sometimes but not the fighters, comfortable? It, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna like I. I, I there, you know, there's plenty. You can look up Ariel Hawan fighters getting pissed off Ariel Hawan oh, compilations. BS. That's such BS. That's such BS. I have devoted so much time to the sport. Why would I want to be on bad terms with fighters? This is my I, life. I think this is my you, livelihood. You, you, if you a, don't you like don't me. Want, that's bad you don't want to. You don't want to be on bad terms, but you don't mind getting a rise out and want and antagonizing, and poking, and and it. You're off and like, on this one. I think you're you very think smart. So? You're off. You know why? There's a difference between wanting to get a rise and asking questions that sometimes aren't the most comfortable questions. Sometimes there are situations that aren't the best that need to be addressed. Ray Borg was just on, you know, he blew it, got sick, got another shot, but I wanted to talk to him about it. He may not have liked all the questions, but we still have to talk about it. Right. That's not me wanting to get a rise out of him. That's just me asking questions about the situation. It's not always positive. Right. It's not always everyone kisses your butt over the past year. Rookie of the year. Call it CM Punk. You're so great. So, you know, sometimes you got to ask a question. I liked, um, I liked how you had my uh, back with a, a, a little bit with Kevin Lee. I was talking shit on your show. That fucking idiot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently, I, right? I know he. I don't. Re- <laughs> so you I don't still really watch like, the show even though you're mad at me. No, because I heard that because people oh, tell on. me about it because he called. Admit he it. called me out. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've I've done. I've been watching less MMA shows. Okay, okay. Because I'm just I'm in it. I'm deep in it. Yeah. I, I, I train all the time. You okay. Know what I mean, so. But no, I, I pay attention, man. Yeah. I, I still pay attention. I still got love. Yeah. I, I, I here, on the air. I apologize for putting you on the spot. That wasn't my intention. Honestly, my intention was to try to expedite the all right. process. All I'm saying, yeah. just g- give me a little yeah, Is, is, for is sure. someone, anyone coming in today? Yes, yeah, CM Punk is going <laughs> to walk in. <laughs> what is the announcement? I'm stepping out of the cage. You know, I come here today to announce my retirement of the MMA. Uh, it was the, the, the toughest walk in today to come to your studio because... It's hard to make this announcement, but I talk a lot with my family, my friends, my fans, my coaches, and we say, man, that's the time. You know, I have to uh, new focus, new things to do on my career uh, as a coach. Um, so that's the thing to do in the moment. So you are officially retiring from MMA. Yes, today it is today. official. How hard is it for you to say that? It's very hard. You know, it was a, a long journey. You know, I I love the MMA. I love training, cut weight, but uh, I'd have had some surgeries before on my retina, on my eye, you know. I'm focused on that 100% of my life during these 15 years. So it's time to step back. My mom asked this for me for a long time, you okay. know. And that was a hard decision, but that's the, the thing that we have, you know. I think it was a smart one. So you were kind of encouraged, you were pushed to do this, you didn't really want to do it? Some circumstance, circumstances bring me that, okay. right? I just opened a huge school in Brazil now. Oh, wow. Yes, I plan to open here in New York too. Um, so for now I come from three losses. You know, one, the last two was really bad because I feel something affect from my, my surgery on my eye. Oh, wow. You know, my eye is 100%, thank God. But that's behind of my mind, you know? So it's, um, that's the, 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 the good thing to do now, you know, I think it's a, a good decision. My mom are happy with this decision. She asked me this for a long time and I talked to my coach and everybody like, I agree. Say, okay, if that's what you want, then I think I'm happy. I'm going to be happy with this decision. What do you feel in your eye when you're fighting? Like when someone punches you, does it feel a little different? No, no, no. I don't feel nothing. nothing. Okay. Which eye is it? The left eye. The left eye. And, and when did this happen? In a fight? We never know. We don't know. Oh, just over time. Yes, yes. Okay. 
you know, over time. So I don't have nothing. The doctor say that I'm 100% to fight. Okay. You know, but when you have a serious injury, you always scare a little bit. Yeah, of course. And this uh, affects me on my last two fights a lot because I have a surgery after... After the interim champ, it's our Whitaker. Yeah, Whitaker. You know, and after that, I really feel a lot, you know. So it's, I think that's the time, you know. I need to focus on other things, move on, you know. I have another, another focus now. So when you fought back in July on Long Island against Eric Anders, did you know that that was going to be your last fight when you walked out of the cage that night? Did you know that that was going to be no. your final fight? No, after, after Team Boyshit, you know, in the Madison Square Garden, we start to talk about, you know, because I have a surgery uh, like a few months before of this fight. And then we say, listen, let's fight again. Let's see how it's going to be. You know, this fight was tough. Andre is a really tough guy, but my opponent changed like for four times. So yeah. that's it's hard, you know, right. change to, to regular to softball. But that's not excuse, you know, but I, I really feel a lot. Who's watched me for a long time know that I never give up, give up on my fights. I always fight forward. You know, in this fight, it was different. Really scared about getting hit on my eye, you know? Okay. So that's affected my, my, my performance for sure. And after this fight, we have a big meeting. We talk a lot. And that's the decision for we have now. Wow. So you were surrounded by people that are part of your career who care about you. And you guys kind of came together. And at the end of the meeting, you decided that it was time. Yes, yes. When was that? Like uh, one week ago. Okay. We, we talked about that like the last few months. I was yeah. in Brazil. We talked to my family. You know, and then I come back, talk to my coach, talk to my manager, Ali Abdelaziz, a big friend of mine, Hanzo Draculino. And they say, man, if that's how you feel now, we are with you. You know, we, 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 we believe in you a lot. That you can make a lot of noise with this division. But if that's what you want now, we are with you. And I think that's the smart decision to do now. So you had a four-fight winning streak. And then after that, three losses in a row. Does it bother you that you end on a loss, that you that you you walk away on a losing streak? Does that bother you? Yeah, no, for sure. Of course, bother me. You know, I'd like to be different, of course. But with this this thing about the the eye affect my performance, I can't say oh, I'm gonna make one more fight to, to say goodbye. You know, that's hard for me. I don't want to be like that. You know, don't give my like an easy opponent because I have no easy opponents. But I'm very happy with my career, you know, very happy with my performance. Uh, I have a lot of things that I really want, you know. So I'm happy. I'm happy with this decision. You know, I have a one main event in FC against Tim Kennedy. I have a fight of the night. I have a submission. I have a knockout. So I, I, I think it was a great career, you know. It's not because I come from three losses in a row that's going to be making me feel bad or feeling worse. But no, it's not about that, you know. I'm very happy with everything, everything that, I, that I have, everything that MMA gives me on this life. Are you going to continue to compete? I mean, of course, your background is jiu-jitsu. Will you try to be active in jiu-jitsu competitions or are you going to retire from all active competition? No, I can't. I'm going to keep competing, okay. you know. A lot of people, I talk to a few people, my coach, Draco, you know, say, man, let's compete in jiu-jitsu. Like, uh, they were champion the last the end of the year. I said, no, no, coach, I need at least this year. Let me rest a little bit. Yeah. But I want to compete. You know, I want to keep competing. I want to keep training. I talked to like a two or three training partners of mine about that. They said, man, we need you to keep training with us. No, I will. I will keep training, box, my tie. I'm not going to stop because I love that. Right. I love training. I love cut the weight, you know. So I'm going to keep training, but I'm going to keep competing in, in jiu-jitsu. Okay. You know, I love that. I competed in jiu-jitsu for a long time. I'm world champion. So I'm going to, I'm going to, next year, I'm going to come back, come back to compete in, the, in jiu-jitsu for sure. You've been uh, fighting professionally since 2005. 
2005. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so now you're a free man, right? You're, you're, you have no fights attached to you. You're not tied to any promotion. What is it like not having a fight on the horizon in your mind, on your calendar? Oh, I need to get ready for December 15th or November 4th, something like that. What's that like for you mentally? Man, that's, I'm, I'm feel lighter now. Yeah. So it's true for you, you know, I never feel like that. Since the day one that I decided to be a fighter, I say, I want to be a fighter. I, I was 20 years old. I say, mom, I want to be a fighter. I want to be a professional. I focus everything on that. I focus yeah. everything on that. You know, even when I have, a, was a vacation, when I have a surgeries, I have a three surgeries on my hands. I say, man, my focus will always was my career. You know, I have a relationship and I always, my career, my career. And now, like a few weeks ago, Three friends of mine and my girlfriend come and say, listen, you look light. You look like uh, something happened. What happened? I say, no, nothing. And I think it was that, you know. Wow. I can watch the fights now and don't think, oh, I'm gonna, I want to fight with this guy. Yeah. Or UFC is going to put me against somebody else. Like, not, not, nothing like that now, you know. I don't need to worry, to worry about cut weight. I need to worry about beat somebody. I just want to have fun now, enjoy my my retirement, you know. And next year, I go back to to compete and start to watch the guys, but in Jiu-Jitsu, not in MMA. Uh, so you mentioned that you decided to become a fighter when you were 20. Why did you decide to become a fighter? I started to train in Jiu-Jitsu and I started to, to watch some fights like uh, Mark Kerr, like uh, the, the Half, Hanzo, uh, Royce, and then I said, man, that's what I want to do in my life. You know, since I was in Jiu-Jitsu for, for one month and I started to watch this guy and say, man, I want to be an MMA fighter, I want to be... So you were only training for one month in Jiu-Jitsu? More often did I decide that. Wow. Yeah, because I trained in Capoeira before. I started in Capoeira, I have 14 years old. And I have a lot of fights in Capoeira, right? And then some guys from Jiu-Jitsu start to beat me up on the, on the Capoeira. And then I start training Jiu-Jitsu. And after one month, I say, that's what I do of my life. It was, oh. it was fast decision. So who, who got you into Jiu-Jitsu? Was it just guy you were training with some guys? And my, my brother. Okay. I was in Capoeira and my brother started training Jiu-Jitsu. My bro- brother always respect me a lot. Okay. And then after he got his yellow belt, he was like one year training, he started to look me up like that, have some attitude and say, man, this kid looked different, you yeah. know? And then I say, I'm going to start to train with him. And then when I started training Jiu-Jitsu, I get in love. And I said, that's what I'm going to do with my life, you know? And I, I was my debut. My first MMA fight, I was a blue belt. Okay. The beginning of my, my blue belt, you know? And were you an MMA fan even when you were just training Capoeira? Were you watching MMA? Did you know about it or only once you started training in MMA? Only when I started training Jiu-Jitsu. Okay, really? Yeah, where, yeah. Where, did, where did you grow up? In, in, in Brazil, right? Where in Brazil, Belo Horizonte. Okay. And so were there any famous guys that came out of there that you were able to be in contact with or look up to? Yeah, no, I have some guys that, like Draculino have an MMA yeah. team, like yeah. a Marcelo Rapuru, Eric Vanderlei, uh, Mamuchi have some guys that fight already. Okay. Uh, Eric fought against Shogun, you know? So when I watch these guys, I say, man, that's what I want to do in my career, you know? What did your mom say when you told her you wanted to do that? She, she said that I'm out of my mind because I, ha- I work with her since I was 12 to 20 years old. My mom have stores, oh. sell clothes, shoes, and I used to work with her. Okay. I have my own store. When I was 18 and when I turned 20, 20, I say, mom, I don't want nothing of that anymore. <laughs> she said, you're crazy. You have your career here. You're doing so good. I say, yeah, but it's not about money. It's about, no, but that's what I want to do, you know? And she said, you're crazy. You shouldn't do that, you know? But I say, mom, I want to do something that makes me happy. You know, I want to fight. I want to be a fighter. It was crazy because imagine that like a five, 15 years ago. Of course, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But at the end of the day, they, she, she agreed with me. She gave me a lot of support, my father, my girlfriend, you know. 
So I have a lot of support in my career. Any yeah. any message for the fans, your Brazilian fans, your American fans who have supported you? Anything you want to say to them? Yeah, it's man. I, I have a lot of people to thanks. You know, I'd like to thank all of my coaches. You know, Draculino, Hanzo, Phil, uh, Roman, Eric Owens. A lot of guys that support me a lot since that I'm in America. You know, uh, Ali Abdelaziz, that's not just my, my manager, but my big friend. That's the, one of the guys that most support me when I moved to New York. You know, my family, my girlfriend, uh, UFC for me, give me this amazing time there. A lot of people talk bad about UFC, about Dana White, about this and that, but I love everything that they give me. You know, they, all this stuff I've given a great support. Uh, Joy Silva, all, all these guys, you know, you and the guys, they always give me a, a great support, a great time. I'm very thankful for that. So, uh, a lot of people say, how you make your career? My career was one thing. When I decided to be a fighter, every door that I, I lock, the people open for me. Mm. You know, every support I ask, the people give me support. So it's easy to make a career like that. Mm. You know, everybody give me amazing support. Um, and the only guy that I have a problem in my on my fights was uh, I have a problem with him. The eighteen, uh, what's his name? Uh, an opponent? Yes. Oh, um, when you had... Uh, Ryan Hall. Yes, Ryan Hall. Yes, of course. The only guy in my mom always says, Lisa, you're so good for everyone. What's happening between you and him? Say, mom, this was me. It was him. That's the only thing that I regret on my career. And when UFC make the meeting there in Las Vegas, the huge meeting in the beginning of the year, this year, and he looked to me and come to me and say, stop, man, I apologize. I make the mistake. I have some misunderstood about you. Everybody talks so good about you. And I say, man, thank God. I have no enemies on this sport. You know, we talk with each other. Everything was... What happened? I don't know this story. What happened? Some people say some bad things about me for him. Okay. And then he come to fight with me. I was very angry. On the way, he pushed me. Really? Yeah, yeah. Where was yeah. that? 2013. At, at a UFC fight? Yeah, yeah, He pushed yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, Where, backstage? No, no, on the, on the 18. Really? Yes. Okay. This make a lot of noise. You know, so a lot of people say, man, Sapo is always a good guy. What happened? I say, but it didn't was me, you know. And then after maybe two years now, he come to talk to me and say it was a misunderstood. You know, some people say some lie to him about me. And thank God, I have no problem with anyone. Everybody supported me a lot. Draculino, that take me since my blue belt mm. until now. He always believed me a lot. All of my quotes always... Give me a, a great support, you know. So I'm, I'm thankful for everyone. That is this, this, the, the message that I have to the people. All the my fans that support me a lot. Everybody always believe me that I, I can, I can fight always better, you know. So thank all the my fans, all the my family, my coaches, my students. It was an amazing journey, you know. It was an amazing time. But now it's time to move up and doing something else. You're a class act, Sapo. Yes. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate you coming in. I congratulate you on a great career. I know it's hard to say goodbye, right? It is. Yeah. It's been such a big part of your career for so long. But I really appreciate it. And you've given us some great fights, some great memories. And it has been an honor and a privilege to uh, to cover your career. And I'm happy that you're still sticking around in the sport, especially here in New York. We can use some good people covering the uh, uh, competing in the sport and training and helping younger the younger generation. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Well, I feel so bad about the people. What happened in Las Vegas, right? Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I'm very thankful because I come from my country, from Brazil. I live here, and the people always treat me very well. Yeah. I feel I'm a home here. A lot of people say, "Ah, you like have a lot of problems that you present now," but the people always treat me very well. All the Americans give me a, 
a great support, a great time. And here's my second home. A lot of people ask me, ah, when you retire, you're going to come back to Brazil? No, I want to stay here. Mm. You know, I want to open my academy here. New York, the USA give me a lot of things, a lot of things. I'm uh, very blessed with that. You know, thank God for my amazing career. Thank God for my, I have a great time here for even all the Americans treat me very well, like a, like an American, you know. So I just have to thank all of them and I'm open to help everyone that need them. I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to be uh, around the MMA and make I'm a Yeah, I wish there were more people like you in this sport. You've always been a class act with the media and with the fellow fighters. And I, I, I share your sentiments as far as Las Vegas is concerned. I think we all kind of feel a connection to Las Vegas. And so today is a very hard day. Um, and I know there's a lot of emotion involved, especially for your career. It's always hard to say goodbye when you've been in, immersed in, in a sport for so long. So uh, hang in there, my man. You, Thank you, you, have, you, have Thank a lot, you have a lot to be proud of. You've had a great career. You have a lot to be proud of as far as your country and your family. They should be very proud of you. And you've represented the sport of MMA with class and dignity. So congratulations to you. Obrigado and parabéns. Thank you very parabéns, much. Good pleasure. Thank you Enjoy for your support. And uh, good luck opening the school. Thank you. Here in New York, and let us know. Yeah, let us know where yeah, it is. Yeah, you're gonna hear good news about that. And, and and we'll 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 hopefully uh, be able to stop by if it's in the area and and go check it for out. Sure. Life is easier a lot. Less stress. You know, I'm end up my career also. You know, I'm not gonna continue to fear forty or something. So I feel like um, different stage of my career. I, I like it more. I'm more comfortable now. Is this your last contract? You think uh, six after fights? six fights, if I'm champion, there's extension. And uh, but after that, it's probably six. If, it depends all. If I win them all, I will continue. If I lose, win. You know, I don't want to be that guy. Sure. Uh, if I keep winning the three extra fight, nine fights, I will be probably forty-five, uh, thirty-five. Right. It's enough. That's it's it. Enough. Yeah, it's enough. En it's enough. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> what do you think you'll do? When you're done, other than having Make a lot children, of kids. probably yeah. take care of kids. Uh, just uh, Are you I don't have any skills, you know. That's it. Uh, nothing. Uh, mow the grass. Okay. That's what I like. Yeah. Easy life. You like yeah. mowing the grass? Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Do you have if it's sunny only. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, my brother. If it's cloudy, you're not gonna bother. My with brother it. does that always. But okay. if it's sunny and I'm nothing to do, I like to do that. Do you have one of those like cars, or do you? No, just it? sit and. Drive. Oh, you sit on it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I have a yard now. I have a. I live in a farm now, so. You live in a farm. Yeah, I'm a farmer. Since when? Uh, since this year. Wow. Yeah. How how big is it? Not, uh, I don't know. In US, everything is small, but it's pretty big in Holland. It's, wow, uh, it's not that big. I'm not. I don't have cows or anything. Uh, do you have I any? Can't... Do you have any animal? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I wanted to have a dog, but my mother doesn't like it. Oh, that's too much bad. hair, she says. But, but I you like can get animal. dogs who are hypoallergenic that don't shed. You know, like the oh, Portuguese water know. dog. My mother is a tough. Uh, She's tough. Tough yeah. to negotiate. Well, where, is your is your mother from the Middle East? Yeah, yeah, we're all, see, me we're too. All, yeah, my mom's from Lebanon. Yeah, my dad's from Egypt. They want nothing to do with dogs. No, we love animals. I feel uh, like Middle Easterns uh, yeah. don't want dogs in their house. All my my relatives, my grandmother, yeah. my they don't yeah. they don't want dogs. Yeah, we we can have the outside, but uh, she's not in the house. Not in the house. Yeah. But outside, <laughs> actually, I have a pretty big garden, so it, okay. it's possible. But now, why did you guys move to a farm? Uh, so we can all live together. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm close to with my family, so it's, uh, it's you, nice. So you want to live with your family? You yeah, yeah definitely. You know, uh, even though you're thirty something years old. Yeah, why not? You know, yeah. I don't understand people putting their mother into you know. Sure. Uh, 
I don't know. It's different culture, but sure. you know, uh, my mother will be with me always. How old is she? Uh, fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. Yes. Does she come to your fights? No, no, no. My mother is not like that. Come on. <laughs> my mother, after the results, if it's good, she probably watch it. She won't watch it live. No, my mother doesn't know internet. Uh, you know, she's not gonna wake up for. Uh, well, she's awake. My friend always call her after the fight that really? everything is okay. She, and I she call her after the fight, but she's not gonna look for a live stream. You know, right? <laughs> not that. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, you know, I was thinking. I was thinking. Is my mom gonna text me right now? My mom watches the show. Yeah. All four hours every week. Well, we should talk about mothers. Huh? She so just texted me. Appreciate it. She just yeah. texted me right now. Oh, okay. Ha ha ha! Because I mentioned the dogs. Oh, okay. And so she would do the same thing. She I, she probably wouldn't watch if I was a fighter. Of course, I can't be a fighter. I'm I'm too big of a wuss. But but wait till afterwards. Yes. Yeah. No, my mom always asks about how things go. Yeah. Would she prefer if you're not a fighter? Not this moment. Not anymore. It doesn't matter. Because, Initially, uh, she says stop. It's better to stop, but. What what I'm gonna do after if I quit? Right. There's not much for me to do. And you're doing well. I'm winning. I'm in my prime, I believe. Yeah. So I'm not gonna stop. But I feel I'm a, I'm at my best. Who got but, you into this initially? Like way back when? When I, I had a fight, my friend wanted me to fight this guy. Me and my friend went to beat him, and then we I went to box him because we felt good. I don't know. What? As what? a kid, I don't know. shit. It's a crazy story. story. <laughs> what do you mean? Your friend wanted you to fight yeah, a guy no, on, like no. on the street? No, no, no. He was at school and this guy was harassing him and he said, I can't do anything because the, they're going to throw me out of school. Okay. So come and uh, teach him a lesson. We went there, just kids, pushed him. How old? He felt on the ground. 15. I okay. And, and, uh, <laughs> he fell on the ground. My friend kicked his bag or something. Okay. Nothing. We didn't kick his ass. Sure, but, sure, sure. But after that, we thought, okay, we go train. We go train and we went to boxing. <laughs> and you had no prior experience in martial arts prior to that? Well, I had done judo. Okay. Judo. Yes, and I always, uh, I was always into fitness. So I always, always had sport. I'd sported every day almost. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, like what kind of sports did you like? Football? Uh, no, I don't, don't. I'm not talented in anything. Nothing. <laughs> I just can uh, average. Very average. 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 <laughs> I can throw a ball. I can kick a ball. But don't expect me to do drill. You know. I love the idea of you coming in there and pushing the kid. Did you actually do the pushing, or were you just there as like a bodyguard? Which kid? You know, in high school when your friend asked you. To oh yeah, yeah. We actually, we we caught the wrong guy first, <laughs> oh, yeah. and he was doing, he was doing like that, and then uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. And then, and, and then you went training. Yeah, boxing. You and know. you liked it? Well, I, I wanted to be like Mike Tyson, stuff like that. But, you know, as a man. kid, you know, you look up to, uh, you know, you see they have a good life. They, you know, they, were, you know sure. they, they made it. Yeah. So you feel like I want to make it also. But now, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I want to be a tennis player or whatever. You sure. know, it would have been easier. Way easier. Yeah. Not easier, but it's tough. But uh, I'm not, I don't have talent, so I couldn't sure. do that. But um <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, I, I was a different way of thinking. I thought I'm going to be a fighter. Everyone's going to be scared of me. Yeah. You know, as a kid, you know, sure. think rubbish. But, uh, did any of your friends do it too? Yeah, they, they did it, but they quit. They quit. You're the only one who stuck with it. Yeah, I think discipline is very important. I wanted it bad. As I think sometimes it works. When you want something bad, you will eventually get there. Sure. But, uh, so you have to have the will at least. How old were you in your first fight? Uh, 15. 15. My first amateur fight. Yeah. Uh, boxing? Boxing, yeah. Wow. Where was that? Holland, Holland. No, no, no. But like, what was the location? Uh, I don't know. I don't even remember what I ate <laughs> yesterday. I, I cannot remember where it was. It's just like Holland. I don't know. And how did Some you, city. <laughs> how did you go from boxing to MMA? Uh, Why? Um, well, I, 
I lost my boxing amateur fight. Uh, the first one? First one. And I thought... You knocked out? No, no, I lost just points. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then I felt like, oh, Mike Tyson haven't never lost, so... You're done. I, I'm done. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I was a kid. I, I wasn't thinking... There was not... The boxing coach wasn't a really good boxing coach. Okay. He just was doing something for... So after that, I quit it for a while and then for a couple of months. And then they said, come to kickboxing. So I went to kickboxing and I did my MMA fight. I, didn't, I never trained MMA. I had two weeks of grappling or something. And I went and fought my first MMA fight. Wow. Yeah. That's did you win? Yeah, yeah, I knocked him out. I had the, the three knockdown rules. So I knocked him three times. He took me down a couple of times, but you know, after a while, we, we would stand up. Uh, I would just brawl with him and knock him down three yeah. times and it was over. Was that amateur or pro? I don't remember. You don't even remember. Unbelievable. Did you enjoy it? The well, thrill I of won, victory. But no, no, I don't have a lot. Of, you know, I didn't feel a lot. Of, for me, it was just you know to get to my goal. It wasn't like oh, I won. Let's celebrate because it didn't mean a lot. Did you get paid? No, of course not. No. <laughs> you never get paid. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, no. Like the first paycheck you got was probably for I, nothing, like right? uh, when I fought in uh, Rotterdam Ahoy. That's actually yeah. a big stadium. Yeah. I got like. Um, Thousand euro. Wow! I was so happy. But like, wow! But this, yeah. like, that was nothing. Look at you, know? you now. Did you ever think that you'd be making the kind of money you're making now in fighting? Uh, or has this no? Been? Because everything goes so slowly. Yeah, it's not like uh, suddenly like boxing. You you get a, you, you fight man in Packer and you suddenly make from hundred thousand to one million, two million. Sure. And so it go gradually. Hmm. So mm, I'm lucky. Yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, you need luck too. You know. Was this all part of the dream or is this just kind of, you know, like you just go with the journey. You don't really have dreams and things like that. I, I, you know, I don't know if guys, uh, you know, from Russia are saying, oh, the, the dream, you know, you fought for M1, you fought for all kinds of big organizations back home. How would you categorize where you're at right now? А на сегодняшний день ты дерешься в самую большую организацию UFC? Было ли это твоей мечтой когда-то выступать здесь, или у тебя это ты просто идешь как бы ну, как, как тому должно и выступаешь просто здесь? Ну, я очень давно выступаю в MMA. No, he, he fights really in MMA for a really long time. Mm -hmm, yeah. 21 year. Yeah. My professional career. Over 60 fights. Больше 60 боев. И большую часть жизни я, в принципе, не выбирал себе турнира. То есть у меня не было мечты попасть вот там в этот. Most of the life, like I didn't like expect to get, like I didn't like dream to get anywhere. I just was fighting because I was fighting. Просто вот лет, наверное, пять назад я как бы уже чуть начал переоценивать свою там бойцовскую карьеру и возраст еще что-то и очень захотел попасть в UFC. And like about five years ago, I, like things changed because like I got to the level where I like actually already like sort of dreamed to get into UFC. Like, okay. Потому что это самый известный, самый сильный и так далее промоушен. Because и, it's one of the best promotions in the world and the, 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 a lot of competition. Как я говорю, нет даже промоушена в номер два. There's no promotion number two. It's either UFC. Three and then. Three and like. There's nothing else. Yeah. Right. Nothing getting closer to UFC. It was like after last five years, actually, every time he won, he was asking, like, you know, to get sent out with the UFC. So every time they were getting, like, listen, not yet, you're not ready yet. So then, like. And the last fight that I fought was like Mirko Krokop and yeah. like I got signed up a couple of weeks later. So you knew that if you beat Mirko Krokop, that's the one. I feel like that's the one that got you the attention here in the United States. After you beat him, people were like, "Oh, Alexi Olenek." 
после того, как ты как раз победил мне как Рокопа, тогда как раз UFC на тебя внимание обратили, получается. Да. That was the one. Yep. Who got you into MMA? Like, why did you? Or actually, I take that back. Who got you into martial arts? Like, who who who's the one that introduced you? Кто тебя привел в боевые искусства? Ну, мне начнется нужно говорить. Я пошел на джиу-джитсу, и в Советском Союзе, это сразу было постсоветское союзное пространство, 95-96 года. Yeah, he started, he went to the jiu-jitsu, it was in 1995-1996. Вот, и еще только-только первые UFC шли, у нас то же самое. That was like really beginning of the UFC, they just started. Yeah, yeah. Зарождалось. And it was like something in really beginning, and like back the UFC, or past UFC. Я просто увидел плакат, мне, наверное, просто повезло, там огромный плакат, было написано «Бои без правил», я пошел туда тренироваться. Yeah, he saw, like, it was, like, basically, he saw a poster, uh-huh. it was, say, like, a mixed martial arts, and he just went there, like, just to training. That's so it. That's, that was him, yeah. Ну, просто мне повезло в чем, что это была одна из сильнейших школ, оказалось, наверное, там в тройку входило сильнейших на тот момент, именно, в, наверное, во всем Советском Союзе. He got lucky because it was, yeah, the best, one of the best schools in Jiu-Jitsu, in, like, post-Soviet Union, uh-huh. and that's He thinks he just got lucky because he got into that club. If you don't see that poster, what do you think you'd be doing right now? Если бы ты не увидел тогда этот постер, чем бы ты сейчас занимался? I don't know. Я себя пробовал. Я ходил на тренировки. Я ходил на тхэквондо два месяца. Я ходил на бокс один месяц. Чуть-чуть на дзюдо ходил. Месяц-два на карате. То есть я искал себя, но я не мог найти. Мне нравилось. Там не хватало, там говорили, там нельзя бить там ногами, там ни в коем случае не борись. Yeah, in some places they said you cannot kick, in some places they said you cannot wrestle. Like basically everybody has their own rules, and right. so until he got into like jujitsu, basically. Yeah, it was Japanese jujitsu where you actually able to like kick and like use the elbows, knees. Yeah, perfect for MMA. Yeah, that's what he liked. And he saw it's like closer to the street fight, so right. like where you can what like, actually you can use on the streets if anything. The guy who stabbed you, do you know who it is? No. You don't know? He's just off in the wind. Some guy. Yeah. You ever wonder who it is? They never caught him? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I never ever like talked to the police or anything about it. Like, you never did? No. Like, I just didn't care. I was you, just, didn't go to the, you went to the hospital, right? I was in the hospital for like a week or two. And, like, on, it was like, almost next to your spine. It was... It, it, the, the doctor... Ta- What happened? You're at a club. I was at a club, a fight broke out yeah. with my mates, I seen it, me being fucking crazy, I went over to try and confront about 20 lads, so I was fighting, and then on the cameras, you see while I'm fighting with the lads, this guy just comes up and just like stabs me twice in Damn. the back, like, do you want to see the scars? Oh, I'd love to, if you don't mind, oh wow, mm-hmm. there you go, mm-hmm. holy smokes. So he actually stabbed me twice. Once he stabs me and walks away, but I didn't feel nothing, so I carried on fighting. And he comes back around the club and stabs me again. Ah, yeah. So like same twice. guy. Yeah, same guy. So he's seen that I even fell off the first one, and then tried to sneak, and I didn't fall still. After the second, still didn't fall. I carried on fighting for like 20 minutes after. Jeez. Against the dorm and everyone, and then obviously it got to me the adrenaline, and I just fell. Okay. And. Uh, But the guys, the doctor said to me, if it was any more closer, like that much to my artery, he said I would have died instantly. Oh my God. That was a lucky night. And did you have any issues walking or you just... Yeah, I was on crutches when I got out of the hospital. Okay. Yeah, and then obviously I couldn't train for like four months. But I was already in Brazil when I was all healed up. Okay, and then that's when your coach says, go over there to No, he's, as soon as I got out of the hospital, he said, go to Brazil right now. I know these guys go there, it's better for your career. Yeah, right now, this is where you need to be because you've got too many distractions till... 
So just go. And I said, okay, coach, I believe in you. And how many fights into your career were you at that point? Not one. Oh, not one. No professional. Yeah, because the early fights are all in Brazil. And that's kind of how you got into the UFC on short notice because yeah, yeah. you were Bra- living in well, Brazil, I right? Just, I just fought two weeks prior to the UFC fight uh, short notice against one of the ranked guys in Brazil. His name was Midnight. And I just knocked him out. It was a five-round fight, by the way, for the title. So I knocked him out in the fourth. And that's when they said, short notice. And I was like, sound. Like, let's do it. Yeah. If you're not living in Brazil, you don't get that fight, right? Mm, no. Because of the visas and all that stuff. Exactly. So it's amazing that you being sure. there got you in on that. I mean, just, I'm sure the opportunity would have come yeah, at some other Yeah, but just little point. crazy paths yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And you think, well, if this and that, you know what I mean? And it's amazing. Would I have got the Cerrone fight if it was in Brazil? Yeah. So that's how you got to think of things. My goal is to be a world champion within the next year, yeah. which I got to get somebody to fight me, yeah. you know, to get that. My goal is to be a world champion by sometime around this next year, by this this time next year, hopefully. Okay, is to be a world champion, which is hard to do in my division because even if you're winning, you got to get people to fight you, sure. and then you got to get fights. You know, they just got to how they got to fit it in. But and then you know, my goal is to win that and defend it once or twice, and then move up. Okay, that's that my is plan. the goal. That's okay. my plan. Yeah, get rid of. Okay, so it's become sort of like a tradition now with you. You win impressively. And you get on the mic and you call everyone out and you tell us how frustrated you are and and you took advantage of the moment. I mean, it was great. I, I love what you said. Like, you know who I am. You know, yeah. They, man, it's, this, this is ridiculous. Eric. I mean, th- these guys know exactly who the fuck I am. I'm, yeah. I, I have a better record. Like, it's I feel I feel like a douchebag just saying my record over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm eight and one. I'm eight and one. Like, but I mean, how many of these guys are eight and one? I literally have a better winning percentage than ninety percent of the UFC. They know exactly who the fuck I am, and they're acting like they don't because I understand. I'm not delusional that I'm in the the deepest weight class in the UFC, and I understand that. I'm at a high high risk, low reward situation right now. Like I'm the highest risk they can take yeah. because I'm going to whip them all. I'm going to beat I'm going to beat them all. And and of course they're they're taking a huge risk on fighting me. But my name isn't quite big enough yet. So I, of course I, I don't I'm not I'm not saying that. Uh, they're avoiding me. I mean, necessarily because they're scared, but they're afraid. They're afraid of of losing. And they're afraid of losing their spot. They're not afraid of me, the guy, the fighter, James Vick. But they're afraid of what I could do. What losing to me would do to their career. A hundred percent, they're afraid of it. So you need now, like you need the Cerrone to your Darren Till. You need that veteran mm-hmm. guy to step up and actually fight you, right? Uh-huh. Do you think like you? So you've set your sights on the Pettis Poirier fight. That's the one you want, right? The winner of that one. I do, but but I, I don't think those guys are gonna fight you don't me. Think I mean, so? I watched I just watched the countdown show with them and uh, Poirier is talking about oh I beat Pettis I'm gonna get a title I, I should get a title shot. I mean I get his logic. You know I'm not I'm not hating on any of these guys, man. I, there's a big enough pie for everyone. I just want my piece. Sure. You know I get his logic that oh he just beat he realistically did just beat Eddie Alvarez and he should be getting a title fight because of that. That's his logic or whatever. But to beat Anthony Pettis you get a title fight. A dude who's lost four out of his last five fights or four out of his last six fights and he comes in which to me is a complete joke they ranked me number 15 in the world at one point for a week and then Justin Gaethje comes in and be- beats a dude who- who's lost four out of his last five uh, has one win in the UFC Justin Gaethje has one and matter of fact he was talking shit to me about me on Twitter so oh. yeah I'm gonna go off on him a little okay, bit too okay. yeah he started popping off uh, before I got on the mic he's talking about oh yeah this guy's about to uh, get on the mic and say uh, uh, how everyone's a duck and everyone's afraid of him well what, what do you want me to lie yeah I mean you're talking all that shit but uh you weren't saying nothing when when i was calling you out on fight night uh when you when he won his fight i walked right up to sean shelby me and poirier both did walked right up and said we, we won't fight gaethje uh-huh and then the two days later the ufc says him next to me 
And obviously, we're not going to start any, you know, I'm not going to start any drama. I just now got on their good side where they're flying me places. Yeah. So I'm not, trying, I'm not <laughs> trying to start any drama or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ain't personal. But the dude's saying all that. But then you had, you've, you've beat one guy in the UFC and every other guy that you fought outside of this organization is, wouldn't even be ranked in the top fucking 40. Mm. Every guy that he beat outside of the UFC, these guys wouldn't even be ranked in the top 40. And you're acting like you're, you're the baddest fighter in the world. Get a, what a fucking joke, dude. Mm. You know, so he's talking all that shit. Well, fight me then. You know, you're sitting there saying, oh, oh well, of course, you're going to say I'm, I'm not worthy to fight you when I, I have eight, uh, seven more UFC wins than you have. And your combined, the combined record of the guys you fought outside of this organization is probably not very good. I haven't looked them all up, but uh, I obviously know that those guys wouldn't even be a top contender in, in the UFC. So uh, the Pettis thing, you know, yeah, I want to fight, but I was talking about Pettis with uh, how, the, how they ranked him. He beat Jim Miller, who was ranked 10 spots below me, and then because he's a former world champion, they rank him number 13 in the world when he's lost four out of his last six fights. Well, out with the old, in with the new. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, out with the old, in with the new. I understand you're a world champion. I understand this is a business, but, I mean, in my mind, I'm a world champion, and I perform me like a world champion, and I'm beating dude. Joe Duffy hadn't been finished by him. He was 16 and two. That's a, that's a phenomenal MMA. Yeah record yeah. he hadn't been finished he hadn't been knocked out by anybody and i knocked him out you know all these guys want to say oh you haven't beat nobody you haven't did this. i mean i beat him i beat him uh you know i'm not gonna get up here and try to fight mcgregor and all that i know that that's unrealistically i can't even get a number 15 guy to fight me how am i gonna get mcgregor to fight me i'm not gonna get be, be stupid and say anything like that but um but but joe duffy beat him yeah you know you got uh tony ferguson in my mind i'd whip tony ferguson's ass uh tony ferguson i look at our our competition we fought he's they're gonna say oh well, you haven't fought i mean i i smoked abel trujillo twice as easy as he did i mean abel trujillo took him down three times and dropped him twice and to say that i'm not worthy in skill level wise because i all these people their their whole saving grace where they don't have to fight me is because i got a top 10 fight before and i lost that's their whole thing is well first of all, all mo most of these guys have got multiple top Top 10 opportunities or they lose and then they're grandfathered in because they have names and they, they stay there it, it, it really is a joke you know I mean uh, it's time that's my third finish in a row it's time for another chance yeah. if I God forbid I get another chance and I blow it then I, I'll go back to the back of the ladder and I'll lose and I'll win two or three more fights and, and, and I'll come back and say something after that but I, it's time for me to get another chance I mean this is this is a joke man it is have you ever looked at who ranks like who who's a part of the UFC rankings I have no idea. I don't know who it is. With all due respect to those guys, like I, I don't even know who those people are. They're people who don't go to events. I, like the, the whole the whole thing started because Fox wanted when they promoted the shows like oh number three versus number two like they just wanted another way to people like the UFC has always been against rankings because they didn't want the fighters and the managers to start like you know squabbling and so they asked all the media to do it but most of the media said no I I don't want because it's 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 a conflict of interest. Like they would take Nate Diaz out because they were mad at him, but they'd keep Dominic Cruz in for three years, even though he was injured. It was just a weird uh -huh. thing to be a part of. So only like 10 people have remained. And I don't know if they know anything about MMA. So like, I feel bad for someone like you who's getting so worked up over the fact that you can't even crack it when the people who are determining this again, with all due respect to them, you know, they may be nice people don't really know the sport that well. And that's just the truth because I don't see them at events. I don't see them covering the sport. I mean, they're like radio people, not like actual MMA media and it's messed up that they're that fighters are using this against you saying like oh you're not ranked when you should be ranked you know what i mean i, sh I should be ranked the whole system and, and, is broken this is another thing a lot of people i guess people watching and tuning in right now that if they don't haven't followed my career they don't they don't remember is i grew up in the ufc I, in my mind i've earned this right more than most of these people have because i had I only had four pro fights when i got in the ufc i was i was professional for eight months when i got on the ultimate fighter eight months wow. that was it and i had four pro fights all within three months 
and then I got a little injury and I had to chill and then I tried out for the Ultimate Fighter and I made the show. And so I, that was my eighth win in the UFC, my ninth fight in the UFC. And um, some of these guys coming in, you know, don't have half those many fights in the UFC or half those many wins in the UFC. So I've earned this right to be here. It's been a long five years. You know, I've had a lot of injuries. I've worked a full-time job half the time I've been in the UFC. Just this last couple years have I been able to finally train full-time and do stuff. I hear all these people, you know, talking about, oh, I just need a can. Well, guess what? I did it. I was beating all these guys. I mean, realistically, I've been fighting for probably a good half the time some of these guys have. How difficult is that after the, like, you know, that's the lowest moment of your professional sporting career, right? I mean, of course you've been through a lot in your life, but to then sit there and answer a question from us schmucks, you you probably didn't want to be there, right? It's, it's hard. Uh, I got to give her a lot of credit. She did it before me. She did it the, the Monday before the, yeah. after the fight. Uh, it's but you, taken but me you also came to the press conference. I came to the press conference. Uh, that was very hard. It, it is because did you don't want to go. Of, of course not. You, did they make not- you go? No, no, no. I, I asked to, uh, but your natural instinct is to is to kind of clam up, yeah. kind of get away from it, uh, and, and and you got to try and fight that, especially when you're a champion like her. Now, I think that's why you got to give somebody like that respect, uh, and, and that's what I'm trying to do. The same, you know, you, you you this is this is what we do. Sometimes you're gonna you're gonna take an L. Sometimes you're gonna learn, uh, and, and I think people, the real people, the real fans, the real people that really see you, they they respect that and they know that. That, I have so much respect. Like I, I sometimes make too big of a deal about it, but like, like I have this picture right here because I mm-hmm. feel like it represents it. Like this was Cruz, right? Yeah. Cruz yeah. lost, right? Mm-hmm. When he lost to Cody. And this is not like a great picture shot by Esther Lynn. She's the best, but this is just a guy standing up. But I just love when, like I, I, I gain more respect for the fighters who show up like you did, like she did, and yeah. just face the music and talk about it and don't run away. And it's like, look, Crap happens, right? Life happens. There are big things that happen in life. There are tragedies. But the fact that you can just stand there for 10 minutes like you did, I, I, to me, my respect for you and, and, and Dominic and Connor who did it, right? And Ioana, it just grows exponentially. And I hate to bag on Rhonda, but like she didn't do it. And she had two opportunities to do it. And, and it's, hard, it's hard not to lose a little respect when you see that, right? That's true. Uh, I mean... Eh. <laughs> I don't know if I can bag on her for, because I don't, I don't know. I'm not in those same Sure, truth. sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it it is hard. But that's what we do. You talk shit before the fight. You right. and win, lose, or draw. I'm a I'm gonna act the same way. I'm gonna be the same way. Show up to the press conference. Do the press. Tell them what uh, and, and tell the people because there are people out here that really care about us and 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 go through a lot more than we do. Right. This ain't the biggest thing in the world. I think Joanna said it said it best. Like, yeah, you you lost. Okay, get yeah. over it. Right. Go back. Get out there, do it again. Cody said it, uh, Joanna said it, uh, Mike said it, and, yeah. and, and I'm saying it too. Like you, you get out there and you're gonna do it again. All three of them on Saturday, I thought handled the loss very well, um, and you don't often see that. Now, also on Saturday, there was a guy by the name of James Vick who yeah. looked good. He was just sitting here. I don't know if you guys crossed paths in the back. Did you see him? Nah, I seen you him yesterday. Uh, oh, where'd you see him? I, I went down to a Broadway show. You know, you what? play out here doing wow. white people stuff. Wow. Broadway Broadway show. Which show? Uh, uh, Book of Mormon. Oh, wow. So I seen him there. We talked a he little bit. He was at the show too? He was He was sitting up. He was sitting oh, up damn. in the rafters. nosebleeds? I was down on the floor. He didn't mention that when I just spoke to him. I, the, of course he yeah. was. <laughs> you know, we, I, I'm looking up at him screaming shit to wow. him. Wow. But I told him, 
Enjoy your win. Okay. Enjoy this. Yeah. Don't ruin your Christmas yet. He wants to fight me in, in, in February. Yeah. Like, don't ruin your Christmas yet. Like, at least book the fight after. Enjoy your Christmas wow. uh, uh, before doomsday if, you, if that's what you want. But I don't know. I, I'll take Are a you down? Bit, I'll take a little bit more time. I, I need more okay. time than February especially. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll see. Um you know, it's been a lot of talk on what I'm going to do and, and all this and what they're going to do if they open up this 165 yeah. weight class. Uh, right now, I'm going back. I'm, I'm playing with my diet a little bit, okay. see if I can shrink down a little bit more, too. I carry a lot of mass. How on much me. do you weigh right now? Uh, probably about 190-ish, okay. something like that, like 186. Okay. Uh, between 186 and 190. So uh, I'm going to play around with my weight a little bit, walk around a little bit lighter, and then, and then we'll see. Do uh, you have a nutritionist? No, nah, I don't, you know, I, I use the, the UFC's nutritionist, uh, Clint. At the Performance Institute? At the Performance yeah. Institute, but um, yeah, nah, not, not really. I've, I've kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a biomed major, uh-huh. so I, I, I took a lot of nutrition classes. Like, I understand nutrition a lot. Yeah. Uh, my body just didn't respond well. I was fighting a little bit too much, a little too much stress on me, and my body just didn't respond well, especially when, when, you, when you're trying to battle sicknesses and, and, and your immune system going down. It's, it's, it, it's hard. So right now I'm gonna give myself a little bit of time, let my body heal up, let it get back to normal, uh, let my endocrine system get normal, and then see what we do from there. Have they said anything about 165 to you? Because it doesn't sound like Dana's that into it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. You know, you're not really I, banking on that look, now, right? The, the the squeaky wheel gonna get the yeah. grease. So I'm gonna keep. I don't know why more guys aren't talking about it. I don't know why more guys aren't stepping up. Uh, when I when I stand next to James Vick, he's taller than me, just as big. You know, I know he don't want to yeah, make that weight huge. cut down to 55 anymore either. I don't see why uh, uh, more guys ain't talking about it. But look, at, at least I, I, if I gotta be the singular in this, right. and, and, and and Dana just hate me for it, I'm gonna keep doing it. He doesn't hate. He loves you. I don't know. He love me. He love you they love you dana love me yeah me and dana we boys yeah, yeah you guys yeah. hang out a couple of times a couple of times really? yeah. wow what you guys do especially living down in vegas that's now. right where are you guys uh, going playing blackjack oh no 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 i don't have no no i don't you know wasting nah, your money nah, on nah, that. i'm good i'm good i'm like hundred thousand dollar hands too i'm good yeah. i'm good you know where are you guys hanging out uh, a couple of times, just around the PI and stuff. Oh, okay, you know, we, okay, we'll, okay. we'll see each other. Break bread. I told him to, to to give me a ride in his Ferrari. You know, he gave uh, uh, Connor a ride. Yeah, yeah. The first goddamn night. I know, right? Sport for a minute. Yeah. What's up with that? I deserve a ride. Did he Ferrari. give you one? A Ferrari? Yeah, no. Did he give you a ride at least? No, no, I'm just no. He didn't give you. Okay, <laughs> yeah, not yet, not yet. But it, it but it'll get there. And, and, and I'm gonna get my own. I ain't even worried about it. Yeah. So. And you're not gonna rent it. Hell no. <laughs> You're gonna buy it. <laughs> exactly. So do you use the performance institute a lot since you live in Vegas? Like are you are you really taking advantage of it? Yeah, I've been uh uh I did my last two training camps there. I try and I try and outsource for all my training. You know, I, I keep the same trainers, but I go out and I, and I find the training partners, uh, and that's allowed me to like bring them all there and, and bring them in. Uh, especially with this last training camp, I, I feel like I, I I actually feel like the the camp went really well. Uh, I had great trainers, I had great training partners. I really didn't have no complaints about it, uh, especially yeah, using the, the the performance institute. I feel like I'm gonna use it a little bit more now. Oh, wow. um, especially now that I have the time because I didn't want to change anything. But I, I'm gonna play around with the camp. Like I said, I'm changing. I'm, I'm playing around with my management too a little yeah, bit. Yeah, what's going on? You're free agent. Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm still signed, but 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 we, we you're looking we, around. Yeah, yeah, you're shopping we, around. Yeah, business yeah, is good. Business is great. Yeah, business is booming, baby. Really? Can't, even can't. despite the loss. 
I don't slow down. Okay. I'm a champion. I said that before the fight. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying it after. Even though I'm not sitting up here with this gold belt, I yeah. still feel like a champion. Okay. And I'm going to still treat myself like a champion. And I'm going to go back out there. Uh, and I'm going to be a champion. I, I feel like I'm only a couple wins away from that still. Uh, as I'm still young. Right. It might not happen when I'm 25, but right. 26 is the magic number. Yeah. been a lot of crap talking in MMA. You know, I want to try to bring back some honor to martial arts and things Absolutely. like that. I feel like you're someone who would get behind that. You're not, you're not down with all the crap talking. Nah, man, I'm down with just being yourself. You know what I'm saying? Be who you are. You know what I mean? Don't try to, since Connor has done a lot for the sport, the sport, yeah. you know, it's good. Connor has, he did that. That's his way, man. He did his thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, this is how you get the money. This is how you do it. You know, it's like, that's fine, you know what I mean? Defend yourself, speak up for yourself, speak the truth. When yeah. people are getting out of line and saying like stupid shit, that's like, what? That don't even make sense, you know what I mean? Speak up for yourself and speak the truth, but don't be, don't be an asshole, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Don't be an asshole. This, we, this is martial arts. This is martial arts, you know what I mean? We got into this through, you know, through, through some type of traditional way, you know what I mean? We like, everyone here, everyone in here has, we seen like Bruce Lee movies, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? We, this is how we grew up, you know what I mean? We, we, we watch like, We've, everyone has done karate at some point, you know what I mean? You know better, you know better, you know what I mean? It's not boxing, you know what I mean? I had a boxing background, and I'm still more, you know, I'm not coming in here wilding out, you know what I mean? You got to have some type of respect and honor for the sport, what we do. Do you feel like there's pressure because of the success that some of the, you know, the, the no. legendary crap talkers have had? In the beginning, yes. In the beginning, yes, you know, you, but... You have felt that? Yeah. That you had to speak up? And, but, but then you break character. Mm -hmm. Then you break... You, you're not yourself no more. You, you, start, you start to be someone else, and every time camera comes on, you're trying to, like... You're doing too much, you know what I mean? Now, I don't have to do that anymore. I did that, you know what I mean? I tried. Okay. Didn't work, you right. know what I'm saying? And yeah. they're like, yeah, what am I doing? Be yourself and just do what you do. Okay. And here, here I am. I'm just doing what I do, man. You know, I'm not really... for the. If you want to take it there, though, you know what I'm saying? If you want to talk crazy, hey... We're going we gonna to take it there, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you got to face me. And when you face me, let's see how it goes. So what was it like in the locker room on Saturday in the hours before the fight? Oh. Was it worse than normal? Oh, you, that was crazy. First, How nervous were you? Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. So before I, before I left for the, the medicine score garden, I have yeah. my last meal. Okay. I'm eating. And I hear the guy speaking, like in my crew, in my team, there's most people that speak English, but there are people that, that speak French, right? Because I have sure. French, Francophone background. So I hear them speak, don't tell George. Blah, blah, blah. Oh. So I go, I go at the table and I'm like, I'm eating. I'm like, is uh, Amen one? Amen is a tr oh, training yes. partner of it's mine. A hobby. And, and, and they're like, everybody's looking. He's like, no, he got knocked out. Oh. I'm like, shoot. He's like, is he okay? They're like, I don't know. I think so. I'm like, man, that was be very bad. Yeah. So I finish eating, and I'm like, damn, is it, you know, I one of my training partners sure. lost. Unfortunately, I feel very sad for him. So then I go in my locker room, and then my other training partner who's in my locker room, jo Joseph Duffy, fight, and he's doing well, but yeah. he got clipped with an uppercut. He got knocked out again. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god. Then there's another guy in my locker room, Mickey Gall. He oh, lose oh too. So I'm, no, I'm start thinking, is, like, is it, a, is it a, a a freaking curse in my in my locker room, you know, because sometimes when you before a fight you become a little bit, uh, how do you say, like uh, um, 
you know, like these things, like they, they superstitious, get, superstitious, yeah, you yeah. know, like, man, I'm in a bad locker room. Yeah, I have yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a cursed locker room. Everybody's losing. So I'm thinking, I was like, no way. It's like, not, not me. <laughs> me, I'm going to put everything back on track. It's like, I'm not losing this. And uh, I tried to convince myself, no way I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So then we're war- warming up for the fight. And we're, now I'm with, I'm with my trainer. We're, we're thinking, it was like, okay, um, now there is a, uh, the, the two ladies are fighting. Yeah. Uh, normally, ladies, like, n- not all the time, but uh, there is less percentage of knockout yeah. and finishes in ladies uh, than, than men sometimes because the, the, the power, the, the woman is, uh, is normal, is different. So I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a five round. And then the, the, the other guy, yeah. TJ and, yeah. and Cody, is going to be a five round too. So I'm going to have a good time for warm up. Oh, so okay. I set my warm up to, to have a good time, time. for warm up, like at least an, like, a good 40 minutes. Then the fight started. Bang! Rose knockout uh, Joanna. I'm like, oh my God, okay, <laughs> let's go. Then I finish wrapping my hand. I go crazy. I start warming up. And then after uh, TJ, boom, knockout Cody. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm freaking out. Try to, to accelerate my warm up. Then they called me out. Everything from there went very fast. Okay. Was it weird not wearing the gi to the cage? It looked weird for us who yeah. were watching you. Yeah, it was a weird because I have a kind of a ritual that I do normally before the fight. I I. I yeah, I put my gi yeah. in front of the mirror with my, my bandana and I'm talking to myself. What are you saying? I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm, I'm talking to myself in the mirror, trying to convince myself. This is like a routine I do. Nobody knows this. I, I'm, t- I'm telling myself, I look at myself in the mirror and, and I'm telling myself, I said, I said, you're, you're, you're the best. It's tonight is going to be your night. You're going to win. You're going to win this because you're better than him. Try to Get, pump me up with some positive stuff, you know, even though I'm scared as hell, you know, and, and I have doubt in my mind. I try to make myself positive and pump me up, try to, to make me believe that it's impossible for me to fail, you know, and then I'm walking in. And then when I get out of the locker room, that's when normally the, the walkout start, yeah. you know, and, and I, I always do the same thing. So I know that the UFC guys come to pick me up in the locker room. So I always time it in a way that, when they come to pick me up in the locker room, that's when I go take a, I, I, I go piss one more oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I put my cup yeah. because you don't want to put your sure, cup sure, before sure, because yeah. you have to, it's you know, it's, it's a tie cup. You have to yes, attach yes. everything. Then I put my cup, then I put my pants, and then I put my gi. But now I didn't have my gi. So what I did is I, they say, just say, Pierre, two minutes. I said, okay. And I went, I went to the, I went to the bathroom. Then I put my cup. Then I look myself in front of the mirror and I said, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a story tonight. Nah, nah, nah. I'm scared, but I try to convince myself. And then I take the walk and I, did, I do my thing. You know, that's how I did. I, I was told this great story. I hope you don't mind if I bring it up. You, you, I think Eric was with you too. You guys were at Costco. Yeah. which is a big uh, uh, yeah. grocery store. You <laughs> thought you thought you were yeah, at Walmart. Walmart. You yeah. thought you were at Walmart. Yeah, you guys are you're, you're going around and you're, you're you have a massive tell, tell us the story Eric. You were there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I really did. Well, they're right next to each other, Walmart and Costco. Yeah. We were in Costco. I hadn't been home for a while so I didn't recognize notice the difference, but yeah. two carts f- you know, an hour of shopping food for this guy's a lot. <laughs> so we had a lot of food for the his camp. As I'm going to the cashier, I'm like, man, when did Walmart become bulk? And it was like, wait a minute, we're at Costco and you need a membership. They're not going to let us buy it. We're going to have to leave and all this stuff was for not. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, make sure you go to a female cashier. Yes. 
and just use your accent. Tell her you thought it was Walmart because that's <laughs> tell the truth. Yeah. And see what happens. So then I said, I'll be off to the side watching because I don't want her to see me. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time he's getting through, the, by the way, this lady has white hair. Okay. White hair. Older. She's a little bit old. White hair. She had white hair. so old. She had white hair. No very By the old. end, he, she lets him pass and she put it's her like number on the receipt. Wow. For him to call. Put her phone number for you? On the yeah, receipt. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. She, she had no problem that you weren't a member? No. She said, please, please. <laughs> I think we could have yeah. went back there and ate. Oh my god! Got for it free? for free next time. Wow! Well, she's not very old. She's like a forty. Oh, okay. Well, you call her? <laughs> no, you call her? no, I thought, she, call was, her. No, I thought yeah. she was. The hair was white. Nice lady. Nice lady. She yeah. was. Yes. Yeah. Does that happen a lot? You get a lot of phone numbers. People give you phone numbers. No, it's, it's not. Not every time. Okay. It's like uh, sometimes. <laughs> good. I mean, it's good to be you. Yeah, I, 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 but but you're you have a girlfriend. I want to yeah, make that I very have. clear. You're very happy. <laughs> no problem. Yes, five years, right? Five years. Wow. She's she she understands. She understands. Yes, of course. She's very, very comprehensive. Very beautiful woman as well. You're both very lucky yeah, to you. have each other. What's your news, my man? Well, uh, I'm glad that I was able to come on the MMA Hour and yes. announce this. Uh, I have signed with Bellator, and I will be fighting heavyweight for them in 2018. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. Thanks, man. A little, uh, little in shock still. A little, you are. Su- little surreal. But uh, very excited about it. Uh, something that I've wanted to do for a, a long time. And let's be honest, something that's been a part of me. So it makes sense, right? Yeah, there's so much. Okay, I have a lot to ask you about here. When did this get finalized? When did this get done? Uh, we have been working and talking with them through the summer. Okay. Uh, we started uh, negotiations and whatnot. And it, I mean, it literally got finalized uh, this weekend. Okay. Where we came to terms and uh, are excited. And next step would be to set a date. Did you reach out to them first or your management or did they reach out to you guys? We reached out to them. Okay. Yeah. Did you leave WWE because you wanted to pursue an MMA career? Well, you know, it's funny. Everyone asked me that. Why did you leave uh, Why did you leave the WWE? And, you know, for the longest time, very thankful for my career there. I mean, an average career up there is three years. I was able to go 10 years up there. Um, and, you know... For the longest time, it's like, why, why did I leave? And I think it becomes very obvious, like, this is why I left the WWE. Um, I wasn't allowed to uh, really compete up there, even though I felt like I could take anyone in the locker room. <laughs> and, uh, and now it's uh, such a popular time to be a pro wrestler, to be in combat sports, to be an MMA fighter, where you can really take your opportunity and put it in your own hands, your own hard work. And... Like, that's really why I left. Were you a fan of MMA while you were in WWE? Like, were you the kind of guy who watched those fights as you were progressing as a pro wrestler and saying, like, I need, I need the real stuff. I want to get punched in the face. I don't want the scripted stuff. Like, was that going through your mind towards the tail end of your WWE run? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's certain types of guys that just need to be punched in the face, <laughs> want to taste blood. Okay. And I think I, I'm definitely like that. And maybe I got away from that for too long. And so I've always been a fan of MMA. Um, I've been wrestling since I was five years old. And so some form of that always transcends to me and a big fan of what they're doing. Awesome, awesome working with Bellator. Hmm. So excited to be with a company that values its assets and its talent and uh, really is going to put 100% towards it instead of, you know, 
the other way. Okay. Uh, that seems like, uh, as the kids say, maybe some shade towards the UFC. <laughs> is that, that what the shade? kids say these days? <laughs> well, it's not shade because it's the truth. I okay. mean, you can just see how certain people get treated uh, up there. And, like, you know, it was, it was crazy. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, are you serious? So it was time to move on. And uh, just really excited for, uh, you know, for the first time in a decade, my hard work, my dedication will directly pay off to my results. You're represented by one of the best managers in the game, Danny Rubenstein. Whoa, the man, shout out. Rube. The man, Ruby Sports. Ruby Sports. A fellow uh, Sooner. Yes. Did you guys talk to any other organizations like the UFC, um, Asia, One? I don't know. Did you, or was it just Bellator? Did you know that that's where you wanted to go? We reached out to UFC, um, but uh, in our heads the whole time, Bellator was the end run. That's Why? where we wanted to go. Um, like I said, they just seem like a company that like values its talent and its assets. And I think it's it's on the rise. Like you see what Bellator's doing with the roster that they bring in, not only at heavyweight but like at all weights. It's really becoming great and tough all the way through. It's very exciting to be a part of that. Um, it just seemed like the best fit for me. Like, I know everyone's going to say, hey, you've never fought MMA before. Well, 12 years ago, I was never a pro wrestler, mm. you know? So um, it just seemed like a good fit. And working with uh, Rich and Scott, uh, I can tell. Like, it, 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 it feels kind of corny. It sounds corny, but it feels meant to be. Um, since March, did you train in MMA? Did you spar? Do you know what it's like to get punched in the face? Have you done jujitsu? What have you been doing as far as your MMA career? Because I know you still wrestle, right? Yep. You still go around, you travel. You were just at a show, I think, this past weekend, correct? Yeah, we had a big show this past weekend at the Cow Palace. It was really cool. Oh, wow, legendary yeah, arena. Yeah, first time to work there, believe it or not, with APW. Um, so what as far as MMA have you been doing since you left? So I've been training with uh, Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu in okay. Tampa. Okay, uh, that's where you live. That's where I live. Okay. Uh, guy there, Joey Best, been doing strength and conditioning with uh, Josh Rafferty. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Former Ultimate Fighter former ultimate fighter, mad scientist when it comes to, I mean, he just really knows, I think he knows amateur wrestlers, so I think it's a great fit for me and him to put together and go on this journey together because he, he's going to know what I need to do and how to translate that for me into this stuff because, I mean, it's no clue. I have a lot to learn. Yeah. We're learning fast and it's very exciting and then been doing a lot of boxing uh, uh, as well. Okay. Um, so is that your team? That's that's my team for right now. Okay. Yeah, we haven't um, signed with uh, any big organization right now. Kind of been like doing it under wraps. One because I do and go pro wrestle every weekend. So training wise, it's like kind of have to be on my own schedule and sure. put it in there. Um, did you you know? Did you talk to you know? I don't know. What's your relationship like with Punk? Yeah, Punk, Lashley, these guys who've tried to do both. Have you talked to any of them about how difficult this may be? Uh, I haven't talked to uh, Phil uh, since uh, he left the company. Um, so you were very close friends. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when when you travel as much as yeah, you do together, you kind of you become acquainted. You sure, know each other sure. definitely. Um, I'd say we're friends, but uh, you know, it's it's more of a work relationship. Sure. I uh, recently ran into Bobby a couple weeks ago at a show, and, okay. and he was so excited for me. I kind of broke the news to him early. Oh wow! Sorry, Bobby. Yeah, and uh, he, well, he was, kept the secret. He did keep yeah, the secret. Well done. And uh, he was very excited for me, and he was like, "Absolutely, you should go and do this." Okay. So I think that was a nice seal of approval and uh, a good confidence booster. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm friends with Chael Sonnen. He's been a uh, 
absolutely great as a mentor and any questions I asked, but uh, very excited. Yeah. Will you be pausing the pro wrestling stuff? While you try to, you know, get ready for your debut, or are you going to try to do both at the same time? Man, I think it's cool right now that there's a huge opportunity here to do both at the same time. Uh, very fortunate that I have a little bit of a name and a following, so uh, I kind of want to use, uh, do both. I want to pro wrestle and I want to be a fighter uh, to help each other. Um, it's 2017, about to be 2018. Combat sports is the most popular in the world right now. It's and you know, like Mr. Mazzuli was. Saying, how fast it's growing so I think if you're able to do both and you can stay healthy and you can you know be honest with yourself and say hey I'm ready to step in that cage while I can still go wrestle on the weekends then all four and do it mm. you know it's a it's a special thing and it's going to be difficult but uh it sounds like a lot of fun and um I think right now um at least you see what pro wrestlers is is you want you know, the ball in your court and in your hands and you want that opportunity. And like, this is the best opportunity for me to take the, take uh, my future in my hands and really uh, see where it can go and how far it can go. I mean, everybody wants to cross over movies, whatever. I'm not really a movie guy. Hmm. I like movies, but uh, I'd rather go and like you said, get punched in the face <laughs> or maybe not get punched in sure, the face. Sure. And uh, go that route. I've been doing this since I was five, so it makes sense for me. And uh, I would definitely love to keep pro wrestling and uh, become a professional Bellator MMA fighter. Part of the reason why you want to finally make the transition to MMA, and I know that you've been sort of asked about this in the past, was that you want to actually teach your students better. So you know that a lot of the people who come to you are eventually going to want to go to MMA and you can't say X, Y, and Z unless you've actually done it. So yeah. are you strictly doing this from a teaching perspective so that you could be a better instructor or do you actually want to pursue it's, it's definitely not just that. I think somebody like was tweeting at me the other day, like attacking me, like oh you can't just do, you can't just do MMA because you want to be a better teacher. Like you're going to get killed in there. You know, this is a real, real sport or something. I don't know. And you know, we love to go off on people in social media. So it was just good fun for me. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, of course, it's not the only reason, but it's a big reason. I think uh, that it's always been the higher, the, the the biggest surrounding reason behind anything that I did, whether it was competing in jiu-jitsu or moving forward into MMA. Like, I know that co competition is just a short-lived thing. It's just not something that I'm going to get to do forever. And I'm already thinking about what I'm going to be doing in the future after competition. And I know that's going to be teaching. So a big part for sure, of why I'm competing is to further my knowledge, to further my experience, so that one day when that's all over, I can say, you know, hey, I did X, Y, Z. I was there. I did this. It worked. It didn't work. You know, this is my reference point, and you know, take that as you will. You know, uh, not everybody's capable of doing that. Some people have injuries. Some people, you know, just uh, weren't capable of competing for whatever reason. And there are some great coaches that are able to do that. You know, John uh, is able to do that, and he makes use of his time in other ways. You know, he studies the sport. John studies Denner. Many, yeah, John yeah. Denner. He studies many different sports and really puts things together well for us in terms of training camps, whether it's for jiu-jitsu or mixed martial arts, and he's done that with many different successful athletes in the past. And, uh, you know, he hasn't been a competitor himself. I mean, he obviously has rolled live in the gym. He actually, I found this out, like, about maybe a year or so ago, but uh, I didn't know, but he actually had like a little bit of a Muay Thai background when he was in oh. uh, New Zealand. He did, oh, wow. he did some Muay Thai. So I didn't even know, but yeah, he did, you know, so he, 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 it's not like he never, 
you know, trained before. It's not like it's some, just some guy that just walked in and is like, here's how you do it, you know. Um, but certainly not competing, but still able to uh, change the sport in dramatic ways, which I think that his athletes have been able to show um, in yeah. their performances. You recently signed with one. Mm-hmm. Competed for them in yeah. a grappling match against uh, Shinya Aoki, yes. who coincidentally is fighting for their um, welterweight title on um, on Friday. Mm-hmm. Why one? How did you end up there? So uh, Chatri is, is one of the uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's one. Of, I'm glad you knew how to pronounce his last name because there was no chance <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to be able to do it. Chatri um, is a pretty tough one too, but fair enough. Yeah. So he. Uh, so Chatri is. Uh, is has been a part of Henzo's before in the past. Uh, he used to train there. Um, he's big, much bigger Muay Thai guy. Like he was much more of a like my passion is jujitsu. That was his passion was Muay Thai. Um, but he's you know loves MMA and uh, and jujitsu as well. And uh, I guess um, you know through talks with Henzo and through watching me, I think one of the bigger fights that I had against. Paul Harris was one of the ones that, that uh, caught their eye and made them say like, oh, maybe we want to kind of get this guy involved in what we do. I don't know if their initial ambition was, hey, we want to try to pick this guy up because he's interested in doing mixed martial arts or if, they're, if they really did want to just put on a grappling match. I don't know. Uh, it seems like... It seems like it could be a mixture of both. You know, I think it went well. I think the grappling match went well. I think yeah. people, it was well received by their yeah, fans. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, the Asian audience tends to enjoy grappling a little bit more than perhaps the audience of the UFC sometimes. Uh, so uh, I think, uh, I think that was kind of what happened is they kind of saw me as an as an exciting jujitsu athlete and wanted to try to you know draw me towards their organization and um, it worked. Because, you know, when I got there, uh, you know, everything was pretty awesome. I, I really enjoyed uh, the feeling of uh, Evolve Training Center, which uh, is, a, is a big part of what they do. Um, and uh, the a- different athletes that they have their training and that team. And then I also really l- liked being involved with one championship when I was actually competing there. It just seemed like a really cool promotion to be a part of. And I was treated really well. And um, I hadn't got that feeling from some other people, perhaps that were you know knocking on the door or, or Did calling. Did you seriously me up. talk to anyone else? Any other promotions? Not not as seriously as I talked to them because again, like I just didn't get the right feeling about it. And some people were trying to throw me in with guys that had like fifty professional fights, and like it just was never really. It never felt right, you know, because. I'm just starting and this is a brand new sport right, for right. me. You know, I've never done, I've done some mixed martial arts sparring way, you know, long ago when I was like 17, 18, but I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I don't really have experience in uh, mixed martial arts. Do you have your debut date yet? Don't have a date, but uh, you know, they were asking me, uh, you know, when do you, when are you interested in fighting? And I think I gave them March. So okay. Sometime around March. Are you training for that now or? Absolutely. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just telling Chachri, um, because he, he was messaging me last night, he said he was saying something, and I, w- I was just like, "Yeah, you know, I'm pretty motivated to uh, to get things started because I'm going to be locked in a cage with somebody yeah. who wants to punch and kick my head off. So, yeah. you know, better get better get good fast. So, um, you know, that's something that I'm thinking about constantly. Is just like I'm going to be in a cage and have to fight somebody. So, I, I guess some people could kind of pretend that that doesn't exist, but that that to me is just a looming you know, uh, thought all the time. So every time I'm thinking about that, I'm trying to find ways to get better, whether it's watching tape or whether it's drilling at Henzo's or whatever the case may be. Um, my biggest deficits obviously are in the realm of striking, shoot box, et cetera. Um, because I do have some of a wrestling background, some of a jiu-jitsu background. So most of the grappling elements are covered, even though that's true. MMA is not just a collection of martial arts like some people like to look at it. Um, it's a mixture. Uh, yeah. And just because I know how to grapple in a grappling context or wrestle in a wrestling context doesn't mean that I know how to 
perfectly apply those skills across the board in mixed martial arts. As we've seen many times before, you know, pure grappling, quote unquote, isn't necessarily the most successful strategy in a mixed martial arts fight. So um, integrating those skills and learning the new skills has been the biggest project, uh, project for me. How do you react to getting punched in the face? <laughs> Not well. Like, okay. I don't think too many people do. But I mean, you know, just, it's like, used to it, right? They're just sort of like, like, like immune to it or something. I yeah, I guess. I think I don't think anybody really likes to be okay. hit. You know, they could, everybody could say whatever they want, but yeah, you know, it's not the most enjoying feeling in the world. But um, it's a part of the sport, you know, just like a part of you know jujitsu is getting submitted or tapped or you know your arm getting popped occasionally or something like that. Um, uh, I like I said, I did some sparring back when I was like seventeen, eighteen. When okay. Tom DeBlas had started doing mixed martial arts, I was like, "Oh, yeah, let me toy around with this a little bit." You know, my instructor's doing it, so let me see how this goes. And I used to just like march forward, punching like this, no head movement, and try to double leg people. So uh, I got my fair share of getting brutally punched in the face okay. back then, and it, I still showed up every day, and it wasn't that big of a deal. So what was it like? I'm doing much smarter sparring good, now. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm fascinated by your career and of course have great respect for your career, but you put out this video recently, um, you, you performing spoken word about your, um, your trials and tribulation with, with anxiety, the social anxiety, social anxiety. Yeah. And I have to say, so it's hard for me to relate to fighters. It's easy for me to relate to someone talking about that because I've dealt with that. And I think a lot of us deal with that. Yeah. What prompted you? And, and, and for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, I was going to play it here, but I, I feel like that's. Not fair to you, and yeah, uh, I might turn bright red. <laughs> yeah, and you need to watch the whole thing. Yeah, and I have many questions about it. So if anyone wants to see it, go on on, on Tiffany's uh, Twitter and check it out because it's, I, uh, I got a YouTube channel too. Yes. Oh, the full thing is on YouTube. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but you you link to it on your Twitter, right? It's uh, on my Instagram. The links in my bio to the YouTube. Okay, perfect. Um, what prompted you to do that? So I was in Austin at the On It Influencer Summit. Okay, and. A spoken word poet in Q was one of the keynote speakers. He ran us through a workshop. He performed. I've always liked to write. Um, I've always enjoyed watching spoken word poetry. But after watching him and interacting with him, um, I was inspired to kind of try it. But I didn't like plan when or how. Um, after one of the uh, the events, like the social events following the the summit. Um, I found myself just kind of sitting off to the side or feeling really awkward trying to start conversations with these people that I've never met before. I mean, I'm amongst my peers um, in a sense, you know, getting 40 influential people together, mm-hmm. kind of like a think tank. It was, it was great. Um, so where I f- should have felt really, really comfortable, I just felt myself crawling in my own skin. And as soon as the event was over, I went back to my hotel room just so frustrated at myself for feeling that way. And with the spoken word and everything being so fresh in my mind, you know, I was I was so um, inspired and, and by by NQ, I was like, I'm just going to write about this, mm. uh, write how I'm feeling right now. So I wrote it like fresh. The emotion was was still like living within me. I got back to my hotel room and I wrote that. And then um Shortly after that, I got back home and I, I've never even tried spoken word. I'm like, I've watched it enough times. So I watched some more videos online. I'm like, all right, I'm going to record myself doing it and just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like still reading it from my notebook. I hadn't memorized it yet. And um, 
I sent the video to my manager and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And he was just like, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, what is it bad? He goes, no, this is, this is, this is great. You know? Yeah. And I was like, what? This is, I've never done this before. This, I told him the story, you know, how, yeah. how it came about. And he was like, this, would you be comfortable like sharing this with the world? And I'm like, you know, I, I felt like I've been put in this position and given my gift of martial arts to, to give something to the world. If it's not martial arts, at least I'm on a platform to where people are paying attention to me. And so I was like, Hey, look, I, I'm a world champion and I'm, I'm viewed as this superhero to a lot of people, but that's, that's when the cameras are off, when I'm not in the ring, like every day, normal social events, like even just regular social interactions. If I'm kind of off at the grocery store and someone comes up to me, I'm kind of like, well, kind of like shell up really quick. Mm. Um, so I just thought it was so important to put it out there that, hey, world champions, celebrities, athletes, anybody, you know, we're, we're all one. We're all the same. We all suffer from the same things. So why not put it out there? Why not use my platform to deliver a message and let everyone know, hey, it's okay. You can deal and you can still do great things. This clip is almost three minutes long. Did you memorize it? I did. Wow. Please don't make me recite it. No, I'm not, <laughs> I, I promise you I won't. Um, how many takes? Um, for the original two and then the one that's posted, okay. um, maybe three. Okay. Yeah. Three or four. Where'd you film it? I filmed it in an empty apartment in London. Okay. London, England. London, England. Okay. I was there for my manager's wedding. Okay. And I went to one of the pre-wedding parties, but it was for his wife's side. Okay. And I'm friends with her, but I didn't know anybody in her family. And they were lovely and made me feel so welcome and, and comfortable. But my anxiety, again, not knowing anybody, I'm in a different country. Yeah. You know, um... I just felt that same frustration and that same feeling I felt in Austin that night when I wrote it. Okay. And so I got back, it was like 2 a.m. and just using that emotion as fuel for the for the performance. So I just set up my iPhone on some empty boxes. Wow. I was all alone. Wow. And I was like, all right, I'm doing this. This is raw. This is real. I want, I want that to be conveyed through this. So I know it doesn't look like it's like super well done because it wasn't. It mm. was it was just my my phone and myself, you know, and and my feelings and so you guys got it raw and real as can be. Was it difficult to share it to post it? There was the in the moments leading up to to posting it, I was like, should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? And like, but I know what the bigger picture is. Mm. You know, I know what the what the cause is, what 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 it's about. And it's bigger than than my fear, or my anxiety, or my ego, or what people may think. So, um, when it was finally released, it was I was so excited, like I was nervous, excited. But then when it was finally out, I started getting some feedback yeah. and seeing. Oh man, it was so great. Really, it, it was like. What's the feedback oh, you're getting? It's it's been great. So many people have, have contacted me and have been like, "Thank you so much. I struggle from the same thing." I didn't know, like, you look like you have it all together, and you've, you've given me hope, you've inspired me, like, just everything I wanted from the video um, I've, I've gotten so far, and I'm just, I'm so happy about it, and um, the response has been so great, and uh, I eventually want to work up to actually maybe trying to perform live myself. Okay. Um, the same it, piece? The same piece, other pieces. I've written a couple more. Wow. Um, Maybe 
work my way up from some like some local open mic nights where nobody knows me. I'll wear hat and glasses sure, sure, sure. just to get used to it, yeah. you know? And then, um, yeah, and then maybe be able to do it for real. Do you feel like it has given you more confidence in day-to-day life, just putting it out there and getting it off your chest and, 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 and people kind of know? Or is that it, it, like you're back at that party in London, you'll still feel the same way. It's hard to kind of change. I do feel a lot better about okay. putting it out there and kind of like, you know, I looked the monster in the face, you know, yeah. and I was like, and then let everyone else see it too, you know, but um, I definitely still feel that that social anxiety and I know there are ways to cope with it and ways to deal with it. Just like anything else, it's going to take practice, but um, yeah, I don't know. How long have you been dealing with that? You know, since mental health has become more of a prevalent issue and yeah. is becoming more talked about, um, I was able to put a, a name to it and okay. figure out what it was, but it's something I've been feeling since I was little. Really? The only place I've ever felt like really comfortable is, you know, doing karate, playing soccer, being active, you right. know? Um, what, but when I'm put in a, in a situation where it's like, okay, here's all these people, everyone talk, and, you know, um, then it's like, ooh, <laughs> it just kind of, I don't know, I get that feeling. So when you walk out to fight, you never feel that? No, I feel really? so at peace. No anxiety, no nothing? No, I just feel focused and ready and, and um, just just ready to go out there and fight. But I don't feel, the anxiety that I feel is like a nervousness. Like, okay, yeah, let's, go, let's go, let's the go, let's go. anticipation. But it's not anywhere near the same anxi- anxiety that I feel when, when I'm like out at a social event where sure. I don't know anybody and... I'm, I'm either, I have two options, like, okay, come out of my shell and, and talk to people. And still, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like, where do my hands go? Yeah, yeah, am, yeah. I, am, I, am I, do I look weird? It's either that or I sit off in a corner by myself and, and don't say anything and I just kind of watch. But then it's like, I'm sitting by myself. Does everyone know I'm sitting by myself? Yeah, yeah. Do I look weird because I'm by myself? Oh, so it's just like this constant, this, this battle in, in my head where I want to engage because I love talking to people and meeting new people. And once the ice is broken, for the most part, I, I feel okay. But there's some moments where I'm like, God, you're so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know. I hate, I hate when uh, interviewers interject, but like you're giving me so many uh, memories of being in college. Mm-hmm. I used to be, I used to wait till I, I would listen in my dorm and wait till I didn't hear anyone, wait till like 3 a.m. just to go brush my teeth because I was that nervous about being around other people. I would never go to the uh, cafeteria to eat. I would get food and then run upstairs and eat in my room by myself because I didn't, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know what to do with my hands. I didn't know yeah. if they were looking at me, if they were judging me. Um, but you so, feel comfortable in front of these cameras yes. doing this, right? Yes. It's, it's a bizarre it's kinda, thing. It's so, so backwards. People are like, you don't seem shy at all. Right. You're very outgoing. I'm like, yeah, I am when I'm at work. Right. You know, when I know I'm doing this, this is planned. I can kind of like mentally prepare for it. But um, like I said the other day, I was at the grocery store after training, just super tired, putting together a salad and someone comes up to me, hey, Tiffany, how's it going? And I'm Uh like, I don't, uh, like I I kind of froze. And then I was like, oh, I probably came off like a jerk. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's a tough thing. It's crippling at times. Very. Um, And so I give you a lot of credit. When I saw that, I was like, first of all, you performed it wonderfully Thank you. Um, and it's very well written Thank but when you. I saw it it was great to see someone who I mean like what you 
what all of you do, uh, MMA fighters, boxers. I mean, I can't even imagine, like I don't possess, we regular people, we don't possess the gene that you guys possess that allows you to go into a ring or a cage. It's a little bit of a crazy. Yeah, it is yeah, a crazy, it's, but it's a it's good crazy. kind of crazy, but I, I like, I admire it, but I can never even fathom doing it. Um, like you're, you're essentially naked, right? Like you have no shoes on, you're wearing gloves, big one, small one, but like, that's pretty much it. You have yeah. no weapons. I mean, two fighters is essentially two warriors bearing their souls to the world. It's insane. Yeah. And then, and so, like, you're able to do that, but then a party scares the crap out of you. Yeah. It's an amazing like, there's, thing. There's things people will invite me out to, to events or dinners, and I do want to go, but I just think about that feeling, and, oh, I'm going to get it, and yeah. mm, I'm just going to stay home tonight. Do you feel like it stopped you from going down certain paths in your life, like from achieving certain goals, or have you been able to overcome it every step of the way? I mean, certainly you're successful as far as fighting is concerned, and you could have been successful in soccer as well, right? You had to make that choice. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like it has stopped you throughout your life? Um, No, I'm sitting here talking to you. You're doing well. So I'm doing something right. Right. Yeah. Um, It's amazing. I, I, I really urge everyone to check it out, and I hope you do it more. I really do. I will. I definitely. Yeah. I really the it was it was uh, the same kind of release and expression and and uh, outlet that I feel from fighting, mm-hmm. um, just without all the physical pain right. <laughs> and all the all the sweat. All the uh, it's just a different kind of release, but it it felt um, like on this. It was on the same scale. Sure. Like after a fight, you just feel <sighs> okay. You know, um, doing that. The first time I, I performed it and got it out and actually, you know, watched it, I was like, oh, that yeah. felt really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Um, and, and what about you also put, just perusing your social media? You, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but you, you, you took the liberty to call out a troll who was just harassing you, right? How bad is this for you? How it, often are you harassed? online at least every day really yeah at least once a day like it's relentless it's not relentless um sometimes it's it's pretty quiet or it's pretty mild yeah but then there's sometimes where somebody just has the nerve to post something so vulgar Hmm. or so inappropriate or so rude it just i cannot stay quiet okay you know i have to respond because it's like i think a lot of times they don't expect a response like i'm not gonna see it and, and I think it's kind of important in, in a sense to be like, hey, just because you're sitting behind a computer screen or your phone and no one, like there's no consequence for what you just said, it doesn't mean it doesn't have an effect, you know, and you need to know that that's not okay. You know, like, w- like one of the main issues in today's world is cyberbullying. Mm. And then that just goes along with the anxiety and the depression sure. and, and especially with kids mm-hmm. and there's in, in this generation, the social media generation, like, it's terrible. People can just say whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, with no consequences. And they don't think about how it affects, mm-hmm. you know, the person that they're saying it to. Like, even after a fighter loses a fight, like uh. I said, they just went out and bared their soul to the world. Do you yeah. think they wanted to lose? Do you think they wanted to have a bad performance? Do you think you telling them they suck or how uh. badly they did is going to help in any way or contribute to how they're feeling? Like, no. I mean, people just need to... I think if the roles were reversed, if everybody could at least, you know, fight once. Yeah, good luck Just with that. once. Yeah. Go through a training camp. You know, the mental, the physical, the emotional roller coaster that that is a training camp, and then put yourself in front of that many people and and do the thing in front of that many people. 
Um, I think they a lot of those trolls would would shut up. It's amazing. You could get a hundred positive comments and then one really bad one, and that's the one you'll harp on. At least I'm that way, right? Yeah. And like you kind of eh, great, thank you, compliment, compliment, and then you get one really nasty one, yeah. and it ruins your day because it comes right to your face, right? It's not like someone writing on some forum and you have to go in there and search for it. Like it, this is your phone, this is your personal phone, yeah. And you're reading it, and it feels very personal. Yeah. And so I wonder. I think that might have something to do with it too. The yeah, fact like, that it's something that it's yours and you're holding it in your hand right and you're reading something that somebody wrote all like 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 they meant for you to see it it's right. like it's personal so what do you do you just block 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 no i let them really i just let them why you know, why let them what have am, what am i gonna do block them i you don't could, have to see this don't but i don't want to i don't want to give them the satisfaction, the satisfaction. Yeah. so if they want to if they want to keep talking shit and and keep being a you know kind of crummy person i'll acknowledge it and be like mm that's that sucks right you know but i'm gonna leave this here for everybody else to see really okay. like let everyone else see how how terrible you are for saying that but every once in a while <laughs> when i'm feeling some kind of way right yeah. you know like or it's just something so bad i can't ignore it mm-hmm. i'll respond wow. and usually they're really quick to backpedal like especially the guys who are like like oh, videos of me hitting mitts you know like oh nice booty whatever something about that and i'm like I'll, re- I'll respond like, would you say that to my face if you saw me in the gym? Mm-hmm. No. So why would you say that to me right. here? Like, Do you feel like female fighters get it more than male fighters? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Why do you think that is? Because so many males watch this and they feel like, okay, we're better than you. because like, We'll tell you how it is or we'll treat you a certain way. I don't know if it's, if it's necessarily that. Okay. But I think it's just, you know, males and females cohabitating, mm-hmm. you know, like, when it comes down to like the most biological aspects of it it's like a male sees an attractive female it's gonna generate some type of you know response Uh um but to actually act on it and say something inappropriate like that um is is another thing than just being like in your head you can be like oh she's got a nice ass while she's hitting mitts that's cool but instead of put it out there like tweet it like yeah, it's yeah. just so like if you wouldn't say that to my face or to that girl's face because you know she would clock you right don't write it when did you start to feel like this could be a problem like um, your health could be a problem that you might not like when when did it all kind of start um well the cut you know I got a little spoiled in the house. I was cutting from 150 in the house every, like, 10 days. Right. So when I had hit about 45, 42 in training, I was like, okay, we're good to go. We're, like, six pounds ahead of schedule. And I honestly didn't think it was going wrong until about um, probably about Wednesday night. Okay. I got to one 133. Okay. And was like, okay, this is getting tough, tougher than it normally has been. Um, but I just was like, man. You know, weight cutting's about being tough and being mental and getting through it. I know my body can do it. I've done it before. Yeah. So, you know, I just reframed and got, I got to about 30, 30 and a half and, and I knew something, something was different. So, okay. What were you feeling? Um, it was, it was the pain in my back. Okay. And I know from cutting weight after all these years that once your back starts to hurt, you're, you're in that dehydration phase and, and I've never had that kind of kind of pain that I was in. Um, and then my, my ribs and my legs started cramping and I couldn't really walk without my legs wobbling and, and feeling weak. And then I started getting, started getting delirious. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh man, this is, and, um, you know, it was tough because I had to decide if, 
if it was truly mental or if, or if my body was really telling me something's wrong. Because it's one thing to be tough because it's hot and the sun is hot and the yeah, sun is yeah. miserable and the tub is hot. That's kind of, to me, you can tough that out. Okay. Um, but I kind of just was not sure if I had reached that point where something might actually be wrong. Wow. And uh, apparently I had. <laughs> um, you had people around you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did they tell you? we need to go to the hospital or something or did you like did you collapse we've heard some story yeah. what exactly happened that led you to go to the hospital well i had i had collapsed a little bit there okay and i came to you and, pass out yeah oh man okay <laughs> uh and i came i had and you know my coach was with me jamal patterson and um clip from the ufcpi and i was like just drag me into the sauna because i couldn't make wow. my way there and and they were like no <laughs> if you're to the point where we have to physically drag you into the sauna it's probably something yeah 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 something wrong and so so clint decided to call um dr d from the ufc and once he got on the phone i kind of knew i kind of knew he wasn't going to be too happy with um the symptoms because uh-huh. i kind of yeah i knew and i kind of was like nah just just drag me in there it's you know we got five more just Damn. don't tell nobody just drag me yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um Nah, Dr. D was like, nah, I think she needs her vitals checked. And so they called the paramedics wow. and they checked my vitals and, and my heart rate was just um, super high. And then it would it would plummet when I sat down. When I stood up, it, my heart rate would shoot back up again. Wow. And, you know, if I was laying down, my blood pressure was good. But as soon as I sat up or stood up, my blood pressure would drop. So... You know, then they were like, you know, we got to, we got to take you, we got to take you into the hospital, have you tested. And that's when I was like, yeah, I had my little breakdown because <laughs> I knew, I knew once I figured once I got brought into the ER, yeah. I wasn't, my, my night was over. What time was this at? Um, I remember getting to the ER around like two or three o'clock in the morning. Okay. On Wednesday Thursday. going into Thursday. Yeah. 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 Um, and you were, you were resisting it. You were fighting it. Yeah. I told them in the, in the ambulance, they tried to IV me and I was oh. like, don't, don't give me any IV. Cause if I put any weight on, maybe I can still, I was like, somebody called Dana, somebody called Mick, oh, man. <laughs> get my manager on the phone. I was like, call Lee. Let's see if, uh, we can do something at one thirty. But yeah. I knew if they put an IV in me, I would go up to 31 you know, 30 yeah. and a half. And so they put a line in me in the ambulance. I was like, let us give you some fluids. And I was like, no, cause, oh my gosh. um, maybe I can do this. Just stay where I'm at yeah. until nine. Cause Dr. Dude was like, I'm not letting you cut no more. Like that's it. Okay. Like, so my, my, what I was trying to ask was, could I just stay where I was and see what we can do at 9am at weigh-ins, give up percentage of my purse or whatever. Um, but I got to the ER, they drew some blood and was like, no, you've got acute kidney failure and Damn. we have to get a bag in you. Wow. And, you know, I kind of was like, you know, can I sit like this? And he was like, if you sit as dehydrated as you are, it's going to get worse. And then, you know, she started talking creatine levels and I just kind of broke down. <laughs> oh my gosh. And as you got I emotional. Was, yeah. 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 Cause, Cause you knew the opportunity. Yeah. I knew once. Yeah. I knew once they bagged me up, it was just, it was a wrap. So. Have you ever felt anything close to this in terms of cutting weight? I mean, obviously, maybe not kidney. You never had kidney failure, right? Or have you? Not that I know of. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, have no. you ever ha, have you ever felt anything like this? No, not that. It's bad. never been easy, right? No, no, no. It wasn't easy in the house. Right. I've had other cuts before. I've been an athlete for for ten years, um, but that's that's kind of why I knew something was up because I had I had never felt that before. Okay. There was lots of discomfort. There was lots of you know like there's a lot of it's hot in there you're hungry you're thirsty your lips are chapped cutting weight's never fun right um and i've always just been able to just duke it out um but you know some of the, some of the doctors at the hospital kind of explained the whole the whole background and they were like you you probably hurt yourself uh six weeks ago in the house and that's probably some carryover. Oh, really? how so um 
you know the you know how doctors are yeah I, to, I was like it's not that bad give me a bag get me out of here yeah, 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 yeah. um of course the doctor's like you've got kidney failure and i was right. like yeah technically but. yeah <laughs> um it, they were just saying i had probably done so much cutting okay over the past couple of weeks that it probably didn't take much for my kidneys to be like okay something's wrong wow because i might have done some mild you know, stress right. to my body at some point, especially being that it wasn't that long ago. Because I was like, yo, six, eight weeks ago. And yeah. they're like, you know, in terms of your body and your kidneys six to eight weeks ago, isn't that long ago. So, you know, but the doctors really, the doctors I talked to at the hospital aren't as familiar with MMA and weight cutting as anybody else. So I kind of was like, yeah, well, you guys are playing more on the safe side. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel like you did anything wrong? Like at the beginning of this camp, like could you have started lighter, should you have not done this or that? Was there anything that you could have done to avoid this? Or was it inevitable maybe because of, you know, all the stress you put on your body on the show? Um, well, I'm not sure. Okay. You know, um, obviously in hindsight, it's always like, man, could have done this, would have done that, et cetera. Um, the only thing I, I wish I had done differently, I wish I had gotten with Clint in the UFC PI earlier into camp. Okay. I didn't really start using the UFC PI as a tool until like the last two weeks. And, and Clint already was like, okay, well, we got another big, big cut ahead of us, you know? So, and I was working with a nutritionist, um, but I, I, the only thing I wish I had done differently was work with the UFC and the UFC PI sooner, like okay. right, right out of the house. Okay. Um, cause I was talking to Clint too. He said I probably rebounded pretty bad from those couple of cuts too. Okay. So, you know, just going forward, just got to evaluate my body and, uh, really revamp my whole my whole nutrition and training process because I never really had a chance to walk around as a flyweight before. And so I think that just played the the biggest factor in everything. When were you officially ruled out of the fight? Um I don't know exactly. Okay. But you never even tried you like you were never en route to the weigh ins, right? No, I never no. No. We went from the UFC PI straight to the ER and Did you stay there overnight? They, I got to, so I got to the hospital, what, 2 or 3 a.m. Yeah. on Thursday, and so they wanted me to stay overnight into Friday. Okay. Um, but by Thursday night, I was like, test me again, get me out of here. Okay. <laughs> I had two and a half bags and was drinking a ton of coconut water, a ton of Powerade, just drinking lots of fluids, getting um, some food back in me once my body started acting normal again, using the restroom, et cetera. I just, the doctor was like, I think you should stay till tomorrow. Um, but I was like, can you just run my blood one more time and see if my kidneys are functioning? And he came back. He was like, you know, I, I think you should stay, but I, I'll release you if you want to go. Okay. And I was like, yeah, give me You left. Oh, yeah. I hate hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. They're depressing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah. makes you more appreciative of, of life when, when you're in a hospital, even yeah. like for a good thing, like when you're there to visit someone, with, yeah. you just want to get the hell out of yeah, there. Get the, yeah. And yeah. Then by then, you know everyone else was doing open weigh-ins and yeah. you know Jamal Patterson was out there with me but he had to go be with Deanna so then I was in the hospital like by myself looking at TV oh no oh, get me get me out of here uh, I've never been admitted to a hospital before either so that was my first time you've never been in a what I've never been to a hospital before I've never really been, ever 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 except for I guess the day I was born maybe <laughs> wow you've <laughs> led so, a good life yeah so I've never been in an ambulance I've never been in a hospital I was like wow. this is for the birds get yeah. me out of here wow I want it out <laughs> As soon as I got back I mean, to normal, I was that's like, a good uh, that's a good motivation yeah. to never go through this again, right? Absolutely, not to be Absolutely. back. What was it like? So you're out like two, three, four. You're in the hospital, but then it took a while for the news to get out. Mm-hmm. So like it's quiet, and then I'm sure there's like a flood of reaction. What mm-hmm. was that like once it kind of settled in that you weren't going to fight for the belt? Um, you know, it's tough. 
you know, it's heart wrenching because, you know, I've been working so hard for this and to get that close off of um, something that, you know, I have to take responsibility for. You mm-hmm. know, as a professional, it's my job to make the weight. You know, I was sick, but I got sick trying to make the weight. Um, so it was tough, man. It's tough. It, you know, I ended up going to the fights that night and literally sitting cage side and watching really? watching the belt go by is is for as heart wrenching as it is, like it, it also uh makes me even hungrier to want to get it to get it back. It makes me even more motivated. Like, you know, I I right away was like, Clint man, let's <laughs> what we're we gonna do, you know, talking to my coaches, talking to Clint, talking to everybody. Um so for for as heart wrenching as it was you know, this this game has ups and downs and you take some knocks and I, I just happened to take a knock right before I was like arms reach from from my goals. And, you know, I got to do what I got to do to get back. So it is what it is. Why did you decide to go to the fights? Because I felt like that was a professional thing to do. Okay. I, I had a teammate on the card, Deanna Bennett was fighting, I had a bunch of friends from the house that were fighting and... I just felt like, you know, after talking to my family and my coaches, and I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Okay. You know, I'm a professional. I'm here. Y'all ain't getting rid of me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. might as well sit down. I and, thought maybe you would just go home. You, you wouldn't want to be around it, watch it, witness it. No. Be near it. My goal is to be the champion. Okay. My goal is to fight in the UFC for the rest of my career. My goal is to be the best woman ever step foot in that cage. And I felt like part of my process of moving forward and, and getting back to where I was is to sit down at the fights and, and hold my head up and move forward. How was the UFC towards you once this became official? Did you speak to Dana White or McMainer? How did they react to the news? Man, Mick and Mick and Dana have been super awesome to me. Okay. Um, I didn't get a chance to uh, speak to Mick face to face, but I did did speak to Dana. Um, they were like, you know, you, you still got a job with us, and um, you know, they asked me sort of what happened and what went wrong. And, you know, they've been nothing but great to me since then. They were great to me leading up to the fight and they've been good to me since then. And the biggest concern was my health. They mm-hmm. was like, we want you to be healthy. And, and that's the biggest concern for us as a company. Um, and so, you know, I apologize for, for missing the weight because I do stick to, it's my responsibility as a professional um, to make the weight. And so I told them, you know, I let you down for a main event, main card, um, but I will be back. And that's what I told him. He said, hey, Kate, we just want you healthy and we'll be happy to have you. Are you going to be back as a flyweight? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Why? Because it's my weight class. You believe I, so? I believe so. I believe this is my weight class. Uh, I, I will have to do some some changes. I think, uh, to be perfectly honest, I was a little spoiled in the house because I was able to cut so much weight. Okay. Um, what do you I mean by spoiled? I was able to cut from, I was able to cut 20 pounds at a time. And okay. it was hard, but I was cutting it. Okay. And I thought I would be able to do that oh, okay. one or two more times before I had time to revamp my body. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been doing martial arts for 10 years. I, in jiu-jitsu, I fought at 163. In MMA, I've been fighting at 135. I've been walking around at 50, 55 for the last four or five years. Uh-huh. So it takes time to reframe your body. I'm probably going to have to cut back on a little, uh, little muscle mass and do what I have to do to walk at 145, but I have a lot of professional um, professionals in my corner that look at my stature in my body and say that yes, you do have the frame to walk in the low 40s in a healthy way. Okay, and you can cut to 125 in a healthy way. We just have to get you to that walk around weight, and the cut from there is going to be just like everyone else's cut. It's not going to be as dramatic as it's been. So if my body can physically walk at flyweight without doing damage to my health, then I'm a flyweight. I'm not going to get chased out of the division because I made some miscalculations. Um, in this last cut. Do you feel like you're smaller? You're too small to be a, a bantamweight? Do you feel um, like you're at an advantage as, as a flyweight because you may be bigger? 
Yeah, I don't think I'm. Everyone says I'm bigger as a flyweight, yeah, but yeah. if you look at my reach and my height, uh-huh. I'm actually smaller than most other flyweights. Wow, how tall are you? I'm five four. Okay, and what's you know your what reach? I mean? uh, like sixty seven, okay. sixty eight. You know, most of the girls I fought at. I mean, when I was fighting at bantamweight, these girls were cutting from like fifty five and sixty. They're five eight, five nine. Yeah. Their stature is just bigger. Yeah. Um, I believe I can fly fight at bantamweight. Because I think I have the size mm-hmm. to do it, um, but I don't have the height and the reach. And I think I'm more structurally um, successful at flyweight. Okay. So I just think it's just a matter of getting my walk around down. Um, so yeah, I'm a flyweight for sure. Prior to the Ultimate Fighter, how many times had you cut to 125 or 126? Once. Once. In 2013 or 14. Were you nervous going into the, the house? No. No, why? Because I just knew it was my time. Okay. You know? I had cut to flyweight in like 2014 and it was a rough cut, but at the time there's only 115 to 135 in the UFC. So I kind of decided I should probably bulk up to Bantamweight right. to get into the UFC um, because there wasn't a 25 at the time. Right. And when they announced the ultimate fighter, I was like, boom, I'm in there. Absolutely. And I had already bought my plane ticket when they said, this is going to be for flyweight and for the inaugural belt. Okay. And I wasn't nervous because I knew this was my time. Okay. I knew I was going to do well in the house. I knew the wake up was going to be rough because I had been walking around as a band of weight. But I knew that, you know, I have, I've had IDEXA scans. I knew my body could do it. And so um, I just couldn't, I couldn't pass up an opportunity. I couldn't not try out because it was 10 pounds. Okay. I just couldn't not try to get my foot in the door and try to let the world know who I am. And I did exactly that. I knew I was going to have a hard time in the house, but I knew I was going to do well. You even had to cut your hair. I had to cut my hair. Damn. But now Great my hair. hair's cool now. Now yeah, It is super cool. <laughs> I've got like a mannish bun thing That's happening. Cool. Yeah, I can put fade, designs design. on the side. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. But that, I mean, it takes a long time to get hair like that. It does. Did it break your heart? No. No? Yeah. My Damn. goals would be the champ, man. You don't this care hair, about hair. It'll grow back. Yeah. All right. As long as I'm not a full baldy, that was the one thing. Okay, I, you yeah. got to leave some on the top. How did you? How did you decipher like how much I should cut, you so, know, without going too far, right? I've been unnecessary grow, because I, I've been growing dreads for a long time, and I know okay. they can be heavy, especially okay. once they get long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to, you know, I jump in the pool and your head. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had already the sides were already gone, but the length was about shoulder length, and I still had the whole back. Okay. And so I was kind of feeling around. Um, I actually give a little shout out to uh, Ariel Beck in the house. Okay. I was sitting there and I was like a half pound off and Ariel's like, didn't you tell me your hair is like a whole pound on its own? I was like, oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just, you know, I just kind of felt around, just kind of know my hair. And I was like, I bet you if we just take the whole back off and then about three or four inches, I bet you that'll get us there. And we got to the snipping. Unbelievable. Half off, yeah. So and looking back on the experience, I mean, it doesn't necessarily end well. I know this is the beginning of your journey, but just being on the reality show, it's all done. It's out there in the world. Are you happy with it? Absolutely. You were happy with the experience? Absolutely. Oh, I loved it. You did? I loved the house, yeah. What did you love about it? Man. It feels like a nightmare to me. If it, you know, How many weeks? Six? Six weeks, yeah. Jeez Louise, no contact with the outside world. None whatsoever. You recently had a kid. Yeah, yeah. How, did, how were you away from your kid for six weeks? It's incredible. You couldn't talk? Couldn't talk to my no kid. No FaceTime, no nothing. No FaceTime, no Jeez. nothing. I came back heart? to a whole new kid. Yeah. yeah. She was like. <laughs> How old was she, she when was, she left? When you left? Uh, Six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. So she was a little tiny oh little. My gosh. She was kind of laying there, just kind of looking around. Yeah. Got back, she's like trying to sit up. She's like rolling over. She's like pulling bubbles. She had developed so much. That wasn't, that, that, that didn't hurt time. you? That wasn't it, hard? It does. It It's hard. You know, it's hard to be away from your kid. It's hard to be away from the people that you love. But I, I set my daughter up 
for the whole rest of her life by getting this opportunity. No one would know who I am right now if I didn't do that house. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to fight Roxanne Montefiore for fight of the season. I got to fight Deanna Bennett in a good fight, Maya Stevenson. I got to be on TV every week right. on, on FS1. And I, I feel like I've set myself up for a career. And you're still in the UFC. Uh, I'm a free agent right now. You are? I'm a free agent. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't have to get permission to do this? Uh, no. But, uh, you know, I don't know how exactly it works. I've been seeing guys like Gilbert, yeah. Aljo. Yeah. All kind well, if of you're not contractually this. tied to them, you don't really have to ask for anything, right? No. So no, you no. fought out your contract? Yes. The last against, fight against Frankie against Perez? Against Frankie. That, Interesting. I, you know, I was under the impression that Frankie and I were both kind of because uh, we had come off a few losses. Yeah. I, I thought it was one of those like sink or swim kind of deal. Whoever loses this fight, you're out. It's a lightweight division. You know how the lightweight division is. It's yeah. stacked. Yeah. So, um, you know, I feel, obviously you saw my tweets. I feel misled. Yeah. Um, that's where that, that anger kind of came from. Okay, so let's talk about that. There's, yeah. there's a lot to unpack here. I didn't even know that, that you were a free agent. Yeah. Um, Matt Mitrion was on the show a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He talked about how uh, Joe Silva, according to him, lied to him about the right. size of the cage. And then I, I saw on your Twitter, you were like, oh yeah, I kind of know, I've had my own issues with Joe Silva in the past, who of course is no longer with the UFC. Right. What happened with you? I mean, I, I think from the jump, he and I just never, never saw eye to eye. from, And I, I never had a conversation with the man face to face like this. Really? Never once. The only thing we've done is, you know, shake hands with him, give a little head nod, thank you for the opportunity, I appreciate it. And uh, the way that I heard through my management at the time that he was speaking about me was just like, it was infuriating, you know? Like, what was he how, saying? You know, I, I went to redo my contract when I was 3-0. and okay. I, I guess it's standard. Yeah. If, if they see that you're trending in a good direction, they're going to re-extend your contract before you get to that last fight. Right. I think probably what it is is it gives them a little more leverage. If you win your next fight big, now they're looking at having to really like deal with you, you right. know? So I did the standard, the 8 and 8, the 10 and 10, the 12 and 12. Uh, I put the first guy to sleep in a minute. Yep. It was like one of the quickest debuts. Yep. You know, Dana giving me a hug as I walk in the back. You know, I'm thinking after this first fight, like my dreams are coming true here. This is going to be amazing. Like everything I've worked so hard for. I got to the Boston fight in January. It was like, you know, maybe four months later. And they put me against uh, Lepang. Yeah. And I beat him like 30-26. But uh, I wasn't proud of the fight. Too much grappling, not enough, like, too much trying to submit the guy and not enough trying to put him away with my striking. And uh, I won 30-26, but I never watched the fight still because I was just, like, I was down on the fight. Really? And from that moment, I got a sense when I went, even in backstage, I saw Dana, saw a couple of people. Like, they didn't even really want to, like, conversate. They were kind of like, you know, I tried to reach, reach out, hey, hey, I just kind of right around you. I was like, something's not really right here, you know? And uh, then it took me six months to get my next bout being 2-0, and oh, asking, asking, asking. I'm healthy, yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, and it had to be a short notice. They gave me like, all right, we'll throw him on three weeks, New Orleans with Mitrion, yep, yep, yep. which is where I kind of started like getting to know him a little bit. Okay. Uh, against Jagos, who got a raw deal, in my opinion, too, with them. But uh, I thought we got after it pretty good. You know, he was bloodied. We were going at it. I won that fight, 30-27 again, lost, like, no rounds. 
and uh, I got no discretionary win bonus, which is like usually standard. My teammates will tell me, "Dude, I get discretionary bonus when I lose fights." Really? You didn't get one when you won a fight? I'm like, and this Nothing. is the the, the pre sale era. We're not talking about the new UFC, right? We're talking about this the old, is the old, yeah, 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 yeah. the old regime, yeah. yeah. And then when I got to three and zero. I thought I had like, you know, just a little bit of leverage. Yeah. You know? One fight left after that? One fight left. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was coming up on like 14 and 14. So uh, I said to my manager, hey, do you think maybe we could, you know, negotiate up just a little bit? You know, get a little pay bump, a yeah. couple grand, you know? He's like, you know, I'm going to ask. I'll go ask. He calls me back like distraught. Chris, it didn't go well. I'm like, <laughs> what? what? What happened? No go? He's like, not just no go. I mean, he laid into you pretty good on there. Joe Silva? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, I don't even want to repeat the things that he said to you uh, about you on the phone. Really? I was like, it was, how, what? How? He's like, it was ugly, man. What? It was ugly. And I'm sitting there like, what did I do to this guy? What did I do wrong to this guy that he's talking about me like this, you know? We've never had a conversation, nothing. And, uh... After that, that's when I started getting booked with, like, first it was Tysimov. And I was like, all right, you know, let's go. Yeah. The visa issues in, yeah. uh, in uh, Boston. So yeah. I wound up uh, submitting Medi Baghdad. I'm 4 0 now. I want a top 15 fight. I'm like, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. We're climbing to the top. So they give me Mega Madoff in the Netherlands. And uh, he pulls out. And without calling me, they give me Kabilov. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that didn't seem like standard to me. What do you mean without calling you? Like if someone pulls out, usually you'll, you'll have a conversation with them about like, all right, what's, what's our option? What yeah, yeah. Because I wanted a top 15 fight. Yeah. And I wanted a fight in America where I, could, where I think I'm marketable. You yeah, know, yeah. I think I'm one of the better looking guys in the division. I think I'm one of the most athletic guys on the roster. I wanted to be promoted. I wanted to fight a James Vick at the time, a Kevin Lee. I wanted my chance yeah. on, on one of these up and comers. Without a conversation, they're like, nah, he's staying in the Netherlands. He's fighting... Uh, Kabilov, or what? You know, it is what it is. We take it. You know, I don't know if you saw that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't go my way, and then so that's three of the Russian guys in a row. Yeah, and then my next fight, my manager calls me laughing, but like nervous laughing a little bit. I'm like, what? What is up? He's like, you're not gonna believe this. He's like, they gave you, you got a fight, but it's another Dagestani guy. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. Who is it? So he tells me Islam. I don't. I wasn't familiar with him at the time. Okay. But he told me that there was like a PED issue, and I don't know if you've ever seen my Twitter, but I'm pretty vocal about how you know contact oriented our sport is. That you're you're trying to harm each other in there. Yeah. So I'm very against PEDs, you know. So I was like, no, nah, I'm not. Uh, you know, he's coming off an appeal suspension where, like, he didn't really say he didn't do it. There was like an issue with the language barrier or something. It was a new on the banned substance list. Yeah. So I was like, no, nah, you know, give me someone else. And that's when I knew, like, this is a problem. He he's like, you know, I'm on board with you, Chris. We're gonna tell him this isn't the fight for us. Calls me back. He's like, that did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, again? Oh, no, what God. could have possibly happened now? He's like, he said he's going to cut you, that you're in no position to turn down a fight. Who do you think you are? Blah, blah, blah. Now I'm watching guys hand cherry-pick yeah, yeah, yeah. fights all across every division to try to work their way to the top. 
now I'm like, this guy, this guy's got it out for me. And he basically said that. He's like, he's, he's, he's got it for you, man. And uh, I think they were trying to trim the roster down. And I think he tried those two losses in a row. He tried railroad me and put me out after that. I, I, I wound up with new management. And, uh, you know, I was able to get on that Long Island card yeah. thinking I'll write the ship. Now, by the way, did you change management because of this? Or? Yes. I thought that. I thought that this, I contacted Sean directly because uh-huh. I thought, I didn't believe what they were telling me about. John Shelby. No, no my, 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 my management. Oh. I didn't, I was like, how could this be? Yeah. You know, they're telling me they're, he's looking for a fight for you. He's looking for a fight for you. And then I, I'm like four and two. I had the four fight win streak and then the two yep. losses to the Russian guys who haven't lost since. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, you know, they give me like a short notice. They call me about Felder. Uh, Felder fought someone in like uh, Nova Scotia or something mm-hmm. like that earlier this year. Yeah. He was supposed to be on the Barclays. Yeah. So I take the fight. I say yes to it. And then they give me the, the guy's name who, who he wound up fighting. I say yes to both names. I'm like, just, I'll do it. I'll, I'll take it. And they, no one even answers me back. They just <laughs> booked the two of them. Oh my God. And this happened like two or three times this year alone where I got called about something and then no answer back after I said yes. So uh, after that, I get a call and saying like, yo, I think, I think they're just gonna let you go. I'm like, you just gave me a fight offer last week. What's going on right now? So I went around, contacted Sean, like we need to talk, you know? And I, you know, I have respect for Sean. He treated me like, you know, a person. He didn't uh, demean me or anything like that. But he kind of passed the buck a little bit, in my opinion, onto Joe, you know, trying to trim the roster down. I'm not, I'm going to try to get you about, but I'm not sure. And I uh, wound up getting that Perez fight. Yeah. And I think I won all three of those rounds, too. Right. Wasn't my best fight, for sure, ever. I wasn't that happy with it, but I thought I was, you know, next contract, moving on, let's go, let's move. I was told after that fight, we're going to get. We're going to do your next contract when we get you your next opponent. So I waited from July to, you know, around my birthday in September. I'm hearing nothing. I'm like, something's not right. So I start calling, calling, calling. And that's when I, they don't even come straight forward with you. They just like kind of, that's why I made the reference on Twitter to the guy from Office Space, Mm. who they don't, he doesn't really get it. And they don't want to really tell him like yeah. what's going on, but he keeps getting moved and yeah. tucked away, and it felt like that. And, you know, I just I, I feel like I got railroaded, you know. And so they never offered you anything, Nothing. no contract offer, no fight offer, nothing. After I just Frankie kept he, I just kept hearing that it was going to happen, it was going to happen, it was going to happen. Uh, we got a, we got a lot of guys to get fights like this, this, that, and the other, and then just I'm still sitting here. Wow, they they haven't made five months later. Yeah, and you know I got I got. Not, it's not to say like, woe is me, woe is me. But to me, when I when I earn the record that I have, I have two first round finishes, and that's why I blew up. And I'm watching guys like on the card, main card. No offense to those guys, they're on the main card. This dude has no win streaks, and never has put somebody away. And Sean's tagging him like their buddy buddy after the fight. He didn't finish again. The dude's like half a decade older than me. There's no consistency in anything that they're doing or rhyme or reason. And that's when I got frustrated. I'm watching Michael Quinones and Sage. I called Sage out when I was 3-0. and No love, nothing. 
called Lance out after my last fight. Yeah. Nothing. It's like, I, I tried to look and see guys that have been, this has happened to, and it's always the same thing. It's veterans that are getting paid a lot of money that they just don't see the value anymore in it. My contract is still very reasonable. The only guy I can see is like the guy Hallman was like four and three, mm-hmm. but he put that speedo on and yeah, got himself yeah, yeah. in like, or if somebody got in trouble yeah. outside of fighting. But nothing. I don't know. I'm left to, all they tell me is like, you know, it's not right what they did. So at this point, are you moving on? Yeah, I'm moving on. You think your UFC career is done? I think so. Wow. I don't. This is shocking stuff. Yeah, I don't. I, you know what? It's not healthy for me, for my mindset. Like, they made me wait 10 months. They've made me feel every fight like, like a pit bull that's not the, not the whole organization. Sure. I love the PR guys, Chris and Christian and everybody that's Dean. And they're all amazing people, great people. But the, the way they treat the fighters, I mean, look at my, my buddy Aljo like the, with this weekend. Excellent fighter. Anything can happen in there at yeah. any time. Yeah. You think that that's worth what you're giving us, and for that, and then you're gonna treat us like this on top of it? Like to me, that's where I had to like just voice my my frustration. Yeah. All right, how much fun was that? Thirty-four in studio guests this year. Amazing. I've said it. There's something about the in-studio guests that's just different. The one-on-one time, the face-to-face, you get a little more out of them, extended time. It's just so much fun. It's something I've always wanted for the show. And now with the new set, the new studio, I feel like we have the perfect setup for this sort of thing. So thank you very much, New York Rick, and the rest of the team for compiling all of that. Some of the biggest names in MMA, some of the biggest names in combat sports came by. And uh, now it's my... It's my mission in 2018 to top all that. I have no idea how we will top all that, but I will try. I will certainly try, my friends. Alberto Del Rio, Chael Sonnen, Scott Coker, Mia Kang, Fedor Milenko, Matt Mitrione, Michael Chandler, Chris Weidman, Dylan Dennis, Chase Sherman, Pat Militich, Jimmy Rivera, Shane Burgos, Paul Felder, Heather Hardy, Lou DeBella, Steven Espinoza, Ally Quinta, Mickey Gall, Sapo Natal, Musasi, Till, Olenek, Vic, Lee, Brown, St. Pierre, Costa, Hager, Tonin, Van Sust, Eubanks, Wade, Thank you to all of you. Most importantly, thank you to all of you. Really, what a year it has been. My favorite year for this show. It has been so memorable from from early January, our award show, up until now. It's been the best year in the history of the program. We've done more shows this year. We went on the road. We had a couple specials, more in-studio guests, as I said. Couldn't happen without all of you. So thank you so much for your support, for tuning in week after week, for pushing us to put on the best product possible. And I guarantee you in 2018, we're going to do a better job. Thank you to the crew as well. Thank you for making the show so great. And uh, I mean, most importantly, I hope you all have a great holiday season and a happy new year. We're back in early January for our award show. Can't wait for that. January 2nd to be exact. We'll see you then. Peace. I'm out of here. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.